ancient land of China, schools and the martial arts were a way of life, but none were as lethal as the one we are about to reveal. Five deadly venoms. A secret society, each man unknown to the other, identified only by a mass, representing one of nature's deadly assassins, the centipede, the snake, the scorpion, the lizard, and the toad. Five deadly venoms, five masters in the martial arts, each man pitted against the other in savage combat, and each trained in their own vicious method of killing. They practiced a special kind of kung fu, killing by instinct, with machine-like precision, lightning speed, and ruthless power, as ferocious and deadly as the venomous creatures from which it took its name, and whose stings were always fatal. Kill or be killed. Five deadly venoms. No mercy asked, none given, in a kung fu epic as brutal as nature itself. Five deadly venoms, survival of the fittest and kung fu action at its very best in the most spectacular martial arts program. Five deadly venoms, five stinging ways to die. Pick your poison, you'll be stung to your seats. Don't miss Five Deadly Venoms, a Shaw Brothers presentation. Theirs was a mission of certain death. Outnumbered and unarmed, they must get to the tyrant that enslaves their people. No weapon, no matter how lethal, can match their Kung Fu. Alexander Fusheng stars as the young martial arts expert pitted against a murderous warlord with a deadly Kung Fu skill. They live to fight and fight to live in a whirlwind of Kung Fu action. Four men sworn to battle to the death lawless legions of the damned. The Four Assassins. Oh! <laughs> 
five men of destiny await the ultimate challenge. Death and destruction were the Manchu order. They murdered their way to victory and could stop them until they met Masters of Death. new men of destiny, five new deadly ministers of kung fu justice, five new kung fu killing techniques, the whipping triple jointed stick, an avenging reaper of justice, the piercing pole driving its way to victory, the deadly tiger stork, no one escapes. The crushing crossed fists, pounding up revenge on Manchu murderers. See the five kung fu masters of death defeat the Manchu warlords. See the five masters of death. When you're the best, you do things with style. J.J. McQuaid is the best. He's a lone wolf lawman in the Lone Star State. Even a wolf has his weaknesses. And a powerful enemy. The final showdown belongs to McQuaid. Lone Wolf McQuaid, starring Chuck Norris, David Carradine, Barbara Carrera, and Leon Isaac Kennedy. Or forgive them, because they killed his wife, they raped his daughter. And they deserve to die. So he's doing it again. His way. Charles Bronson. He's the best there is at getting even. Goodbye. Death Wish 2. Rated R. Now playing at the Sacramento Drive-In, Dome 24, Birdcage Walk, and the State in Woodland. Friday the 13th, Part 3 in Super 3D. The all-new process that puts you in the picture. Whether you want to be there or not. It will scare you. Count on it. Friday the 13th, Part 3 in Super 3D. Rated R. Now playing in Sacramento. Check newspapers for theaters and showtime. This is the movie that Rex Reed called the most horrifying motion picture I have ever seen. This film is positively ruthless in its attempt to drive you right out of your mind. Sally, I hear something. Stop! Stop! The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. From New Line Cinema. Rated R. There are killers on the loose, dressed like cops, and they always use a magnet. There's only one cop around who can crack this case. They call him Dirty Harry. In 24 hours, Harry stops a robbery, covers a stakeout, and prevents a hijack. Clint Eastwood is back, and this time his world is dirtier than ever. Magnum Force, rated R.
opening Christmas Day at selected theaters around the country. theaters.
我知道你还是会喜欢我的。Pleasure doing business with you. I 本来想推荐你上去，但你上头唔批准。点解？呢个人你应该好熟。我听日要走，后日去台湾嗰单嘢，咪带埋一成咯，俾个机会啲后生仔啊嘛。一朝做贼，想做好人不容易。我已经冇咗个细佬，我唔想连你呢个朋友都冇埋。阿杰，唔再叫我做阿杰，叫阿 Sir。而家大把世界，有好多旧客要靠豪哥你拉翻嚟。我哥系产值唔系我啊！呢度已经唔系我同你嘅世界。你一喐手啊，即刻转翻转头。啊
no possibility of escape. Delta Force gets the word. It's a go. Take them down. They're not after adventure or glory. They're fighting to save American lives. You take one of us, you gotta take us all. Chuck Norris, Lee Marvin. The Delta Force, rated R. Starts Friday, February 14th at theaters everywhere. Chuck Norris returns in Missing in Action 2, the beginning. American MIAs imprisoned and tortured. He's a soldier they couldn't hold. None of you have ever escaped, and none of you will. We're going in. He's breaking out, leading his men, and fighting back. An American hero story continues. Chuck Norris, Missing in Action 2, the beginning. Opens Friday, March 1st at a theater near you. Death Wish 3. First, they took the streets. Then, they took it all. But their next target may be their last victim. Charles Bronson, where there is no justice. There can only be vengeance. Charles Bronson. Death Wish 3. Now playing. Consult your listings. Starts Friday at the Sacramento Drive-In 40... One of the ten best films of the year. A high-octane mixture of outlandishly stylized camp and outrageously sensational shootouts. <laughs> Outrageously exhilarating, guaranteed to tingle the most jaded moviegoer's palate. A film concocted with nitroglycerin, the combined energy of the Road Warrior, Robocop, and the Terminator. Killer is great cinema. The Killer, a thriller comedy that will leave you breathless. a movie that will leave you breathless. Christian Slater, Patricia Arquette, Dennis Hopper, Val Kilmer, Gary Oldman, Brad Pitt, Christopher Walken, in a Tony Scott film that critics are calling a Bonnie and Clyde for the 90s. True Romance. Rated R starts Friday, September 10th at a theater near you. Follow my instructions and we all walk away clean. Domino, you're with me on the side. Shepard, you cover the rear. Are you 
All we want is the money. This is an inside job. Ten million in cash. Let's go home right now. I've seen you two. We're celebrity hostages. dogs before pulp fiction the original men in black shook the world of action cinema in the original a better tomorrow Proudly presents the explosive bullet-ridden sequel, A Better Tomorrow 2. Hong Kong action mavericks John Woo and Troy Hawk take the heroic bloodshed genre to the next level and beyond in a violent symphony of destruction that is often imitated but never better. Chow Yun-Fat, Leslie Chung, and T-Long. A Better Tomorrow 2.
He practiced the lizard style. Chameleon. The lizard is a very agile and nimble style. It enables a man to climb like a lizard. David Rockefeller's money couldn't save him. No. Despite all of the hard work he did for safety. For he's behind the latest accusations. If you disagree, then you must be a Russian agent. Yeah. <laughs> That's a bunch of gobbledygook. People peddling that has got to be spooked. There's not an angle I couldn't possibly choose. And if it's coming out of my mouth, it's got to be truth. Let's keep it all cerebral. If I run for mayor, I won't be mayor. I leave it to the people. Consider this a shot across the bow. The sheeple are awake and we gon' shake them up now. Make them well aware you are extreme liars. You create smoke, then you're like a stream fire. Like we can't see who lit it. It shows like a Saturday Night Live skit. Okay, I get it. None of these federal projectors ever want to speak. Even though I come and visit them like once a week. Not a single thing I say is tongue-in-cheek. The NYPD just sprung a leak. Not one of these federal projectors, they want to speak. Even though I come and visit them like once a week. Not a single thing I say is tongue-in-cheek. The NYPD just sprung a leak. Bastard. You did it again. You a real hard bastard. When will it end? I must say bastard.
All right, welcome to the show. I am the hard bastard. Uh, happy Thanksgiving, everyone, and uh, fuck commies. I'm going to start here with some polling. Latest presidential polls, Joe Biden stumbles again as Trump makes more gains in the primary and general elections. Joe Biden continues his slump of poor polling as his rival Donald Trump creates more separation in both Republican primary and in general election surveys. Trump hit a new high this week in the RCP average of 2024 general election polls, now leading Biden 47.2% to 44.9%. The 2.3 point difference is the former president's largest advantage over Biden since May, according to the RCP average. Trump is also posting his highest polling numbers in the GOP primary this week as he stands at 59.8% and holds a 46.3 point lead over Ron DeFantis. Excuse me, Ron DeSantis. You know what? I, I want to be fair. I want to be fair. I, I am from now on going to call Ron DeSantis shills DeFagtis shills, but I am not going to hold Ron DeSantis responsible for what his shills do. With that said, I do have criticisms of Ron DeSantis. Uh, especially with what has happened in Florida with this pamphlet bill, and there's people currently being jailed right now over it, which is insane. Um, but I'm not going to give him that designation just yet. I'm going to wait to see if he actually is going to go through with this gay op to try to remove Trump from the ballot. But Bill Mitchell, Pedro Gonzalez, someone had a good uh, nickname for him. Uh, Gaydro. I forget who came up with that. I think it was Rashim Kassam or whatever the fuck his name is. I like Gaydro. Yeah, Gaydro Gonzalez uh, and the rest of them. They're defagtists. You know, use whatever derogatory slur. Or maybe derogatory is not your style. Do it however you want. But I'm going to go defagtists when it comes to um, the Schiltz. But not DeSantis himself. I'm waiting. I want to see. I want to see what he does. Because look, if you do a lot of good stuff, I, I think it's fair for me. And I'm just talking about my own way. I give you a lot, like leadway. I give you leadway, okay? Uh, so we'll see. We'll see. But uh, but the shills absolutely are de facto shills. Okay. In the five most recent polls of the general election rematch between Trump and Biden, Trump leads in all of them and posts a six-point lead in two surveys. The most recent poll from Emerson puts Trump at 47% to Biden's 43% in a two-way race, which is a two-point drop for Biden since the last Emerson poll taken a month ago. Biden also fell two points in the latest survey from the Messenger slash Harris, Harris X, dropping from 49 to 47% in a matter of weeks as Trump gained two points in the poll, moving from 51% to 53%. The most recent morning console poll also showed improvement for Trump and spelled more bad news for Biden, according to two morning console polls taken just a week apart. Trump moved up from 43% to 44%, while Biden dropped from 42% to 41%. Biden's dip in the latest polls is coupled with his continued dismal approval ratings as the country faces numerous crises at home and abroad. And it's also, it's not helping that their strategy for this is just to gaslight people, especially about the economy. They're still doing this. They had the audacity to come out and say, hey, look how cheap the turkey dinner is because of Joe Biden. It, just because it's slightly better doesn't mean that like you were not at least partially responsible for a lot of the uh, uh, still high prices. Anyway, whatever. It's not 
100% his fault, but certainly the ridiculous levels of stimulus uh, did not help the situation. According to the RCP average of the president's approval numbers, 55.5% of Americans disapprove of Biden's performance and 40.6% approve. Some Democrats have expressed frustration and concern about the re-election chances of the now 81-year-old uh, while saying they're mystified by Trump's resurgence. I believe it can be said that Trump is at his all-time highest in popularity. Uh, in his history as a political candidate. And this is after 91 charges, four indictments, overthrowing democracy, credibly accused of sexual assault, you know, whatever the buzzword propaganda phrases are around him. Um, that is the reality. Now, this is why I don't buy that, uh, oh, well, the conviction, that'll change everything. No, I don't think the conviction is going to change everything. I think Best case scenario, the conviction skyrockets his support. Worst case scenario, it has a mild to moderate drop. Um, but uh, I, I think perhaps it, it, it will maybe remain the same mild drop. And that's the best case scenario for them, I think. For our side, obviously, the best case scenario is that it turns him into more of a martyr, which I think is likely. The former president's climb in the polls comes amid multiple legal battles after Trump was charged with state and federal crimes related to his challenging of the 2020 election results and his handling of classified documents after leaving office. Trump's dominance in the GOP primary hasn't been affected by a thinning Republican field after Mike Pence and Tim Scott dropped out of the race in recent weeks. DeSantis is now neck and neck with former South Carolina Governor Big Teeth Nikki Haley, who also served as a U.S. ambassador to the United Nations. According to the RCP average, DeSantis sits at 13.5%, while Big Teeth Nikki has 10.5%. Uh, yeah, neither of them have a shot. Um, okay. So, of course, it's Thanksgiving, and the AIDS commie media has to... Uh, uh, denounce it, uh, uh, pretend it's a bad thing because they want to do away with Thanksgiving. ABC News, Thanksgiving dinner could soon become another victim of climate change. Go fuck yourself right in the ass. Uh, Thanksgiving could soon become another victim of climate change. A recent report by ABC News warned, the report said rising temperatures threaten the abundance and quality of ingredients that make up traditional Thanksgiving dinner. As a result, these essential food items could become increasingly scarce and more expensive, potentially forcing families to omit or make substitutions in key recipes on their Thanksgiving menus. The report cited experts who said produce is among the foods most affected by climate change and extreme weather events are affecting the yields of staple Thanksgiving ingredients such as sweet potatoes and cranberries. One of the experts was Hamanashu Gupta, co-founder and CEO of Climate AI, a climate adaption platform for food and agricultural supply chains. Uh, Gupta says climate change is a culture crisis. It's also impacting our traditions and cultures in ways never seen before. And one example is Thanksgiving. How about all your people shitting in the street? I imagine that has some sort of effect. I mean, if you're going to argue that that cows farting emits some sort of uh, negative uh, uh, discharge into the air. Obviously, a bunch of fucking Indians shitting in the goddamn street would do that too, would it not? I know it's not all of them, that's fine. It's not all of them, but it's some of them. So, you know, how about, uh, what's that scripture? 
you like take the rafter out of your own eye? How about you take the street shitting out of your own culture before you start accusing us of anything? How about that? How about that? Just one thing. How about you don't shit in the street? Now, again, unfortunately, because we're in clown world, <clears throat> the Indians could retort, well, you have fucking shit in the street in San Francisco. That's true. I can't really, I don't have an argument for that. That is true. Commies are currently in control of Democrat cities, and that is one of the um, highlights of a Democrat city, shit in the streets. So it's a hell of a thing. But anyway, point taken. What are you going to do? Um, by the way, and if you're like, oh, it's so offensive. First of all, you know that the Indians that shit in toilets are definitely making fun of the Indians that shit in the street. That, that's, it's impossible. There's no way human be there's not a group of human beings on earth that would resist the urge to make fun of the people shitting in the street. Okay. There's, it's impossible. I don't care. Even if you're the most polite society ever, there's no way you're not making fun of that. Cause that's fucking hilarious. Okay. Not if you have to live it though. Anyway. Gupta also blamed climate change for making food more expensive versus inflation. <laughs> now, I'm not saying, well, first of all, I, I, the climate change thing is bullshit. Look, certainly things that if there's like a drought in it that fucks up a crop, I, I could see that. But uh, that, those are things that happen. An average Thanksgiving dinner for a family of 10 rose 20 percent between 2021 and 2022 to uh, 60. Where? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Where the fuck? $64 for a family of 10. What the fuck? When I go to, to the store, and I'm not an unreasonable, I'm not doing crazy shit. It's like 100 bucks. Of course, no matter what you do, you're going to the store, it's 100 bucks. No matter what. Okay? So, we'll, we'll see. But um, $64? How, that, that seems very low. Anyway, I guess it depends on, like, I'm always getting turkeys for free because, you know, you do the points thing. And so maybe they're, they're right, I guess, are they including the free turkey? I don't think that ha works for everyone, and I don't know if that's regional. But, uh, any, or, or like a deeply discounted one. Anyway, whatever. That's, uh, it's definitely higher, but that seems to be a family of 10 for 6405 I would think it would be at least 300 Anyway, whatever. Climate change is one of the most significant factors in driving that cost, he said. That's a lie, Gupta. Another expert, Lee A. Doriel, founder of the nonprofit Oceanic Global, said rising temperatures are increasing stress on turkeys and resulting in declining turkey birth rate. Yeah, okay. Far-left nation debates whether the U.S. should abolish or decolonize Thanksgiving. Americans can give thanks by giving land back. How about this? How about we abolish and decolonize AIDS commies from our society? That's what I'd like to do. That's, that's, that's what I vote for. The nation is honoring this year's Thanksgiving by featuring a debate over whether America should keep celebrating the national holiday or not. One side is claiming that it's steeped in colonialism, violence, and misrepresentation. I love colonialism. And needs to be decolonized, while the other goes further describing Thanksgiving as a lie that should be completely abolished and replaced with truth giving where Americans can give thanks by giving land back. So we're not giving any land back. Go fuck yourself. And uh, the commies should be removed from society. That's, that's my platform. Again, I have no power, but uh, that's what I would do. The essay titled, Should America Keep Celebrating Thanksgiving and published in the Left Wing Magazine's latest issue details the position of Lakota Chief Sean Sherman, who argues for the need to decolonize Thanksgiving, and indigenous activist Chase, Chase 
Iron Eyes, who calls for completely replacing Thanksgiving with a truth giving instead. How about we deport all commie wagon burners? How about that? Can we do that? I've been waiting to use wagon burner because it's just not really something that's talked about a lot. But there you go. Finally had an opportunity to do it on Thanksgiving. I think wagon burner is, it has to be a racial epithet for Indians, right? What else could it be? Who else is burning wagons? I don't think anybody. Describing himself as a proud member of the Ogala Lakota Nation, Sherman slams the image of Thanksgiving as one of unity, where many Americans portray pilgrims and Indians gathered in a harmonious feast. Don't care. The wagon burner says this version obscures the, excuse me, the AIDS commie wagon burner. This version obscures the harsh truth, one steeped in colonialism, violence, and misrepresentation. Look, Chief Navajo, you lost, okay? That's how it goes. By exploring the indigenous perspective on Thanksgiving, we can not only discern some of the nuances of decolonization, but gain a deeper understanding of American history. Nope, not doing it. According to Sherman, the sanitized version of Thanksgiving neglects to mention the violence, land theft, and subsequent decimation of indigenous populations, something he asserts causes tremendous distress. I love it. You didn't go through any of this, okay? This didn't fucking... You were not there, okay? No one killed you. You are alive in America in 2023, and you're pretending that somehow, oh, I have trauma from something that happened to other people who are no longer alive. What a fucking con. That's a con. It causes tremendous distress to those of us who are still reeling from the trauma of these events to our communities. This motherfucker is talking like this shit happened last week. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Describing Thanksgiving's roots as intertwined with colonial aggression, Sherman notes that one of the first documented Thanksgivings followed the colonial the colonialists um, celebrating their massacre of the entire Pequot village. Well, it's got to be rough. However, even the far-left fact-checking outlet Snopes has debunked the notion of an association between Thanksgiving and the assault on the Pequots, an indigenous tribe living in present-day Connecticut, citing George Washington University professor David Silverman, who argued that to draw the connection between that and the modern holiday is untenable. While Sherman does not believe in a complete end to Thanksgiving, he does call for a need to decolonize the national holiday. Now, we're going to uh, deport you. That's what we're going to do. That means centering the indigenous perspective. Why don't you incentivize, or excuse me, uh, uh, center this dick in your face? That means centering the indigenous perspective and challenging the colonial narratives around the holiday by reclaiming authentic histories and practices. Decolonization seeks to honor indigenous values, identities, and knowledge. Uh, this approach is one of constructive evolution in decolonizing Thanksgiving. We acknowledge this painful past while reimagining our lives in a more truthful manner. Listen, fucking uh, uh, Chief Wapaho, if you want to fucking, you can do Thanksgiving the way you want to do it. If you want to fucking put on a headdress and fucking, you know, go around the table and, ooh, you know, whatever you do, do whatever you want. Okay, that's you can do that, but I'm not doing any of that. I don't give a fucking shit about this. Why do we got to do what you want? How about we all do whatever we want? That's how it's supposed to work in America. So you can do whatever fucking Thanksgiving ritual you want. Okay, and uh, but we don't we're under no obligation to do any of this. Stop trying to control people. Okay, Jesus Christ. Describing 
the journey to decolonize Thanksgiving as an excellent opportunity for a broader movement to decenter colonial perspectives around the world, the award-winning chef accuses Western colonization of having often exhibited a complete disregard for indigenous customs because, we're, motherfucker, I'm not indigenous, so I don't fucking care about any of this. And cultures that value diversity, diversity is a scam and a harmonious relationship with the land. My relationship with the land is completely fine. Decolonization in this context would mean resisting the dominance of colonial influences globally and reclaiming indigenous knowledge, values, and of course, food ways. He explains, noting that the Western colonial diet has almost completely ignored the nutritional and culinary diversity of North America, just as other indigenous cultural practices have been decimated by Eurocentric forces. According to Sherman, Thanksgiving can be saved by investing as many resources in food production, water, land across and education as we do in our military and bombs. This Thanksgiving, let's break the bonds of colonialization and capitalism, not just on our, oh, we, we got, yeah, this is what, these are wagon burner commies. They're fucking commies. Not just on our plates, but in our perspectives too. He writes, expressing his desire for a Thanksgiving where I can be thankful that I live in a world where diversity is celebrated and where every person's connection to their food and history is respected and cherished. cherished. That's a bunch, a bunch of communist gobbledygook. Banning histories as a righteous crusade to eradicate different opinions is wrong. It's what you guys do, he says, as he insists that understanding true history is necessary. And now a picture of motherfucking based Thanksgiving, the nightmare of all AIDS commies, a whole bunch of white people having families and living functionally. Sherman concludes by pushing for a decolonized Thanksgiving that could transform a holiday marred by historical amnesia into a celebration of genuine gratitude, unity, and recognition of our rich indigenous heritage, which would offer a clearer lens through which to see the world. Let us drop food and knowledge, not bombs. Yeah, I didn't know. What a bitch. In contrast, former Democrat House candidate and uh, American Indian activist Chase, Chase Iron Eyes, who is noted for his work in the Native Lives Matter movement, offers a resolute no in response to whether America should continue to celebrate Thanksgiving. He says, our cherished national myth is Thanksgiving originated with natives welcoming friends who are fleeing religious persecution and then celebrating the harvest together. No, uh, aliens in a foreign land need to invent new myths and identities to provide themselves with a sense of people, purpose, and place. Don't care. However, he notes there's another more illustrative Thanksgiving story, not often shared in the mainstream. He highlighted the same 1637 raid on the Pequot noted by Sherman above. In this story, there's no mutual thanks, there's no giving, there's only consumption and talking, or excuse me, consumption and taking, he writes. Oh, well, too bad. If one seeks to express gratitude, Iron Eyes suggests giving thanks to native nations who granted settlers some form of legitimacy by entering into treaties, recognizing them to be in our homelands. Nope. Those treaties recognize that Americans are now under our spiritual custody. <laughs> Yeah, I'm under your spiritual custody, you're fucking lunatic, and have rights to pass through our country. As soon, this is cope. This is wagon burner cope, ladies and gentlemen. As soon as Americans were able to impose their will on indigenous nations, the treaties were violated, claiming that those of us who have treaties have defensible legal claim to lands that are now occupied by private American settlers under U.S. law. The Native American activist notes that the United States is still not able to deliver 
clear title to the lands because they were illegally and unilaterally annexed by the United States. We know it was not the fault of American settlers who bought the stolen land, he writes, but in order to promote reconciliation, we want private landowners to support the transfer of federal and state lands back to the tribal nations that have valid claims to them. Go fucking fuck yourself. Give thanks by honoring the treaties, by giving the land back. Hey, guys, just give all your shit to us, okay? Hey, you can be a good white if you just give us all your shit. How about fuck you? How about that? Other ways to give thanks that Iron Eyes lists includes protecting lands and waters and, th and thanking indigenous people for teaching humanity that food and water are medicine. Go fuck yourself. And for defending your natural birthrights, human rights, constitutional, and other conceivable rights from corporate encroachment. Bitch. Whoever, whoever invented whatever the fuck it is, is, is no longer alive, okay? That would be the person to thank. Okay, you didn't do any of this shit. So let me, let's pretend that you are, you know, we was wagon burner Kangs, okay? Because the, the thing that all these activists, ha all of these racial supremacist activists, what they all have in common is that they are responsible for all of the good things in the world. They invented everything. Okay, let's pretend that that's the case. You still didn't do any of it, so we don't owe you anything. Now, if you want to resurrect a fucking zombie, uh, from the motherfucker that discovered water, like no one would have figured that one out, okay, then I'll say, hey, uh, thank you, sir. Appreciate that. You know, if, if you can demonstrate to me that the zombie you just resurrected through some sort of, well, you have the fucking, you know, you believe in that shit. You can probably do something, you know. I don't do, do they believe in that? I mean, they're talking to spirits. Why don't you tell one of the spirits, you know, smoke the fucking whatever, Talk to the spirit and say, hey, we need to, you know, bring back the guy that invented water and, uh, and we need to, to have him. You know, he wants to talk to some people. Some people want to talk to him. Okay. But anyway, none of that's true anyway. It's just amazing. Oh, and they're also responsible for human rights, constitutional and other rights from corporate encroachment. Give thanks to the native nations who created the world that we inherit today. Instead of celebrating Thanksgiving, Iron Eyes suggested Americans learn that 60% of all food consumed to this day was discovered, bioengineered, or cultivated by indigenous cultures in the Americas, including corn, beans, squash, and tomatoes. Indigenous people developed many of the agricultural practices, including raised bed farming, still in use in the United States. He writes, well, see, this is the problem. Again, you didn't invent any of that, okay? Um, and the other problem is AIDS commies lie about everything all the time. So I have no trust that any of that is true. So I have to dismiss it because you're, you're a commie. And uh, uh, when have, have you ever seen a commie tell the truth? I've, ne I've never seen that. So anyway. In fact, the Sioux activist asserts American democracy itself was derived from observations of the Iroquois Confederacy. In addition, he notes, to this day, the doctrine of discovery, the foundation of federal law permitting settlers to take possession of the land they, land they discovered, imposes a set of Christian-based laws and institutional thinking that combines Indian existence legally, politically, and economically. Iron Eyes also proclaimed that Thanksgiving is a lie in the same way manifest destiny is a lie. This constant was not a pristine, empty land that had yet to be put to profitable use. 
in the way civilized, uh, extractive alien economies defined it. With November already recognized as Native American Heritage Month, is it? I don't know. The prominent indigenous activist concludes that Thanksgiving could be something better, a day to appreciate the truth of American history and Native American contributions to our lives. Let's tell a different story by dropping the lie of Thanksgiving and begin truth-giving, he adds. The attack on Thanksgiving comes as many on the left continue to depict American culture, heritage, and institutions as inherently racist and oppressive. That's because they're communists. Last year, the nation chose to celebrate feticide in honor of Thanksgiving while slamming the utter disregard for all indigenous people in the past that fuels the same systems of white supremacy that dehumanize us today. And here you have a bunch of uh, AIDS-infested commies pictured here, which is a lot of these uh, people they claim to be uh, Native Americans. I wonder, like, if you go to the plant... I mean, I'm not going to the plantation. Uh, not the plantation, excuse me, the reservation. But if, if I went to the reservation and I interviewed people and I say, hey, do you take this fucking guy serious, this Iron Eyes? I, I wonder if they're like, nah, he's an asshole. I just wonder. I wonder. Like, is he is he a real one or are they like, nah, he's a bitch? Iron Eyes is a bitch. I'd be like, yeah, I'm not surprised. But anyway, I'm not I'm not going there. Um, see, now, this is fascinating. You got a large explosion at the checkpoint of the uh, border of U.S. and Canada. A large explosion was reported on Wednesday at the Rainbow Bridge in Niagara Falls at the U.S.-Canada border, which comes as federal law enforcement officials have warned of increased terrorist threats to the U.S. Reporter Christian Miranda reported the incident involved a vehicle coming into the U.S. and that federal authorities were already on the scene investigating. The FBI Buffalo Field Office is investigating a vehicle explosion at the Rainbow Bridge a border crossing between the U.S. and Canada in Niagara Falls. The FBI is coordinating with local, state, and federal law enforcement. Um, uh, then uh, AIDS commie Governor Hockle said, I've been briefed on the incident and blah, 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 blah. We're closely monitoring. So it doesn't look like it's a technical terror attack. Although I don't, you know, these people lie all the time. Who the fuck knows at this point? Um, but I thought uh, Salty Cracker had a very good rant last night about this, that uh, ultimately um, the media and the politicians are the fucking terrorists. And so um, even if this is not a jihadi or an actual terrorist attack, these people are fucking terrorists. And, and I agree with that. I think, I, I think that's correct. So regardless of whether this was a terrorist attack, the media are fucking terrorists and the goddamn politicians are fucking terrorists. So I, I like that. I thought that was a good uh, that was a good read. Okay, here's John Nolte from Breitbart. Polls explain why the media are now calling Trump a murderer. Uh, yeah, the, the media narratives surrounding Trump are just more hysterical than normal. It's fucking, it's very hilarious. Former President Trump is not only leading his fraudulency, Joe Biden, in a potential 2024 rematch. The bad orange man is now pulling away from Slow Joe. So if you're wondering why a network news anchor is shrieking about Trump executing and imprisoning people, that's Beaker, Beaker from the Beaker and Leaker show, just look at all the red. So this is it. This is the average, and it's just nonstop Trump. Context is crucial when discussing polling, so I want to take you back to 2020. Look at all the blue. Throughout the entire 2020 general election that Biden won, allegedly, Trump never once took the lead against Biden in the RCP poll 
of national polls. In fact, in the 2020 poll of national polls, Trump never got closer to Biden than four points out of hundreds of national polls. Trump only ever led in five. In the final two months of the 2020 campaign, Trump did not lead in a single national poll out of dozens. On election day, the average of 2020 national polls showed Biden up 7.2 percent. Um, the final national vote count had Biden up four and a half percent. Nevertheless, when you look at the swing states, Biden only won in a handful of states by a raw vote margin thinner than Trump's 2016 victory over Hillary Clinton. In the RCP polling average of 2020 national polls, Trump never polled any higher than 45.6 percent. Today, Trump sits with an average of 47.2%. In the RCP poll of 2020 national polls, Biden never once polled below 46.8%. This year, Biden has never once polled higher than 45.4%. In other words, Biden's polling is in such terrible shape this year that his highest 2024 average is lower than his lowest 2020 average. On the same day in the 2020 race, November 22nd, 2019, Biden led Trump by an average of 9.6 points. And this is why Beaker is screeching about a re-elected Trump murdering people in cold blood. This is why no one in the media are criticizing that hysterical smear. This is why NBC News has not apologized or told Beaker to retract his blood libel. The idea of Trump getting re-elected doesn't worry the corporate media because the corporate media sincerely believe Trump will execute anyone. Uh, they know it's a lie, or they don't believe it. They know it's a lie. Instead, what terrifies the media is what a victorious Trump re-election would say about the media, about their lack of influence, and about how weakened they've become, about how discredited they are when people still vote for a man that they have spent seven years and billions of corporate dollars relentlessly smearing as worse than Hitler. The upcoming presidential election is just about the corporate media protecting its fascist left-wing agenda. No, this is about the media's pride. All those lies about the mostly peaceful protests against vote fraud at the U.S. Capitol, the Russian collusion hoax, two impeachment hoaxes, four phony criminal indictments, and now the desperate claim of a re-elected Trump will execute people. If the media lose that election, the reality of their own irrelevance will be too much for prissy little snowflakes like Beaker to bear. The claim about Trump executing people has also been allowed to stand in the hopes it will encourage someone to assassinate Trump. Oh, that sounds like hyperbole to you? You think an institution devoted to surgically deforming children and encouraging race riots is above manipulating an assassination, dog-whistling that if you assassinate Trump, you will save lives and democracy? What are you, stupid? That's a good point. Um, well, look, in... Well, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, I guess, Inauguration Day 2016, if I'm correct? No, no, no. Uh, inauguration Day was 2017. Whenever Trump was inaugurated. CNN, <clears throat> CNN ran a guide on like who you would have to assassinate in order for Trump to not be president. They ran a, a, a video guide on who you would have to kill. So yeah, no, I, I wouldn't put it past them. They absolutely are doing that. That's why Dan Goldman straight up said Trump needs to be eliminated. And I wouldn't put it past these people to try an assassination. They're that crazy. Um, Trump wins battle to stay on the ballot in New Hampshire. Yeah, this does not seem to be working. Donald Trump will remain on the ballot in New Hampshire despite efforts to have him removed. On Tuesday, the United States Court of Appeals for the First Circuit upheld a ruling 
made by U.S. District Court of New Hampshire, uh, rejecting an attempt to remove Trump from the ballot in the state. The original challenge was brought by little-known Republican presidential candidate John Castro, who claimed the former commander-in-chief had violated the insurrection clause of the 14th Amendment. That's uh, total bullshit. Following the ruling, uh, lawyer and RNC member Harmeet Dillon congratulated her colleagues for, protect, uh, for protecting Trump's ability to run. She wrote, so much winning. We defeated a challenge to Trump's being on the ballot in New Hampshire, and the First Circuit Court of Appeals agreed with trial court and rejected standing. In their ruling, judges Barron, Gelpi, and Monteclavo agreed with the lower court's ruling that Castro had failed to prove his case regarding a violation of the 14th Amendment. In his ruling, the judge uh, had argued the vast weight of authority has held that the Constitution commits to Congress and the electors the responsibility of determining matters of presidential candidates' qualifications and that Castro provides no reason to deviate from consistent authority. As also named as a defendant was the New Hampshire Secretary of State David Scanlon, who stood by Trump and argued Castro's claims were nonsense. All right, well, good. Um... He's up uh, 27. Trump is up 27 in New Hampshire, which uh, Bill Mitchell uh, guaranteed DeSantis would win New Hampshire. So we'll see. It'll be very interesting. All right. Now, you know, this is the thing. You got all these guys that say good stuff that are winning, but they all suck Israel's cock. So I guess we're going to have to see what happens. Uh, Dark Dawn, a threat to society, or 9-11. Left mourns as populist veteran Geet, Geeter, Geeter Wilders, Geet, we'll go with Geet because it sounds like Geet. Geet Wilders wins landslide election. One of Europe's leading globalists will lead office and his hoped for replacement, a green left veteran Eurocrat, has been soundly defeated in the Dutch elections, triggering an outpouring of grief as veteran anti-Islamification campaigner Geet Wilders soars in the first place. With 99% of the votes counted from Wednesday's election in the Netherlands, Geet's party is confirmed the largest political force in the country by a considerable margin, more than doubling the number of seats since taken since the next election. Wilders even exceeded the highest polls to take 37 seats in the Netherlands, 150 seat parliament. Critics now say democracy, human rights, and the rule of law are under siege in the Netherlands as left-wing and centrist globalist activists adjust to the new reality that many voters rejected their party platforms. Coalition formation will be tough. It's always is after Dutch elections and the signing of agreements to permit the creation of governments that has run into the hundreds of days in the past, but it will be difficult for other parties to ignore not only the result of the election, but also fresh polling showing uh, Dutch voters saying they'd rather see a right-wing coalition than a centrist or left. The results have not been received with universal acclaim, however, and some responses uh, to the ascendancy of Wilders, a former Breitbart guest writer who's been under 24-hour police protection for years after a fatwa was placed on his head for his critique of Islam, are reminiscent to liberal responses to the Brexit and Trump votes of 2016. As reported by several outlets, a leaked email from Dutch broadcaster BNNVARA reveals 
the invitation by management for employees to meet today to take time to mourn together with the communication speaking of dark dawn and a threat to society that the broadcaster staff may have instinctively left-wing bias may not come as a surprise to many in the Netherlands. However, given in 2017 it was the subject of a small scandal over a documentary on the nation's Green Left Party, which critics says was biased, the leader of the Green Left Franz Timmermans, a veteran Eurocrat and enemy of Brexit, who was previously considered the main contender to be the next Prime Minister of the Netherlands, told his supporters at a downbeat party meeting greeting their worse-than-hoped result of 25 seats that it's now time to defend democracy and the rule of law. Wilder's name was booed when mentioned, and Timmermans spoke on the belief that some people in the Netherlands will now feel like they're unwelcome in the country. Now Wilders, a longtime critic of Islam's impact on Western nations, led the nation's largest party. The Netherlands is relatively unusual in Europe in that it has an electorally successful political party just for Muslims and Islamic issues. Uh, their leaders also spoke of the accusation made by Timmermans with state broadcaster NOS reporting the words of their party leader, Stefan Van Barl, who called the Wilders... Uh, that his win a threat to human rights and the rule of law. Nevertheless, Barl vowed to be combative in the face of a potential Wilders government and said Muslims would not be cowed. He told the broadcaster, we will not be intimidated. From day one, we will form a shield against extreme right-wing right -wing rhetoric and fight for minorities in the country. Denk is needed more than ever in the fight against racism and discrimination. Combating exclusion and Muslim hatred is in our DNA. His chief of press, Abdallah Dami, was even more strident in his remarks, saying that it felt like the Netherlands had just told Muslims they were no longer wanted, comparing the election result to one of the deadliest terror attacks in history. Dami told the broadcaster that this is not good for democracy. I just said to someone here, I said, this feels like my 9-11. I will never forget this evening. Good, good. Go fuck yourself. So we'll see. We'll see if this guy's legit or not. I heard that he was talking about banning the Quran. See, that's, that's like clown shit. How about deport? Like, like, what do you... Stop, don't focus on minor things. Fucking deport, okay? What's the banning the Quran going to do? You're going to give it the Streisand effect. You're going to embolden. You need to fucking deport people, okay? That's what... That should be your number one goddamn priority, okay? So we'll see. We'll see. I don't know if, you know, maybe he was just talking shit. Like, that's... What's that going to do? Don't don't ban books. Look, they're not banning books in America. That's a totally made-up narrative. They're not using uh, LGBT propaganda and pedophile pornography in school curriculum. Okay, removing a book like that from the school curriculum is not banning a book. Okay, they're they, they're not banning any books. Um, banning books is fucking stupid um, because if you're not going to figure out the underlying problem, then it's a waste of time. It's the same thing. I make this argument when it comes to the idea of banning porn. That's not going to do, do anything. You have to dismantle the pornography industry by going after human trafficking. Okay? If you just say, we're banning porn, you're going to give the left a constitutional argument that the normies are going to go along with and they're going to go, oh, it's free speech. Instead, if you say, well, we're not banning porn, that would be unconstitutional. We are simply cracking down on human trafficking. And then you dismantle the porn industry under the guise of, of cracking down on human trafficking. So then when they argue, hey, you're banning porn, you go, we're not banning porn, bigot. We're cracking down on human trafficking. What, do you like human trafficking? 
So anyway, I, I, doubt, I doubt there will be enough power wielded in this country by the right wing for that to even become a thing. But I'm really hoping that the people, that if somehow people get put in the right position, that they actually do things and they don't do this fucking virtue signaling bullshit. Um, so anyway, it's really, it's just kind of, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Um, okay. The, the question is, has Ireland finally had enough? We're going to find out. Dublin mass stabbing. Children among the injured. Five people were injured in central Dublin, Ireland on Thursday. Two of them seriously in a mass stabbing described by police as a serious public order incident. A man was arrested after multiple stabbing attacks on Parnell Street, Dublin on Thursday. Among the five people injured are three young children. One of those children and an adult woman are said to be in serious condition. The Irish Independent described a scene of terror as pedestrians fled on foot from the attack and reports that a male suspect arrested in relation to the incident has also been in injured. A witness cited by the paper said the stabbings took place near a school and that the kids were out walking. All of, the all of a sudden, one of them fell to the ground, then another fell to the ground, and then another falls to the ground. Then this guy starts running past. Passersby helped wrestle the suspected knifeman to the ground and jumped on him. Others had to intervene to prevent the suspect uh, from being attacked, it was said. And why, why would you prevent the suspect from being attacked? He just stabbed children. Let them do whatever the fuck they want to him. What, are you kidding me? They they should have ripped them apart like the scene from, from uh, Dawn of the Dead in the mall. Or, or Day of the Dead with the guy, I forget the guy's name, one of the military guys. That was a hell of a thing. I'm not saying to do that, but I'm saying that you just stab children. What the fuck do you care about? Anyway, whatever. Look, maybe I'm the problem, and maybe I'm a little too jaded. It's very possible. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying that's my reaction. If you stab a child, I don't care what happens to you. I, I, I don't think that's the most unreasonable position, but, you know, maybe that's not a good policy for society. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, GRIP reports the Irish Justice Minister said police are following a definite line of inquiry and are not seeking any, under, any other individuals over the attack. He said, my thoughts now are with the innocent children and the women who have been attacked, their families, and those who are caring for them at this time. So, yeah, uh, was it, it wasn't a native Irishman, if that's what you're wondering. But then, now, now this is the question. Have, have the natives uh, of Ireland had enough? Finally, have they finally had enough? We'll see. Irish rise up against immigrant attack, take to the streets in massive numbers, light a bus on fire, and the government deploys the army. Wow. So according to the standard that has been set by the left already, that sounds like a mostly peaceful protest. Tension and civil unrest mounting in Ireland in aftermath of immigrant Algerian knife attack against multiple children. Um, and then there's just various uh, footage, uh, but uh, yeah, people have had enough. They uh, set a police car on fire, I believe. Um, let's see. Uh, crowds in Dublin fuming with anger following the stabbing of Irish kids by an Algerian immigrant. Um, and then this is the bus that was on fire and the army was deployed. Um, I believe they also uh, set fire to a migrant center. And granted, you know, I, I wouldn't uh, say that's a good idea uh, if there's people in there that did not do any of this. Um, <clears throat> the answer is not lighting shit on fire. It's deportation. Now, 
am I going to moral fag about lighting shit on fire after the, the spring and summer of 2020? No, I'm not. Uh, I'm going to say I wouldn't light shit on fire, but uh, m- my ultimate question here is have the people of Ireland finally have had enough? I, and we're going to find out. We will see how long this goes for. Um, but it's funny that um, uh, the commentary surrounding this is like, oh, I can't believe these people are angry. Really? You don't understand why people are angry? <laughs> okay. Uh, it's like if you had Thanksgiving dinner and, you, and, and, and you're with your friends and family and a, you get a knock at the door and it's a government agent. And the government agent says, hey, we're going to let these two unvetted uh, rapists come into your house and do whatever they want to you. And then when they're like fucking slitting throats and beating people up and you go, hey, we don't like this. Like, how dare you don't like these wonderful immigrants that our government has put in your house. And uh, so it's interesting. We'll see what happens. A lot of gaslighting. But um, like I said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't light something on fire. I don't think that helps. But uh, I'm not going to moral fag about this because the uh, AIDS commies have set this up as the standard. I will say what I have not seen these people do, I've not seen them torch random small businesses. Um, it seems like they're torching government property or anything associated with uh, migrants. Now, I'm not saying it's a good thing, but it is different. We will see if that holds. I have no idea. Okay, now this is fantastic news. Trump curse restaurant that kicked out Sarah Sanders closes doors. Mmm, that's fantastic. That is fantastic. The Red Hen, a Lexington, Virginia... AIDS commie-owned restaurant that became known as the uh, commie cluck. See, I'm not the only one. I am not the only one. After its owner barred Trump administration, press secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders and her family from eating there is closing its doors, apparently becoming just the latest left-wing icon to fall victim to the infamous Trump curse. Isn't this interesting? Remember, do you remember this story? When this story happened, I was not where I currently am about fully marginalizing AIDS commies from all facets of society. I was in a different place because I was still of the belief that we should live together. Because I'm a live and let live person. I'm a don't fuck with people person. Okay? I don't care if you have different political beliefs than me. I have no problem with that. But unfortunately, the AIDS commies have decided that they no longer want to live in that type of world and they are going to constantly fuck with people until they're stopped. And the only way to stop them without it getting ugly is full political marginalization, politically and humanely. Uh, and the beauty is they, they have already outlined how to do it. They tried to do it to us, and it didn't work. So now we just have to do it to, the, to them completely and thoroughly. And we'll see. It's a long, you know, it's a long road to hoe. But, you know, it's, things are happening. Things are happening. Um, but one way that it can be done... You know, there's multiple ways for it to be done, and however it's done is fine with me. Um, But this is a great small anecdotal example of how it's done. Anecdotal, not anecdotal. Does it matter? You know what I said. Anyway, um, this is a small example of how it can be done, which is AIDS commies have revealed themselves. Oh, that's an AIDS commie business? Well, I'm not going to go to that business anymore. And if enough people decide to do that, bye-bye AIDS commie business. Okay, completely, humanely, legally, and politically. Okay, it's it's beautiful. It's fucking beautiful. 
The owners of uh, the Red Hen restaurant have announced that the business will shutter and a new restaurant with a new name will pop up in its place. The announcement comes several years after the Red Hen faced massive scrutiny for removing Sarah Huckabee Sanders and her family from the premise in the middle of their meal after triggered left-wing employees called the restaurant's left-wing owner requesting that she take action to remove the family from their midst. So if anyone says, oh, and by the way, I can, I can, I can, I can sit here all day with stories like this where they've done this to people already. So if the time comes when we're really getting in the gear and these motherfuckers start crying, just never forget that this is why I and other people have taken the position that we're taking, that you can't live with these people. And they've made that clear. It's not a decision I made. I'm against that idea. But, it, but just because I'm against the idea, just because I don't want it to be that way, that doesn't mean that that's the way it is. Do you see what I'm saying? Just what I want is not reality, okay? I, I understand that. So that's why this is necessary, even though I'm not really a fan of it. I would prefer this not to be the case, but this is the reality that we're in. I try to deal in the reality that we're in rather than what I want the reality to be. I try to. Anyway, by the way, maybe I'm wrong and this is not the reality and things will settle down eventually and they'll go back to normal. And then I'll say, hey, look, things got a little crazy, but I guess I was wrong. It's not that bad. We'll see. Anyway, after the removal of the family, the Red Hen became a, a destination eatery for D.C. elites and others on the left, but lost the support of locals with patriots driving in from all over Virginia to picket the restaurant and alert potential customers that they, uh, the Red Hen's uh, anti-American morals. Other restaurants with the same name even went out of business thanks to the reputational damage. That's unfortunate. That's, you know, I, I wish that didn't happen. Um, while we say goodbye to the Red Hen, its core values will live on, said the AIDS commie chef, uh, announcing to the local media their closure and replacement. Oh, you're being replaced, are you? Oh, man. Oh, boy. Don't complain about it, because that makes you a right-wing conspiracy theorist. Our ideals, culinary ethics, and the knowledge we've earned will all be present in everything we touch. Your ideals are kicking uh, a family, including children, out of a restaurant because you don't like their politics. Okay, you're a monster. You're a monster and an animal, and you're getting what you deserve. Um, when news of the commie Klux removal of the Huck Huckabee Sanders family broke, many expressed their surprise that it happened in such a conservative region, with Lexington sitting in Virginia's Senandona Valley, one of the most reliably Republican areas of not just Virginia, but the entire country. Though Lexington is a small independent city politically dominated by local universities, Rockbridge County, which is completely surrounding the city, is deep red and hasn't supported a Democrat for president since Jimmy Carter. Local election results reported that in 2016, 61.88% of, of the county's population voted for Trump in 2020. He garnered even more support, raking in 65.37% of the Rockbridge County vote. It would appear that effectively telling two-thirds of the local population that they were no longer welcome at the Red Hen was not the best business decision. Fantastic. Fantastic. So there you go. That's how it's done. Great story. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, when you hear AIDS commies use the term family-friendly, what that means is that there will be pedophiles there, okay? 
man charged after assaulting a 14-year-old girl at a family-friendly nudist camp. Yeah, that means there's going to be pedophiles here. A man is in custody on charges of sexually assaulting a teen girl at a family-friendly, quote, in quotes, nudist camp in the Anoka County, Minnesota. According to a criminal report, 69-year-old Stephen Wicklin raped the girl last summer while the two were at the Oakwood Club. Speaking with authorities in July, again, 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 how the fuck is it legal to take children to a fucking nudist camp with adults? Like, what the fuck? Just in There's no way that's legal. How the fuck is that legal? That's insane. That's fu Look, if you're an adult and you want to be around other fucking nudies, I don't give a goddamn shit. You're taking kids to this? What are you fucking kidding me? Oh, my God. Speaking with authorities in J July, the victim revealed she'd been invited to the nudist camp which advertised itself as being all ages by her grandparents. Oh, your grandparents are pedophiles. I'm sorry to tell you. Oh, I'm sorry to tell you. Oh, man. That's got to be it's got to be a tough thing to learn. That's not good. There she met Wicklin, who began a campaign of sexual abuse against the girl. They probably were, like, trafficking her to their pedophile friends. That's generally, I think, how sometimes it works. In addition to raping her and forcing her to touch his genitals... The police complaint also shows that texts were found on the girl's phone from Wicklin asking her to send sexually explicit photos of her and her teenage friends. Quote, have you been masturbating or having sex with your girlfriends? The pedophile uh, said in one of the text messages. After examining the teen's phone, police confirmed the messages sent by Wicklin were sexual in nature and included requests of nude photos of her. The pedophile described in the complaint as a family friend or of the girl's grandparents reportedly told her that sexual contact was fine and normal. Despite the girl asking him to stop, he grabbed her hand and put it on his genitals. Court records reveal that the pedophile does not currently have legal representation and his charges include third-degree criminal assault. Well, you could just, just take him to the Russian woods. Usually the problem takes care of itself, at least as far as I understand how it works. The 81-year-old, the Oakwood Club, prides, prides itself as being Minnesota's oldest club for non-sexual clothing-optional activities. And in addition to welcoming visitors of all ages, Oakwood advertises itself as being family-friendly and offers non-sexual activities like swimming, games, and sports. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a hive of pedophiles. If you wanted to know what does a hive of pedophiles look like, bang, there you go. There you go. Unbelievable. Oakwood Club was Minnesota's first nudist club and one of the first in the U.S. established in 1942. This is where like-minded friends gather to enjoy the many documented benefits of social nudity, including greater life satisfaction, more positive body image, and higher self-esteem. In addition to requiring all visitors to register their information a week in advance so it can conduct a background check, the FAQ section lists instructions on what men should do if they become visibly erect. <clears throat> on the rare occasion when this occurs, simply cover with a towel, turn over, or, or take a quick dip in the pool. Oh, I'm sure they get right on that instead of strutting around. Unbelievable. By the way, I, you know, uh, uh, now this was not, this was, okay. So I'm not suggesting with this anecdote I'm about to tell you, I'm not suggesting that people that go to, uh, what the fuck is the place? I remember when I went to Sandals in Jamaica with my wife at the time. 
there is another resort that I believe is either nudist or some sort of fucking like, what the hell is it called? I forget the name of it. Um, but, but it's adults only. There's no fucking kids, right? Anyway, my point is going to be an overall point, at least based on my observation as far as nudist colonies. Now, again, if you're adults, I don't care what you do. Just stay away from me, okay? Like, I, I don't care. If you want to have your own nudist colony, just listen. How about this? Keep it adults only. And if you bring kids, we're going to burn the whole place down. In Minecraft, of course. In Minecraft, of course. I think that's a fair deal. Because why would you bring kids? Okay? Anyway, anyway. So, you got... It's not Secrets. Secrets was the one that you bring kids to. And there's no nudity. And there's no bullshit. What the hell is the name of the one? Hedonism. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyway, anyway. I remember... So, we go to the uh, travel agent, right? And uh, and we're talking about the, about the options, right? And, and and is it secret? Yeah, there's three. They're owned by the same company, right? There's Sandals. I think the other one's called Secrets, which is for like if you have kids and shit. And then there's Hedonism, right? And so I'm looking at this like brochure for Hedonism, and it's advertising itself as like this place where there's going to be like hot naked chicks. Now, obviously, we're married. I'm not interested in that. But I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I'm like, I guess you just go to the... Okay, fine. So, you know, we booked the trip and we go to we go to Sandals. It's in Negril, Jamaica, right? And we had to drive like an hour through the fucking, like, backwoods of goddamn Jamaica. Not the backwoods, but like, I was like, wow, this is a this is definitely a different country. Anyway, but the once you're on the resort, you're fine. So we're on the resort and we were there for like two weeks, whatever. Well, one day, one day, we're on the beach and all of a sudden... A group of naked people are walking through the beach from hedonism, which was like right near the place or whatever. And I will tell you this, it did not match the brochure. Everyone in that group should not have been naked. Every single member of that group should not be walking around naked under any circumstances. Now, let me be clear. I shouldn't be walking around naked, nor do I walk around naked, okay? That's one of the things that even if you were like, there's going to be hot bitches at hedonism, but you have to walk around naked. Yeah, I'm passing. I'm passing. It's just not, that's just, a, it's not my style. These fucking people should not have been naked. And I'm looking and I'm like, that's what you see at hedonism? I'm like, that's a goddamn nightmare. That's a goddamn nightmare. I'm like, there's no, I'm like, where are the hot women in the brochure? Now, I'm not saying there's no resorts like that. And maybe sometimes there are hot women, but that was not, or maybe they just sent like the freaks of the group and the hot women were back at the uh, resort, but that was no good at all. I was like, this is, uh, this is a horror, it was a horror show. And they're walking through. And I'm like, why? I'm like, why are you walking through where we are? If we wanted to be around naked people like you, we would have booked a trip at your fucking resort. But we're in the resort we chose, which everyone has to have clothes on. I felt a little put upon. I was like, this is fucking bullshit. This is fucking bullshit. <clears throat> anyway, funny story. When we got back, because I worked at this camera store with these uh, Israelis. And this one Israeli, this guy was hilarious. And he was, he was very degenerate, not religious at all, loved strip, club, strip clubs. Anyway, I'm like, he's asking me about the trip. And I tell him about the trip. And he goes, oh, yeah. He's like, because he's like, he, he was there like years ago. He's like, oh, yeah. He's like, I have it on video when they walk through. So anyway, like two days later, he brings the video in. And he's showing me the video of the time when he was at Sandals and the nudists walk through. And you know what I noticed? Same thing. No one in that group should have been naked. 
Um, but for some reason, he kind of liked that he had, like, he recorded them on video. And then, and he liked, I guess, you know, I don't know. It was kind of, we were just laughing. It was pretty funny. And, uh, and uh, yeah, none of those people should have been naked. But anyway, whatever. Do what you want, but just stay away from me. I don't want to see that shit. <clears throat> However, if it's a group of attractive women, welcome aboard. Yeah, you can walk right through the beach. No problem. Is it, do you need anything? <laughs> Why don't you sit down? Have a seat. This is great. It's free. For, it's not really free food. You pay for it. But it's, it's like, you know. It's kind of, you, 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 mentally you think it's free because you paid all this money to stay there and you don't have to pay what, why you eat, but you're still paying for it. It was pretty good. I, I have no complaints. It was pretty good. It, it might suck now, but back then it was great. Anyway, enough of that about the fucking nudists. Anyway, this is hilarious. A new study is claiming that black women were most affected by the plague. Amazing. In London. Black women were most affected by the plague. We was kangs and shit, and we've also been affected by all the bad things. A new study claiming black women were most at risk of dying from the plague in medieval London has received widespread criticism after it was reported by mainstream news outlets as a fact despite having a shaky methodological basis. The study published by the Museum of London claimed to have investigated plague burial sites in three locations in London and inspected 145 remains dated from the 14th century. Out of these remains, the study determined that 49 died from the plague, also known as the Black Death, and 96 died from other causes. But the study is prompting mockery for also suggesting that females of estimated African population affinity were more likely to have died from the plague. What, all two of them? How many black people were in there? Would like three? For the female-only sample, individuals of estimated African population affinity have a higher estimated hazard of dying of plague compared to those with estimated white European affinity. There's no significant associations for any other comparisons. So they, they got community noted. It said, the study cited examined the bodies of 41 plague victims of whom nine were assumed based on facial measurements, not DNA evidence. What? You're measuring skulls? I thought that was racist. Oh, I guess it's okay when you do it. To be women of mixed race or African ancestry. The sample size and methods are insufficient to support the headline. Isn't that fascinating? So you can measure faces, but no one else can. Mm. And then they, uh, they tied it into COVID-19, you know, because they also said black people most affected by that. Hilarious. So th now we're starting to see people catch charges for what seems to be speech. I don't have all the uh, details on this, but uh, we'll see. Former Obama official charged with a hate crime in New York after allegedly criticizing the Prophet Muhammad and threatening a food cart vendor with deportation. A former official in the Bathhouse Barry administration was arrested after he was recorded allegedly harassing a New York City food cart vendor in the Upper East Side. He's been charged with a hate crime over his comments he made over a period of a few days. Former acting director of the National Security Council South Asia Directorate Stuart Seldowitz said that he made the comments after the food vendor expressed support for the Palestinian terror group Hamas. Again, like what... If I was in Walmart 
And I was checking out, and the cashier said, I like Hamas. I'd be like, really? Cool. And I'd move on with my life. I don't, my life. I don't fucking care. Or if it's, if you like someone, like, I hate Joe Biden. I think Joe Biden's a fucking ridiculous pedophile. If, if I'm checking out and the cashier's like, hey, I like Joe Biden, Maine. I'd be like, yeah, cool. Whatever. I'm like, I don't give a fuck what you think. I don't care. I just let me, so whatever the fucking guy is getting here, falafel, I don't even know what the fuck that shit is. Just make the goddamn food. Anyway, whatever. Everyone's fucking out of their mind on this shit. Seidowitz could be seen on video telling the food vendor. I mean, it's a real good idea to tell a food vendor. Talk shit to the food vendor. Seidowitz could be seen on video telling the food vendor he'd call immigration and report him, as well as the, uh, t to Mubarak, Egypt's intelligence agency. He was arrested and charged with aggravated harassment, too. Now... Is that, is the th threat of deportation, like, here's the, the thing here. This guy might actually be able to do that. So if that's the case, is that kind of like a cop threatening you with like unnecessary arrest? Is there some sort of law violation here? The other shit though is protected speech. So I don't know. I would say, generally speaking, I don't want to see people arrested for speech because, again, not that I give a fuck about this guy. Fuck this guy. I don't want to be arrested over speech. And so if we tolerate arrests over speech, then they become more common and eventually they go after everybody. Um, so I don't, I don't really know um, if that's actually illegal. There was another guy arrested, and I forget... Uh, but it was related to the Israel-Palestine shit. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, so the New York Post reporter said a man in New York City was arrested for insulting the Prophet Muhammad. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think that is true. But, um, I don't know. Let's go to the video. Let me, let me uh, put the speakers on. We'll see what this motherfucker has to say. Uh, like I said, I don't know if it's illegal. If you worked in the bathhouse administration or you somehow like have the ability to get one, get someone deported and then you threaten it, is that is that legal? I don't know. I would think it is. My friends in immigration. Really? Okay, go, yeah. And to the Egyptian, uh, the Muhabarat wants your picture. Okay, yeah, let go. Yeah? You know the Muhabarat? Hmm? The Muhabarat. No, I don't know. You don't know? I just speak English. No? Yeah, go, go. Yeah. Mohammed in, in Egypt will get your parents. Go, go, go. Does yeah, your father yeah. like his fingernails? They'll, they'll take them out one by one. Yeah, go, go. Why should I go? Why should I go? Tell me why I should go. I'm standing here. I'm an American. I have free. It's a free country. It's not like Egypt. So I'll say that uh, you're a sick fucker because you got into a tiff with a guy that you you claim, and I don't know if he has the ability to do this, but if he did have the ability to do this, he's probably talking shit, but that you're going to tell someone that I'm going to have your family members tortured in another country? What a bitch. You're a bitch. But again, is this a crime? I'm not... If this guy actually has the authority and ability to do that then I have no problem with him being arrested. The problem is, I'm not clear on that. He's a faggot. Make no mistake, this guy is a fucking faggot. But 
I don't know if this is illegal. Just smile for me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> did you rape your daughter like Muhammad did? Hmm? Did you rape your daughter like Muhammad? I don't speak English. You only speak English? No, no English, no. You don't speak English? Yes. All right. Well, that's, that's, see, that just shows how ignorant you are. Because, you know, Muhammad was a rapist. Isn't it all fascinating uh, what what liberals will do uh, to an offending uh, uh, minority if the minority is not going along with the narrative? Isn't it fascinating? In the, in the hadith, in, oh, your, in your holy book. Oh, Muhammad. What? Oh, Muhammad. Muhammad, your, your prophet. You know who he is. My prophet? Yeah. He was a rapist. He raped Aisha. Does it say that in the hadith or not? You know that? I do speak English. What? No English. You don't speak English? Mm -hmm. What do you speak? What do you speak? You speak Arabic? The language of the Quran? The Holy Quran? That some some people use as a toilet? <laughs> what do you think of that? People who use the, the Quran as a toilet? Does it bother you? <laughs> Does it bother you? Tell me the truth. I don't speak English. You don't speak English? Ah, that's too bad. That's why you're selling food in a, in a food cart. Because you're, you're ignorant. But you should learn English. It, it'll help you. Of course, When they yeah. deport you back to Egypt, and the Mukhabarat wants to interview you for being a... Goyalla, because I'm So, yeah, he's, he's unnecessarily fucking with this guy. Whether it, it uh, rises to criminality, I don't know. I, I, I would not. Uh, that seems to be a bit much. But he's a faggot. This is a ridiculous faggot. And uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with that. Um, so it looks like Target is not learning their lesson. So hopefully they lose even more money. They're going to bring in a homosexual pedophile to uh, help. Here is the freak who is going to be helping them. Um... Target is facing public scrutiny yet again after the retail giant seemingly doubled down on pushing its far-left gender ideology after it was revealed that the company has a new self-proclaimed senior LGBTQIA plus segmentation strategist and pride lead named Eric Thompson, also known as Gay Corella. Thompson posted excitedly to social media upon receiving his new role, telling the world that he's here to make trouble and it is now time to rip the old world to shreds. Uh, time to whip out the glitter and hellfire flamethrowers and rip the old world to shreds. Uh, let's flip the script and rewrite the narrative. This time for all guests, all humans, and all hearts. I want to make art and I want to make trouble. Uh, yeah, okay, go fuck yourself, queer. Thomas uh, Thompson's now taken down LinkedIn bio, says, on a mission to lead in the effort of working to flip the script and rewrite, blah, 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 it's just a bunch of gay fucking bullshit. It's also included uh, hashtags Black Lives Matter, Teen Feminism, Pride for All, Mental Health Awareness, and Disabled Ally. Thompson has had an extensive work history with the company and has climbed up its corporate ladder. For almost 10 years. This comes after Target's stock plummeted in May, hitting its lowest point in almost three years. 
We'll see. I haven't been the target. I used to go way more. Uh, I don't. I haven't. I don't think. I went one time. I think after the whole boycott thing, and they didn't. I don't. I don't even remember if they had the homo stuff there. Um, but I think that's about it. I used to go way more frequently. I just uh, just don't go. Fuck Target. All right. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it is hilarious how this works. So you have AIDS commie mayor Eric Adams, who became uppity, according to the Biden administration. He started complaining about all the Zergs coming into his city. Well, what happens? FBI raids his uh, campaign, his campaign office. And now, wouldn't you know, sexual assault allegations from 1993. (laughs) The Democrat playbook is a hell of a thing. Couldn't happen to a nicer commie. Democrat aides commie governor mayor Eric Adams has been accused of sexual assault in a legal filing late Wednesday in the state Supreme Court of Manhattan. The plaintiff, who remains anonymous, oh, that's reasonable, accused Adams of sexually assaulting her in 93. <laughs> 93. I, 93 was a good year for me. Uh, it, I was 17, and 17 was an age where I was like free and I could do, kind of do what I want. My parents stopped trying to keep me in the religion. I was kind of, so I was, I was free and I also wasn't 18. So I kind of had a get out of jail free card. That was a hell of a year. I, I will always have fond memories of 93. 93, 94, and, and 95 were pretty fantastic. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, and then uh, 96 all the way till... Um, 2016 were not the best. But anyway, whatever. It's, uh, it is what it is. You, you just be thankful for the good years. I've had a good recent run, so hopefully it continues. It is what it is. It's how life is. But yeah, 93 was not bad. The plaintiff who remained... Although the technology sucked. It really. Jesus. There's no internet. I mean, I think technically the internet existed maybe in 93, but um, I didn't get on the internet till 96. I do remember... I, I think some JWs I knew did have, what was that called? It was on a, you know, it's so crazy. I remember these, these computers. I think they were Macintosh. They had the smallest fucking monitor. I don't even remember what kind of computers these were. And these, at the time, these were the fucking shit of computers. These were like, like expensive computers, but they had real small screens. Anyway... It wasn't Netscape. Was it Netscape? What the fuck was it called? Some of you definitely know. Prodigy. Holy shit. Yeah, they had Prodigy. I think, if I have my timeline right, I think this was like 92. It was all black and white. The monitors were all black and white, and it was all text. But I remember being complete. And you couldn't, you could only go on for like a few minutes because it was expensive. But I remember that like I could like read stuff. And I was like, oh, I can just come up with something and try to find it and read it. It was, like, amazing. I think. But I didn't get on personally until 96. It was AOL. That that was, like, that was amazing. Anyway, whatever. Um, The plaintiff who remains anonymous accused Adams of sexually assaulting her in 93 and did not reveal any details about the incident. (laughs) This is hilarious. A plaintiff was sexually assaulted by Eric Adams in 93 while they 
while they both worked for the city of New York. Spokesman said Adams does not recall ever meeting the woman, making the allegations. Well, how would he know who it is? It's an anonymous woman. <laughs> is it possible? I don't care. Again, again, these people, if you're a Democrat and and your, your own side eats you, I'm laughing and eating popcorn, okay? <clears throat> the summons was filed under the adults... Survivors Act, a law that went into effect in November 2022 to give individuals a one-year window to file lawsuits about alleged sexual assault incidents that may have been restricted by the statute of limitations. Adams is currently facing more legal trouble since the FBI raided the home of his campaign chief fundraiser, Big Titty Brianna Suggs. So, yeah, that's uh, it's a hell of a thing. All right, well, there you go. He's having a rough time. 93. Holy shit. What was going on in 93. Nick's Bulls. I remember Nick's Bulls. I think the Cowboys were good. Was that that run of Cowboys Super Bowls where they were blowouts? Uh, what else was going on? 93. J. Rue the Damager came out. Midnight Marauders, the Tribe Called Quest album came out. That's pretty much it. A lot of it was hazy because we were like high all the time. But it was uh, it was fun. It was a fun time. Dem fundraising platform ActBlue is processing donations for a bail fund for illegal immigrants. So might I suggest to the AGs, now look, you got your hands full with this Elon Musk investigation with Media Matters. Uh, you know, absolutely take your time, do what, what's necessary. But may I suggest, how could there not be any, how is this legal for ActBlue to do this? This cannot, there's got to be a way. Look, we're in the land of novel legal theories now, okay? So isn't it time for our own side to come up with novel legal theories to criminalize AIDS commies? I, I'm all for it. That's what they're doing to Trump right now, so let's fucking do it to them. Because if we don't do it to them, they're going to keep doing it to us. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but that's the impression. My impression is they're not stopping, okay? They put a guy in jail for memes, so, it, you know, all bets are off at this point. How is this legal? The Democrat fundraising platform ActBlue is processing donations for a bail fund seeking to help free illegal immigrants from detention, according to the fund's donation page. Donations for the Black Immigrant Bail Fund are processed by ActBlue charities, according to the bail fund's donation page. The fund's website is soliciting donations to help liberate 111 Maturians? Maturanians? I don't know what the fuck that is. From a racist system that penalizes people in search of safety. Manichurians? Uh, Manchur? I don't know what the fuck that is. Anyway, could maybe they can look into this, perhaps? Helping illegals? What, are you kidding me? Anyway, I don't know. And uh, here is... Uh, okay, so th th this is why... This is another reason. I just... I'm done with sports. It's a league of faggots. It's not... There's no men. Now, I'm not saying... Every goddamn athlete's a pussy. Obviously, these UFC guys are men. Okay, so UFC, I don't have a beef with. All of these fucking... Let me give you a... Look, at, look how weak... The, especially if you watch sports. Speaking of, like, 93, look at this. This is, like, pussy shit. Knock off the booing NBA coach in the middle of a game. Gets on the mic to blast fans for heckling the opposing team's star player. Are you fucking kidding me? San Antonio Spurs coach Greg Popovich. He's insufferable. He's a good coach, but he's insufferable. Tore in the fans Wednesday after they started booing one of their former players. A common occurrence in sports. 
especially if you're in Philly. Footage of the game shows fans jeering at Los Angeles Clippers guard Kawhi Leonard after he shot free throws in the second quarter. Leonard hit his the first of two free throw attempts and gave his teammates high fives as he tried to drown out the booing. Popovich interrupted the game and hopped on the microphone. He says, excuse me for a second, can we all stop the booing and let these guys play? It's got no class. That's not who we are. Knock off the booing. Bitch, who the fuck do you think you are? Are you kidding me? I'd love to see him try that in Philly. Even in the modern age, I don't think Philly fans would tolerate that. Are you kidding me? First of all, I don't know a lot about Kawhi Leonard. I remember when I stopped watching basketball, he was a very good player for the San Antonio Spurs. He was really good. He was very quiet. People were like, why is that guy so quiet? I didn't care. But I can't imagine that Kawhi Leonard appreciated this. Because what Popovich did, he just announced to the whole stadium, the guy shooting free throws is a weak pussy that can't handle booing, so could you please protect his feelings? I, I, I would have gotten on the mic and I would have, I would have said, oh, you can boo me, uh, I, this is ridiculous. Anyway, Popovich then walked back to the Spurs sideline as his message was met with a mixture of cheers and boos from the crowd. There should have been overwhelming boos. He gestured to the crowd again to cut out the negative behavior. Um, the announcer uh, who was doing the TV analysis for the game says, Pop telling the fans to lay off Ka Kawhi Leonard. That's not San Antonio. It's ridiculous. The five-time championship winning coach's speech was met with mixed reactions online. It's ridiculous. John Crystal of Power Trip K Fan says, let the fans who paid a lot of money to attend the game boo if they want to. Go to bed, Popovich. Yeah, people are allowed to boo, homos. They're allowed to boo. There's nothing wrong with booing. Booing is legal. Okay, people can boo. It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Sports radio host Sean Pendergrass says, In re-watching this for the 50th, 50th time, because I still can't believe this actually happened, my favorite part is the emphatic cut-it-out arm gesture after the mic work was over. Pop is a disease. Hey! Hey, look, a sports radio host calling Popovich a disease. I like that. That's usually, I was expecting all these people to agree with him. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Um, sports podcast host Max Pena says, Fans booing Pop is easily the greatest embar embarrassment. Here, here's a homosexual. The greatest embarrassment of this fan base and ultimately this season. Just disgusting. There was a thing like this in Philly a couple years ago. Again, I just, it's all, it's all gay. I can't, I just, I got, I can't do it. So, um, sometimes out of force of habit in the morning, early in the morning, it's weird. It's some psychological thing. Cause I used to listen to sports radio all the time. I would just put it on in the car, even though I wasn't watching sports. Because I remember, you know, some of the guys, and I think most of them are retired now, but some of the guys have been doing, like this morning guy, this Italian guy, Cataldi, Angelo Cataldi. I remember him since when I was a little kid listening to sports radio. He retired recently. But anyway, I would turn it on, and I remember there was like a Philadelphia, I, I was it an Eagles player, or maybe it was, a, it was a Sixers player, I forget, who decided to go on social media and start complaining that the fans, in Philadelphia, no less, complaining that the fans were booing him. Bitch, what the fuck? What? First of all, you're paid millions of dollars, okay? And secondly, 
Yeah, that's what they do in Philadelphia. They boo. And they also boo in New York. New York fans, Boston fans, it's the East Coast fans are very brutal. You're getting paid millions of dollars. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Anyway, so then what happened is the radio hosts, because you know what I'd notice? I, it doesn't, this is why I'm just done with all of this shit. Because I noticed something. And it's not just sports. It's video games, sports, movies. There is a hatred of normal people by a lot of the people involved in the industry. This is down through almost everything. This is this has infected everything. So you get these homosexual sports radio hosts who start going after the fans. This is disgusting. How dare you boo? It's fucking ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Absolutely. So I remember that was a big thing. And then I was like, why am I listening to this? This is like a gay festival. I'm going to just turn it off. But there you go. So the NBA filled with pussies. And uh, who could who could stand it? By the way, I don't fault you if you watch sports. I'm not one of those people. Watch what you want. I don't care. I can't. I just can't. I can't stomach it. It's just bullshit. Like I said, the UFC people, they get a pass. I I, I like them, but uh, the rest of this, it's just, it's just all. It's just terrible. Anyway, um, so so in addition to the propaganda from the media, you have these school systems that are infected with communists that no matter what the holiday is, they try to cancel it. So this is Virginia. Virginia school systems suggest that many in public schools don't celebrate Thanksgiving. That's total bullshit. That's total bullshit. The superintendent of the school system in America's wealthiest county has moved the classic American holiday to the category of religious and partisan holidays celebrated only by some. In a message to family, of course, Loudoun County, Virginia Superintendent Aaron Spence wrote that this week many families will celebrate Thanksgiving and that amid the busyness, I hope you and your loved ones find time during the Thanksgiving break, regardless of whether you celebrate the holiday or not, to share your gratitude. Critics say the message... I don't, you know what, and that, that's a thing that I don't like. And I speak on this as a person who... I've only celebrated holidays since 2007. And I've eased into it. I'm, I, frankly, I'm, I'm very casual with it. I think it's because, like, once you're used to not celebrating holidays and birthdays and shit, you just kind of... I'm still very casual with it. But we do, we do shit, especially, like, around Christmas time. You know, visit family and stuff. Um, but this whole happy Thanksgiving, uh, or, you know, if you celebrate, shut the motherfucker. Like, I don't... I was a person who was not allowed to celebrate any holidays. I didn't need to be coddled. I didn't need to be, you know, happy holidays. If you celebrate, I didn't need that. Okay, I don't need that. I didn't need that. Okay, just relax. Just say whatever it is. If it's Easter, say a happy Easter. Or if you celebrate Hanukkah, it's the same thing. If you're like, happy Hanukkah, all right, whatever. I don't celebrate Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah, who fucking cares? Happy Hanukkah. If you celebrate, shut the fuck up. Just be normal. Just be normal. Anyway, it's just so ridiculous. Um, critics say the message suggests the government-run schools are not seeking to integrate immigrants and instill American values in them, but instead cultivating a balkanized society in which celebrating an American holiday without caveat might colonize the culture of immigrants who make up an outsized share of public school families as those who can't afford to flee the public school systems. It also reflects an anti-American view, pervasive on the left, who view the pilgrims themselves as settlers who should not be celebrated. 
Abby Platt, a mother of three students, said the message was insulting. I find Spence's message to the community insulting. Thanksgiving is one of the major holidays in the United States. It's a celebration of the origin of America and what makes our country great. LCPS pushes a slew of international holidays, which could be fine, but they no longer speak of Easter or Christmas. Instead, they refer to winter and spring break. Our kids no longer celebrate Columbus Day, but instead are told about indigenous people. They deliberately attempt to rewrite the fabric of American history, and it's deeply concerning. Yes, it's because they're AIDS commies, and they're trying to dismantle the, the country piece by piece. So that's why I'm strictly, um, like, I, I'm strictly Merry Christmas. Uh, with that said, I don't get bent out of shape if someone's like, Happy Holidays. I'm like, yeah, no problem. Thank you. That's it. But no, a definite Merry Christmas person. It's a small thing. It's not going to do anything. But uh, yeah, I'm just not... Whatever the fuck... I don't care how small it is. Whatever change they make, I'm not doing it. And I'm going to go with whatever's the most offensive. Okay? And somehow, <laughs> telling people Merry Christmas is offensive. In Clown World. Although most people, I've never run... Chris, I'm not really like the Merry Christmas... I'm not like rolling up to people and shit. Um, but uh, if someone says Happy Holidays, I say Merry Christmas. And I've never had a person be like, what the fuck? I've never had that. I've, I've, ne I've not seen these types of people around. I mean, I'm sure there are... I mean, some of them are around. They're wearing masks. They, they easily identify themselves. Anyway, so there you go. Lunatic retards at a uh, public school. What are you going to do? All right. Now we got the AIDS commie that will probably replace the pedophile-in-chief on the ballot. Gavin Newsom implies inflation pains are a conservative lie. Good, keep doing this. I love this tactic because I want them to lose and telling people that what they're seeing in the grocery store isn't real is just going to piss them off. It's fantastic. California, California Governor Newsom implied this week that the inflation pains Americans are feeling this Thanksgiving are simply a lie pushed by conservatives. He says, things you won't see on Fox News today, prices for Thanksgiving are down from Turkey to air travel. Yes, but they're still super high from when Trump was in office, retard. Newsom's post included a chart showing price changes according to Labor Department data. Prices for peas, milk, stuffing, pie crust, turkey, and cranberries have dropped from the last year, according to the chart. However, inflation is only just cooling off after spiking during the last few years. So I, I like this. And, and even, I tell you this, so sometimes I watch like normie content that is not political at all with no idea the political makeup of the audience because it's not political stuff. And this one time, this one dude starts talking about the economy. And he starts running through all the, you could tell, I could tell him like, oh, I could, he at least revealed that like he watches corporate media and buys some of the bullshit. I don't think he's like an AIDS commie, but he at least buys some of the bullshit. So he's trying to argue because someone in his chat uh, brought up how like the economy is bad. And he starts trying to uh, go through all the talking points and the chat is just lit up. This is not a conservative, this is normie YouTube. The chat just gets lit up with people who are like, bro. I go to the grocery store, okay? Like, what are you doing? Like, I see the prices, okay? The grocery bills are insane. You know, showing me a fucking chart. Like, what are you going to do with that chart? Go to the cashier and say, ma'am, uh, this chart, uh, you know, uh, obviously this number can't be right because this chart says everything is fine. And I thought to myself, I'm like, yes, yeah, so the average person is not going to buy this tactic because they have to go to the grocery store. They have to go get gas. They see it. Anyway.
And they also remember how much shit was when Trump was in office. And it was way cheaper. This is interesting. They are going hard at Elon Musk, and hopefully he can withstand it. Even though, you know, it's not a free speech site. It's better than it used to be, certainly. But, um, but it is just, you know, it's just, they just want full control. Democrats ignore the First Amendment with censorship demand to Twitter. And that's the uh, uh, obvious pedophile, Adam Schiff. A group of over 25 Democratic members of Congress have raised allegations against Twitter, once again ignoring the First Amendment and calling for online censorship. They assert that the company is both allowing and profiting from the dissemination of false and violent content, particularly regarding the conflict in the sand. On Tuesday, these lawmakers, including notable figures such as Dan Goldman, pubic hair, toupee wearer Jamie Raskin, pants shitter Jerry Nadler, Benny Thompson, Katie Porter, and Adam Schiff addressed a letter to Linda Yaccarino and Elon Musk. They expressed concern over Twitter's alleged negligence in enforcing its policies against the spread of misleading information and content promoting violence, hate, and terrorism. The letter specifically points out the drastic reduction in Twitter's content moderation staff over the past year, uh, suggesting the company has deliberately allowed and benefited from the illegal circulation of terrorist propaganda. This conduct, according to the legislatures, is inappropriate for a platform as globally influential as Twitter. Furthermore, the letter highlights reports from Tech Transparency Project and the Institute for Strategic Dialogue. We're demanding you uphold your public commitment and enforce your policies. Accordingly, no letter later than December 1st, we request you provide all forms of written communications, including email, text messages, and other messaging services, or Twitter direct messages relating to content moderation for any posts or accounts associated with or related to or connected to Hamas. The lawmakers underscore a Twitter premium, a subscription service offering features like prioritized ranking and conversations and searches might be indirectly facilitating the profit from the spread of such content. They note that Twitter gains financially from subscription fees and ad revenue generated from these accounts. Elon Musk recently declared all Twitter revenue from ads and subscriptions on content regarding the conflict will be donated to charities in the impacted region. Additionally, the letter accuses Twitter of profiting from subscribers who spread false and misleading narratives about the rumble in the sand. Further, this month, Representative Josh Gottheimer a Democrat from New Jersey and Don Bacon, a Republican from Nebraska, introduced a bill aimed at countering the uptick of alleged false information disseminated on TikTok and other online platforms amid the uh, battle in the sand. Gottheimer clarified during a media briefing, this legislation will require social media companies to release detailed reports of violations to the terms of service and how they're addressing the violations, which includes using their platforms for terrorist purposes. It also requires the intelligence community to provide a threat assessment. Ridiculous. The proposed law, titled the Stop, Stopping Terrorist Online Presence and Holding Accountable Tech Entities Act, or the Stop Hate Act, incorporates a $5 million penalty daily for any social media enterprise non-compliant with the proposed bill's conditions, and the act is vocally supported by the hate group, the ADL. 
New York Age County Governor Hockel signed similar legislation in 2022, only to have a judge denounce it as a violation of the First Amendment. So hopefully none of these bills will see the light of day. And hopefully Elon Musk and Rumble and the rest of these people can win this battle. But it's going to be it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. All right. Make sure I have the uh, speakers on. Okay. Weird thing going on. I, I, I don't know. What the hell? So, wait. Let me... Uh, is this Wallace is the first one? I'll, I'll mention it briefly. Um, so, I've been watching Nicole Wallace, who has been doing her show this whole time. And, I, I mean, I specifically remember seeing side views of her. And I'm sure some of you do as well. You know, Nicole Wallace looks like Boney Joni from, I believe, first series Garbage Pail Kids, the OG set. <clears throat> I like Garbage Pail Kids. I even, even to this day, I even like the new ones. I just, I just like, I like that kind of shit. Anyway, but she looks like Boney Joni. I really, I think she does. Anyway, if you, re if you know what I'm talking about, if you remember, so, you know, they'll, sh they'll have a, a show and she'll get up there and she'll, you know, it's always demonizing Trump and his supporters. But, you know, from time to time, whether they go to break or whatever, the camera will zoom out and, like, it'll pan around. And it'll show her sitting in a seat. Okay? So if you've seen this, picture this in your mind. Because I, 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 I've seen this multiple times. Did you know she just had a baby, according to the media? First of all, she's 51. Okay? How does she have a baby? She wasn't pregnant. She was pregnant. Did I miss? Do any of you recall a pregnant looking Nicole Wallace? Like, let me give you an example. If you say to me, can you recall a pregnant looking Candace Owens? Yeah, I just saw a pregnant Candace Owens on Tucker Carlson. And when the when the, the camera pans out or whatever, and they do a different angle, you can see that she is obviously pregnant. Nicole, I just saw Nicole Wallace sitting in a chair two weeks ago. Okay. Am I did I miss it? Did any of you notice that Nicole Wallace was pregnant? Is it possible to not show it all and still have a baby? At, and then and and then it's at 51 and I'm like, what's going on here? Is there something going? Is there a part of the story that I'm missing? Did she adopt? Anyway, I just thought that was very weird that apparently Nicole Wallace just had a baby. Anyway, whatever. Now here is uh, Chris Hayes, of course, doing what he always does, demonizing Trump and his supporters as terrorist Hitlers. Press the danger Donald Trump poses to voters who understandably just don't want to think about him anymore. That's next. There's an interesting and perhaps novel concern percolating in a lot of Democratic political circles amid polls uh, showing that President Joe Biden and Donald Trump essentially are in a dead heat, poll after poll, and a potential rematch next year. Some people feel that part of the problem for Biden and the Democrats is that America is not paying enough attention to Donald Trump. Of course, that's the opposite of the prevailing opinion oh, over many by of the, the last way, years that everyone was paying too much. By the way, you know that guy that looks like, I forget the name of the kid from the Munsters, you know that corporate media propagandist journalist, Michael Schmidt, he always wears like the same jacket and he looks like one of the cast members from the Munsters. She married him and it's a, it's allegedly their kid. They never, he's on that show all the time. They never disclose any of that. But anyway, she married him and apparently it's their kid. But how is it possible she didn't look pregnant? 
Did they adopt? Am I missing something obvious? Hold on. Yeah, I, I don't... I, something is afoot here. I don't know. Anyway, we'll see. Too much attention. There's a case to be made that the further Trump recedes from the conversation, the easier it is for people to forget just how uniquely repellent and dangerous he is. As the founder of Progressive Group in North Carolina to the New York Times. By the way, quote, when uh, Wallace went on, so the uh, vampire girl, I think she's the daughter of um, Melendez, Bob Melendez, I guess her name, Alicia Melendez, she's kind of a smash. Mendez, Mendez, sorry. Anyway. Nicole Wallace called in and started addressing the fact that other people are doubting that this is their kid. So, 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 this is what she said. I've not looked at my phone in a week, and I'm amazed at the theories out there. <clears throat> I understand why the truth was ruled out by so many people that Mike and I had a baby. Her name is Isabella, and Mike and Liam and I are all smitten with her. Oh, something's going on here. Something is going on. Oh, wait, hold on, a, hold on a second. What? Wait, I wasn't pregnant? Okay, so while the, the, I'm reading People magazine here. While the immediate family is over the moon for Isabella's arrival, the television host quipped that their dogs are still rendering judgment about the small new human who recently showed up in the home. I wasn't pregnant. She said after revealing she was able to keep growing her fan family under wraps. And oh, okay. I'm sorry. I missed something obvious. Until the baby was born via surrogate. I'm so happy. I see. So they're long. Okay. I don't know what the appropriate thing to do would be as far as um, headlines. But the headlines, you can look at them. They say... Nicole Wallace has a baby at 51. Well, that's not what happened. Nicole Wallace didn't have a baby at 51. Someone had a baby for her. And I do what you want. I don't care if it's legal, it, whatever. If you want to change the rules on surrogacy, no problem. But you got to do it uh, legislatively. Um, okay. So that's... So, okay. There it is. There it is. So that's the explanation. So they, they hatched a baby, okay? Her and uh, the, the Munster kid. Okay. That makes much more sense. I think it's like a relationship. There were a lot of bad things that happened, but the longer distance you get away from the bad things, you're like, maybe the bad things weren't that bad. A Georgia Biden voter now supporting Trump. Yeah, like the Today Show headline, MSNBC's Nicole Wallace welcomes baby at 51. The fuck are you doing? That's not honest. But that sentiment, I know a lot of people get mad about what he said years ago about grab them by whatever. That was kind of aggravating, but you know, that was years ago. Claire McCaskill is a former they Democratic do is senator of Missouri and the co-host oh, well. of the How to Win 2024 podcast. David Pluff served as campaign manager of the 2008 Obama campaign, as well as a senior advisor to President Obama, and they both join me now. I have had this thesis myself for a while that um, uh, the, the more that Donald Trump is in the public eye, the more attention he's getting, actually the worse for him politically because it's a reminder of how uniquely unsuited he is for the job. Um, I, I think a lot of people felt the opposite. They're like, you're giving him attention and that gives him power. And I'm curious just to start off, Claire, and then to you, David, like, where are you on this as a theory? Claire. Well, I, I, think, it, I think there's a lot of validity in this theory. Uh, I think people, uh, it is very easy to forget how scary this guy is if you are not listening and watching him right now.
Yeah. I mean, he just, I mean, Chris, not that long ago, he actually said that he would terminate the Constitution. That's a blatant, made-up lie. I mean, that that was right. just a few, like a month ago. Uh, no, it wasn't. That's totally made up. Yeah. Um, you know, a, a few months ago, before that, he was threatening to execute for treason. One of uh, no, he wasn't. That's totally made up. Military leaders. He uh, said what Millie did was treason. He didn't say he would execute him for treason. You're just making shit up. Uh, these are the things that I think will turn off particularly suburban voters if they see it and hear it and are reminded of it. And if the news media is not covering him so they see it and hear it, then the Biden campaign is going to have to. What do you think, David? I concur completely. I mean, the only way to turn this into the searing contrast it has to be is to swing him into the discussion. And Joe Biden has to turn this into a choice, not a referendum. And it's the only way to raise the stakes. And I think raising the stakes works with swing suburban voters, as Claire talked about, but also for younger voters who are probably my biggest concern. You know, winning the presidency is like putting together a really complicated puzzle. And, you know, young voter both turnout and vote share for Biden is going to be critical. So you have to make what Trump will do. And I think it's more important to talk about what he will do. Uh, you know, yeah. you can obviously do that based on the past, but on any number of things, you know, they're just incredibly unpopular. Uh, you know, the president, the person who's most responsible, Roe v. Wade, being illegal in this country, being overturned, sorry, being overturned, is not going to be back in the presidency and is going to appoint a lot more judges. He wants to basically dismantle government, the people who issue Social Security and Medicare. He wants to get rid of the Constitution. Uh, he wants to kill military generals. He wants Again, to just completely, this is a hysterical, hilarious narrative. Never have an election again where you have a voice. All these things are not made up. They're real. Yes, they are. And one of the key giveaways is that you have to tell people they're not made up. No. And man. so I think it's like when Shank Uger says we're the fairest show in the country. Well, obviously you're not. You, if you were, you wouldn't have to keep saying it. Have to bring him into this and make the prospect of what he will do in the next four years as real as possible for people. So here's there's there's something to this too. I think Claire and I agree with both of you. I do, I really do think it's it's key and, and urgent. I think one is that um, the. the He's exhausting to think about, and I know this in a professional capacity. And there's some degree to which, like people don't, particularly the people who are not the most, you know, tuned into politics, right? So the people who are sort of further on the margins, it's like, it's sort of more pleasant not to think about him. I'm not talking about the the people that go to his rallies, and I'm not talking about the people who are like political junkies. And so that's a little bit. I think it's because it's unpleasant to think about him <laughs> that it's actually like a little bit hard in that respect because people understandably would rather not. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think it's really important to remember that the voters that Joe Biden has to get, certainly it's young voters, and I think the Biden campaign has to really focus the conversation for young voters around Dobbs, around gun safety, around climate change, around, you know, him saying that there'll be a ban on Muslims being able to travel into our country, uh, the, the way that the right wing is looking down their nose at people who are gay and are married in this country. Um, those are the things Again, that do they're not looking there and uh, looking down their nose at normal people. They're looking down their nose at pedophiles groomers, lunatics that want to teach young children about uh, anal penetration, that's what they have a problem with. And that's what you defend. 
with young people. But for swing voters, you got to remember, Chris, you know what they say when somebody brings this up? Pox on both their houses. Right, They're yeah. all a mess. I don't like any of them. So you have to pull them out of that. I don't want to hear about any of them. I'd like somebody brand new and different. You've got to bring yeah. that home and make them realize how dangerous. So you're double you're doubling down on the Hillary Clinton strategy with Trump. That's fantastic because it didn't work then. It's not going to work this time. That attitude right. is when you've got one mentally deranged candidate and one normal candidate. Yeah, and, and there's another aspect to this, too, which and I thought that quote was really interesting, the, the, the relationship quote, the sort of further you get, the sort of the, the, the bad times recede, which is that I think there's some nostalgia among the electorate. Again, these are not politically checked in people like to the to, to basically 2019. Like it's been a rough run <laughs> for the country and the world. 2020, like COVID and that election and the aftermath of COVID and all the disruption and all the societal change and dislocation. And so I do think, David, there's like people have this a little bit of this image of they're, they're conflating some sense of like it was nice when we didn't have all this stuff that we had to deal with with the guy that might have been president then. Absolutely. And, you know, that's a real factor in this election, which is there's a lot of voters out there who say, you know, the economy was good in 19. Right. And so you've got to you know, you've got to prosecute an economic argument against Trump yes. that basically you know, he's going to just, you know, do everything for the wealthy and screw workers. But this is why this is so important. Listen, you know, I think, you know, I'm sure the Biden campaign, I certainly wish, you know, this turns into an Aaron Sorkin's screenplay and Joe Biden wins because he's able to sell his accomplishments. Uh, uh, but but that's not what this is. This race will be decided by people who to Claire's point, or pox on both their houses, yes. who aren't sure they're going to vote, who may disapprove of both candidates. Yep. And what you just described is so important because they say, well, you know, it maybe wasn't so bad under Trump. You, but what you have to say is, oh, it was, but it's going to be worse. And here's how it's going to affect you. Because ultimately, this will be decided by voters who may be holding their nose, who are really bummed about, out about their choices. So that's why this question you ask is so important. You have to make the prospect of Donald Trump being president from January 2021 till the end of 25 as real uh, for people as possible. And it's not that hard to make it scary and concerning because it is. No, it's, <laughs> it's legitimately, substantively, like the most scary and concerning <laughs> eventuality that we faced probably in my lifetime. And, and to your point, David, the, 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 the data I was thinking... Let's pretend that what they're saying about Trump arresting people actually takes place. Your argument then is to normies, hey, because Trump has never talked about locking voters up, normal people up. He's not Joe Biden. Joe Biden locks up Trump voters. Donald Trump has never not only done anything like that, he has never talked about anything like that. So what the argument that people like Chris Hayes are, are essentially making is, hey, normal voter, you need to sacrifice and keep paying high prices for things so we in the media don't get arrested. <laughs> you don't want us to be arrested, do you? You're going to have to sacrifice more. You're going to have to pay more so us in the media are not arrested. Yeah, I don't think they're going to buy that argument. I, I don't think people give a fuck about you. About it, and that's I think if what they're saying about Trump to some degree is true, which I don't think it is. Trump won the dual disapprovers against Hillary Clinton, people that disapproved of both by a pretty good margin. Biden won them in, in, in 2020. That's a, that's a key thing to keep your eyes on. Claire McCaskill, David Pluff. Okay, now let's see here. Next one. This is uh, the bald, fully bald Joy Reid talking about Elon Musk. 
On Monday, Elon Musk delivered his much-promised thermonuclear lawsuit against Media Matters for America, a nonprofit known for its criticism of conservative outlets and media figures. Musk, the self-proclaimed free speech absolutist, was triggered by a Media Matters report that said that the social media company he owns, X, the former Twitter, wasn't doing much to control ad placements next to anti-Semitic rhetoric. X had assured the public that it had introduced safety precautions that would, safety protections that would prevent ads from appearing next to harmful content. Last week, one of their journalists reported that ads for media companies were being placed alongside memes portraying Nazism as a spiritual awakening and uh, Hitler quotes. To be clear, Media Matters did not invent the anti-Semitic tweets, and they didn't falsely place the images side by side. They just pointed out that this was happening. Shortly after the Media Matters report came out, companies like IBM, Lionsgate, Comcast, our parent company, Apple and Disney, among others, decided to pause their advertising on ex-Twitter. According to data from a market intelligence firm, those companies represent 7% of X's U.S. ad revenue this year. The exodus came at the same time that Musk was promoting and agreeing with someone who was pushing the notion that Jewish people support white genocide. In the Texas-based lawsuit, X claims that Media Matters manipulated the X algorithm by following 30 accounts made up of only anti-Semitic users and large companies and did so by undertaking excessive scrolling and refreshing. Musk law, Musk's lawsuit was cheered by right-wing politicians like right-wing Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, you know, the guy who was impeached and later acquitted for abuse of power, bribery, and hooking his mistress up with a gig in Austin so that he could meet her surreptitiously. That bastion of ethical behavior said that he would examine the issue closely to ensure that the public has not been deceived by the schemes of radical left-wing organizations who would like nothing more than to limit freedom by reducing participation in the public square. Apparently, the Attorney General of Missouri will do the same. Angelo Carasoni, the president and CEO of Media Matters, tweeted, this is a frivolous lawsuit meant to bully X's critics into silence. Media Matters stands behind its reporting and look forward to winning in court. Meanwhile, the social media platform remains a welcoming space for anti-Semitism, racism, Islamophobia, transphobia, homophobia, misogyny, you name it. While Musk personally decides, seemingly randomly. Also known as people that like to have fun. What words, phrases, and ideas he will ban that day. It's almost as if well, he's interpreting. You, but you want to ban all the words and phrases. So why is, when, when he does it, it's a problem, but when you do it, it's okay? Go fuck yourself. Interpretation of freedom of speech is letting the absolute worst people and bots say whatever they want, as long as Elon agrees with it. Join oh, me now. Oh, you mean how it was before, just in the reverse, so you're getting a taste of your own medicine? Oh, that's fantastic. Is Angelo Carasoni, president and oh. CEO of Media Matters, Ben Collins, NBC News senior Can reporter. You Angelo, I want to start with you. Gayer what guys? is excessive scrolling, so. and was Media Matters excessively scrolling and faking the uh, symmetry or the, 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 the close association uh, of content with Nazi stuff? Uh, I think that, that they're trying to describe just the general use of Twitter. Uh, you know, it's like, <laughs> that's what you do on Twitter. You look at your feed, uh, and then it, it refreshes. Um, and that's sort of, it's just like, you know, they use the word manipulate the, manipulate the public, but even their own statements acknowledge that everything that we, that we reported was completely accurate, so. Yeah, no, no, they didn't. That's a blatant lie.
you know, that's what I think they mean by it. They're just trying to make it sound dastardly. And, you know, in terms of the more broad issue here, the thing I would just point out is that this was one of many reports, and we're not the only people to have this phenomenon. We've been pushing on this issue, specifically on pro-Nazi and sort of Hitler content since August. And X has been engaging, saying, hey, you know, we're going to fix this. We're, we're ramping up our brand safety stuff. They're the ones making claims that they are prevent or supposed to be preventing ads from running alongside adjacent to this kind of extremist content. So it, it doesn't really matter how we used it, how many times we hit refresh, if, if ultimately the ads shouldn't be there in the first place because that's the standard that they're setting and it shows that they're not doing the very thing they're saying. And that's, that's what the report was designed to illustrate. Uh, and Ben, you are, uh, you know, you, you check Twitter so that we don't have to, like the, I, I, as I described your, your job. I mean, you probably do a lot of excessive scrolling. Um, <laughs> because I can say that just as a, a former user who's jumped off the platform because of the increasing sort of Nazi vibe of it, which it used to be in the early days, 2008, 2009, when I first got on, it was awful. And then it got awful again. And a lot of people just don't want to use it anymore. Number one, is, is the phenomenon of increasing sort of Nazi-like and anti-Semitic content, is that something in your reporting that's real. Um, and number two, how is it that, that advertisers are only now deciding to get off the platform? It surprised me that it just happened only recently. I have no idea why it took so long, but I will say it is absolutely real. And I will say also that um, there's a reason you have to excessively scroll to do that. And I mean that technologically. Uh, Elon set a precedent where looking under the hood of Twitter uh, was turned off effectively. There's like yes, it, he turned it off to the AIDS commies who were calling themselves researchers, which were helping the government censor Twitter. So he decided, you're not allowed to do that anymore. And that's fantastic. API access, where we can basically look at um, the fundamentals, the, the technological, the actual amount of stuff that's going through Twitter at any given moment. Researchers used to be able to look at this stuff, but when, when Elon bought it, for this reason, um, he made it so you can no longer see behind the scenes like that. And a lot of places like Facebook sort of followed their lead. They, the best practices for actually studying what's happening on social media have been turned off. Good. And that's because of the pressure. That's what you deserve. And that Elon Musk and Republican lawmakers have been putting on for years and years. So Elon effectively turned off the ability to study the Internet Good. and to study Twitter and to study Good. the public conversation. And then afterwards said, why are you scrolling so excessively to find all of these ads? It's because that's the only way to do journalism on that platform right oh, now. Oh, it's the only way to do journalism. Setting up fake gay ops is the only way to do journalism. What is Linda Yaccarino, who used to work for NBC Universal, I should add, and left here to go and work there and supposedly to increase their ad revenue, which had been tanking anyway? I think some of the numbers is that it goes down. Here's the ad sales declines. Reuters reported that uh, X's ad revenue has declined at least 55 percent year over year every month since uh, Elon Musk took it over. What has she told employees internally and what is she saying about this? She told employees to start looking around for new uh, kinds of revenue because they're running out of money too fast. And also, you know, they have, uh, w when some of these brands are still on and they got re-onboarded from last time that there was an advertiser boycott, one of them was like Visa, and Visa spent $10. Not like $10,000, I'm talking $10. So this place is hemorrhaging cash. Now, are they going to be able to survive this? I don't really know. Elon wants to run this as a bare bones operation. But I will say the much more, the much scarier part of all this is the preview, the political 
playbook that's being created here by Elon Musk and the far right. They are going to these Republican AGs and saying, file these frivolous suits. Go after the speech of people that we don't like. Do it on our behalf, even though there's no case. You started it. You deserve it. Not only do I hope that they bankrupt all of you, I hope somehow you all get put in prison. That would See, it's not just time to bankrupt Media Matters, it's time to jail Media Matters. Now, I don't think they're going to do that, but they should. Here, even though it's ridiculous, that's a preview of 2025 if Trump gets back in office. Oh, that's that what he wants great. to do on a state-by-state -state level. He wants you to deserve. go after uh, critics of their own under the guise, hilariously, of free speech. Uh, I just want people to be aware that you shouldn't have fucked with people. If you think you're protected in this environment, the second you start disagreeing with somebody who has too much money, you're not going to be able to do that anymore. Yeah. I will also note that uh, according to Semaphore, uh, Twitter has hired or Yacar Ms. Yacarino has hired her son who's been tasked with outreach to Republican digital advertising firms and spenders. Just want to throw that out there. Uh, uh, let me go back to you, Angelo. This is what ex-Twitter says they want in this lawsuit. Actual and consequential damages caused by the defendant's misconduct, including, but not limited to all general and special damages. I don't know what that means. A preliminary and permanent injunction ordering Media Matters to immediately take down and otherwise remove the article, talking about what's uh, in their ads, uh, from websites and social media accounts. Excess cost and attorney's fees and also further relief that the court deems proper. Your response to that, uh, those demands? I mean, we reported something that was accurate that they even no, acknowledged, so, so I really don't understand it. This is like getting mad at a mirror or trying to break a mirror because you don't mm -hmm. like the reflection. And that's really what's happening here. And I mean, that's to me, you know, I, I think we should get a thank you. Because if you look oh, back at the yeah. totality of our reporting, yeah. guys, we need to thank the evil creature pedophile for destroying your business. Thank you. Oh, isn't that nice? Either I had to respond to it or take action on it. We've been doing the work just like other reporters out there, uh, that the brand safety and trust team used to do at Twitter, that, ex that, that Elon Musk gutted when he took it over in order to actually help it turn into the increasing cesspool of toxicity and extremism that it is. So, I mean, frankly, I, I don't see the, you know, the, the point here at all except to do nothing more than silence us. And I think what Ben said is right, and I want to echo it. This is a preview. This is a keyhole view. Commies should be silenced. To the future, because it's not just that they enlisted AGs, it's also where they're suing us, how they're proceeding mm -hmm. here, and enlisting and marshalling all the forces, both criminal and civil, to try to not For just the first time conservatives are doing to them in a slight way. A slight, this is the first mild way that conservatives are actually fighting back through lawfare. Us down, but also intimidate us going forward or make it significantly more difficult for us to do our job. And that's that's not going to be limited to just us, to be honest. Good. Yeah, be. I agree. I think all journalists should take uh, pay attention to it. Ben, if you could just briefly explain. Oh, I think. Uh, I do. Oh, you're unfrozen. Uh, this strange thing that happened where Elon Musk, who essentially endorsed the idea that Jewish people are pushing white genocide, um, to then getting praised by the head of the Anti-Defamation League. How did that happen? What is going on there? Yeah, I, I would really like an answer to that as well. Um, you know, Elon made a decision to effectively, uh, you know, I actually don't know how, uh, if this is toothless or not, but he said that words like decolonization are no longer allowed on the platform, which was uh, applauded by Jonathan Greenblatt. But this happened two days after he agreed with the guy who was trying to spell out how Hitler was right on his, on Twitter. Um, so 
I don't really understand this. There is a much larger question that I would love to ask Jonathan Greenblatt. I would love somebody at our network to ask Jonathan Greenblatt um, because I have not heard a reasonable explanation for this. The ADL, by the way, has some outstanding researchers, really oh, good researchers. Outstanding. In this space. And I'm sure they don't know what to do because um, people like Chaya Rachik, the libs of TikTok woman, um, she had a whole basic document uh, worked up about her from the ADL about the extremism of that organization of that group and that was just pulled down randomly they say it's on hold now there's something going on with the ADL with with Jonathan Greenblatt and being afraid of pressure from the far right and I don't know what it is but I would love to uh, I would love to hear some answers oh, well we, we may want to follow up on that um, very interesting questions uh, Angelo Carasoni Ben Collins Thank you. We'd love some follow-up on both. All on right. all. Hopefully they get what they deserve. Uh, here is, uh, which one is this? Oh, yeah. Um, they bring on the crazy cat piss lady from Colorado that's trying to get Trump off the ballot. The legal battle over whether Donald Trump can remain on the 2024 ballot in Colorado continues. The state Supreme Court agreed yesterday to take up an appeal in the 14th Amendment challenge to Trump's candidacy for president. This comes after a state judge ruled last week that while Trump did engage in insurrection, the disqualification clause does not apply to the president. The plaintiffs filed a blistering appeal to the Colorado Supreme Court on Monday, writing in part, quote, as for common sense, there would be no reason to allow presidents who lead an insurrection to serve again while preventing low-level government workers who act as foot soldiers from doing so. And it would defy logic to prohibit insurrectionists from holding every federal or state office except for the highest and most powerful in the land. Section 3 does not say that. The framers did not intend that. Trump is disqualified from holding office again. The court agreed to hear the case on an accelerated timetable, with oral arguments set to begin on December 6th. Many legal experts believe that this case will ultimately be settled by the U.S. Supreme Court. Joining our conversation, Colorado Secretary of State Jenna Griswold, plus O'Neill Professor of Constitutional Law and Global Health Policy at Georgetown Law School, Michelle Goodwin, is here. I mean, again, this right here, if this, wherever this walks in, should be escorted out. The idea that this could be put in any sort of position or power, uh, uh, position or, or place with any influence in our society uh, is preposterous. Uh, if you don't immediately in your gut understand that this person needs to be escorted out, I, I don't know what to tell you. It's really, it's incredible. Secretary Griswold, your reaction to Judge Wallace's ruling that former President Trump engaged in insurrection but could still remain on the ballot? Uh, good afternoon, Alicia. Yikes. Thank you for having me on. Um, and I, I would just say this is a surprising case. I think the judge put a lot of thought and consideration into the case. And it's very meaningful that she found, uh, actually, the first court in the nation to find that he did engage in insurrection. Um, but with that said, I believe that no person should be above the law. That includes the American president. And if this decision is let to stand, Donald Trump will be above the law, at least for committing insurrection. So that is troubling, <laughs> and we will see what the Colorado Supreme Court ultimately has to say. Are you optimistic about this appeal? 
Well, you know, I, I'm not sure what optimism is in this case. My <laughs> yeah. role as Secretary of State is to follow the law and uphold the Constitution. There are big questions around Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, some of which the district court got into, some of which she, she didn't really delve into. So I think it's a good thing that this question is to the courts. I ultimately will follow whatever court decision is in place by the time I certify the ballot. Right. So let's talk about that deadline, Professor Goodwin. That, I believe, puts you at January 5th. Is that correct? Secretary Griswold, That's January right. 5th, all right, so that we have... That's right. That, so when you hear that the court, Professor Goodwin, is agreeing to do this on an accelerated timeline, we have a very clear understanding of what is on the other side of that timeline. What does it indicate to you that they were willing to take this up? Well, it indicates that it's a matter of urgency that relates to the 2024 election. This is a time in which Donald Trump is facing over 90 indictments. Uh, it is a time of urgency as not only the state of Colorado prepares for this, but other states also considering whether this will be a matter taken up by their courts as well. I want to read you, Michelle, from uh, the brief filed by the plaintiffs in Colorado. Quote, no court should adopt an interpretation of the Constitution that has such absurd results unless strictly compelled by unambiguous text. Fortunately, in this case, the text and history all comport with the common sense outcome. Section 3 does not disqualify oath-breaking insurrectionists from nearly all public office except the highest one, nor does it give a unique free pass to insurrectionist president. So Judge Wallace, with her ruling, determined Trump engaged in insurrection, but could remain on the ballot on the... I love how they're pretending that this dumb whore judge is like the arbiter of insurrection and that if it's her opinion that he committed insurrection, therefore truth has been created. It's ridiculous. Narrow grounds that the 14th Amendment, again, doesn't apply to the president. How will those two pieces of the ruling factor into the Supreme Court's consideration of the appeal? Well, first of all, it relates to the question as to whether the president is considered uh, an officer of the federal government. And those who've brought this petition say that, of course, that would be obvious that this applies to the president. The second is that uh, it's a question as to uh, what the oath actually is that the president has taken. And with that, whether there can be a strict interpretation of what the language actually is in the 14th Amendment. But I would say that there's something else that we need to look at, which is exactly why this was written into the Constitution in 1868. It related expressly to what it was that abolitionists in Congress understood about the potential of there being an insurrection against the United States government and what that would mean. There were members of Congress at that time who had been beaten up, who had been threatened. Charles Sumner, a senator from Massachusetts, had been caned nearly to death in Congress several days after giving a speech about the abolition of slavery. So they knew what the potential was, not only of low-level federal officers, but what it could mean if someone came into the United States presidency who sought to dismantle the union. Secretary Griswold, again, you've said you would follow whichever ruling was in place on January 5th, 2024. I broke out my calculator. That's a little more than six weeks uh, away. So that is a tight timeline for this appeals court. Again, your primary, it is in March. So across the board, we are on a tight timeline here. 
do you think a little more than six weeks are you confident that this legal question can be resolved on that timeline i'm confident we'll have great elections in the state of colorado just like always we're considered the nation's gold standard for elections and, and we'll continue to oh, deliver. that must mean that they cheat their asses off I do think it's important. I mean, look at the look at the eyes. Old state elections the, in the state of Colorado, just like always, we're considered the nation's gold standard for elections, and and will continue to deliver. I I mean, how, how this just you gotta go, you gotta go you 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 escort them out. You you've you've got to get out of here. I do think it's important to state, no matter what happens in this case, whether or not Donald Trump is on the ballot. He is a threat to American democracy. The district court found that he engaged in insurrection. We are seeing his lie after lie after lie actions to erode our democracy. And whether or not he's on the ballot, American voters will have the opportunity to protect our democracy once again, uh, multiple times next year through the presidential primary and the general election. Colorado Secretary. Oh, these people. They've just, again, full legal political marginalization. That's the only answer. They cannot have any sort of influence in society. It is total madness. Which one is this? Out it later in the show. Ugh. But we begin Disgusting. tonight with your wish is my command. Ugh. Now, I say this all the time on this show. Scaring is caring. We have told you repeatedly. On this show, what would happen should Donald Trump return to the White House? But don't take it from me. Take it from the legion of yes-men waiting in the wings to do Trump's bidding. The thousands of loyalists being vetted for a second Trump term. Like Mike Davis, an attorney who is doing the most to prove exactly how he'd serve Trump in his mission to exact revenge upon his perceived enemies with no one to stop him. My friend and colleague Mehdi Hassan recently discussed the conservative activist lawyer who folks like white nationalist accomplice Steve Bannon are pitching as a potential Trump attorney general, which Davis responded to on social media. He threatened to denaturalize and deport Mehdi, who is British American, mm. adding that he's our- Man, you know, isn't this fascinating? I'm not the only person with this appetite. Isn't this a fascinating thing? It's not just me. Because, you know, if it's just me, it's just some, some guy on the Internet. And I also, no matter what, I, I don't have any influence or power. But there are a lot of motherfuckers talking like this. And that makes it more likely that something along those lines could happen. You need to have deterrence. You need to have deterrence. And countries are going to have to decide, if we're talking about immigration, what kind of country are you going to be? And are you going to keep people in your country that hate your country? And each country has to decide on whether or not they're going to do that. And then what policies they're going to put in place to have the country that they want. And that's it. That's that's what it, it's all going to be sorted out one way or the other. It's fascinating. Already got his spot picked out in the D.C. gulag and that he'd put him in the women's cell block along with friend of the show Trump Tim Bro, Miller. Okay, Mike Davis. People are talking about this guy. I don't know a lot about Mike Davis. People are, he almost made me, I just, I was, I was like drinking some wine. he almost made me choke. I didn't know he said he was going to put him in the women's. <laughs> this is fucking hilarious. So, Alright, let's read this guy's tweet. This guy, he, he's being floated for AG if Trump gets in the office. Now, I don't know a lot about him, but so far, so good. 
So he writes, Trump's dream team, Mehdi Hassan is now on my list to indict for detain and six denaturalize and three deport. I already have his spot picked out in the DC gulag, but I'll put him in the women's cell block with Tim ODC. Is Tim ODC the uh, homosexual that wear, wears pearls that that Carrie Lake just dismantles and emasculates every time she sees him? Is that Tim ODC? So these whiny leftists don't get beat up as often. Okay, all right, good, good talk. We'll see what happens. Who is gay? Now, to be clear, the issue isn't right-wing legal activist on TV host trolling, although the open fascism and bigotry is pretty appalling. It's the fact that Mike Davis could actually be Trump's attorney general in real- Bitch, you have, it's not just Owen Schroyer. It's not just Ricky Vaughn. There is a long growing list of political prisoners that the Biden regime is putting in the office. You have no room to talk about any of this. You have no room to talk life. So just remember that name. As Will Bunch of the Philadelphia Inquirer notes, the gulag touting lawyer takes the abstract warnings that U.S. democracy is on the line in the 2024 election and brings them to life. And he cloaks it in a veneer of respectability, a member of the Federalist Society, the group responsible for our right-wing theocratic Supreme Court majority. He worked for Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley when he chaired the Senate Judiciary Committee. He also clerked for Neil Gorsuch, and helped get Brett Kavanaugh on the court. But most importantly, Mike Davis fits Trump's, Donald Trump's checklist to a T. One articulated in a Washington Post piece about how some of the otherwise competent people who served in Trump's White House do not want to see him reelected. According to the Post, Trump has argued that while in the White House, he listened to people he should not have and made Trump. bad hires, particularly at the Pentagon. See, that's a good sign that Trump acknowledged what his mistakes were and and that's that's important so you know there's a shot if he gets in that it could work out there's a shot he got a shot here this time trump said he would look out for people who are loyal and smart yep good idea second term in office people close to him say would have people who actually support president trump good idea of one advisor mike davis is going all out to prove to trump that he is one of those people and make no mistake trump is already casting from a list of super loyalists for a hypothetical second term, like some of the characters who already helped him plot a coup. Trump has already played- So again, that's made up. They did not plot a coup, totally made up. Just to bring back Michael Flynn, the one-time national okay, security advisor good. he pardoned after Flynn lied to the FBI. He didn't <laughs> lie to the FBI. That was total bullshit. Even the FBI agents that interviewed him admitted that he didn't lie. No, before he took the QAnon pledge. And Jeffrey Clark, the indicted Georgia co-conspirator who Trump once tried to install as attorney general to promote lies about election fraud. He's in contention for a senior role at justice. Trump might have to pardon him to make that job offer, depending okay. on what happens what in Clark's trial next November. Might as well throw in Sidney Powell while we're at it. Also plotting their return, the former Trump staffers involved with the very much out in the open Heritage Foundation Project 2025. Like ironic white nationalist Dracula Stephen Miller. <laughs> return in a senior role. Yes, the Jewish white nationalist. Planning the most spectacular migration crackdown. A second Trump term could also coincide with a fully complicit Republican Congress led by new and openly Christian nationalist House Speaker Mike Johnson. He traveled to Mar-a-Lago to kiss the ring on Monday, meeting with Trump days after endorsing the 91 counts indicted former president. 
and in yet another sign of the wholesale Trumpification of the Republican Party. One of the few Republicans who voted to impeach Trump after January 6th, former Republican Congressman Peter Meyer of, Meijer of, of Michigan, who lost a primary over his impeachment vote, now says he would support Trump if he was the party nominee. Call it what you will, pathetic, embarrassing. It is, however, the Republican Party pulling it, putting its full embrace around the man who in turn is making fascism and autocracy the centerpiece of his third run for the White House, as he did recently, calling his political yeah, totally made up. opponents on the left vermin. He said the they live like vermin, but I'll call you vermin because you already called us maggots. So that's it. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. Times details how that authoritarian language has experts deeply concerned. Experts. Quote, experts. They said the former president's increasingly intensive focus on perceived internal enemies was a hallmark of dangerous totalitarian well, maybe you shouldn't have fucked with them. How about leaders. That? Maybe you shouldn't have He has insinuated them. that the nation's top military general should be executed and called for the termination of parts of the Constitution. No, he didn't. That's made up. If he wins back the White House, he has said he would have no choice but to imprison political opponents. That is correct. Which brings me back to potential second-term Trump Attorney General Mike Davis, who responded to reporting from our colleagues at Morning Joe about this very prescient warning about Trump's second-term plans, including imprisoning his enemies, by posting on the Hell app, formerly known as Twitter, Dear President Trump, your wish is my command. You're telling us, they are telling us who they are. Please believe them. Oh, baby. Joining me now is Nicole Hannah-Jones, Pulitzer Prize-winning reporter for the New York Times Magazine and creator of the 1619 Project. She is the founder of the Center for Journalism and Democracy at Howard University, which recently hosted the Democracy Summit. And Michael Steele, you, former you, you know what's so crazy about this? There's such an easy way to stop this right now. All you have to do... Stop arresting us and drop these bullshit indictments and let a normal election play out. Say, hey, you know what? We took this a little too far. I mean, we have Trump derangement syndrome and we don't know a whole lot about it. It's a new phenomenon. But yeah, I'm realizing that locking up our political opponents, including the voters, make no mistake, this is not just about Trump. There is a very long list. In fact, what I'm going to do at some point in, in 2024 um, um, I'm going to compile a master list of all of the people that have been prosecuted for their political uh, 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 positions or who have been treated overly harshly. Uh, 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 you know, like, for example, if a person was completely nonviolent but caught five years uh, uh, w related to January 6th or anything, I'm going to make a master list of all the people and on stream we're going to go over all of it it will probably take hours to go over all of the, the stories okay so these people have no leg to stand on but you could just stop you could just stop imprisoning your political opponents that's all you and, and then things could calm down i think there's a good chance that if they stopped and they said you know what this is a mistake we're not going to go in this direction we're dropping these cases uh, uh if you're a nonviolent offender uh, and you're in the DC Gulag, you can you can come out, and it would it would definitely help tamp some of this down. But there's no chance that they're going to do that. 
there is zero chance they're going to do that. They're going to get crazier and they're going to arrest more people. They're going to raid more houses. They're going to knock on people's doors. They're going to intimidate Trump voters. And then they're going to cry if Trump gets in the office and does a fraction of what uh, they did. Because this is the thing, and I would never support this, and I don't see this happening, and there's no indication that it's happening. Trump is not doing the same thing that they're doing. Tr there is not a single fucking normie normal person that Trump is indicting or talking about indicting or doing anything or has ever done that. The people he's talking about locking up are the people that have committed crimes that fucking deserve it. And they're all people inside the regime with power. So there's a huge difference between the two, in my opinion. And C chair, MSNBC polit political analyst and host of the Michael Steele podcast. Thank you both for being here. Nicole, I do want to start with you. Uh, I recently did attend and, and did a panel at your democracy summit. And I think it's important that you did that because I think the first time Donald Trump ran, I was telling my producers that there were people around who were using the F word, fascist. I happen to have been one of them and others who were saying this guy is like a blinking light of fascist language and ideas and violence uh, sort of dreams and people just didn't take it seriously. Do you perceive that, particularly our profession, that the media is taking it more seriously? This New York Times piece suggests it may be, but what do you think? Yes, I do think that our profession is belatedly taking it more seriously. Um, as you said, they're, they're actually using the word fascist, though, hedging a bit, right, saying other people are saying these are fascist-like tendencies. Um, but we are seeing an understanding that this is serious and that so many of the, the characteristics of fascism that we seem to understand innately when we see it in other countries, uh, we are seeing it right here and we are starting to recognize it. Though I still think we are still struggling with how do you cover um, right. a major presidential candidate who does appear to be acting in fascist ways? Um, there's a sense that if you if you if you call it exactly what it is, and maybe you'll turn off readers or or viewers, or maybe you will you know not. I be love able to how they think that like they can somehow control this situation by changing their coverage, which is really not going to be changing. It's just going to becoming you know more rabid and ridiculous. Um, th that's not going to work at all reach the people who he speaks to. But as I said at the summit, our job as journalists is to reflect truth and not power. And I think we are still struggling with, with how do you consistently cover Trump in the way that he needs to be covered. Yeah, and speaking of struggles, Michael Steele, you know, the Republican Party, I think, has given up the struggle. You know, what I have perceived among Republicans, even sort of former kind of normie Republicans like Elise Stefanik and others, <laughs> is that their tactic in dealing with a fascist onslaught is to get on the train, is to get on board. Yeah. Mike Johnson, who is a Christian nationalist, full stop. But now he also is down with the fascism, right? They're all down with it. They're all kissing the ring. They all fall to their knees. Kevin McCarthy did it. All of them did it. Mitch McConnell did it. Mitch McConnell, to, you know, do it whatever you want, just give me the court. Mm -hmm. Is there yet inside the Republican Party any hint of a, of a willingness <laughs> to fight this anywhere? It is in quiet corners, and that's part of the, part of my frustration and the frustration of a number of us who are, who are trying to, to elevate the conversation inside the House, because 
the call is coming from inside the house, right? It, it, the, the, the horror that you're afraid of is, is there behind you in the closet down the hall, and it's no longer in the closet. It's actually kind of roaming the halls and taking out members as they find them in various chambers and, and um, organizations and so forth. So the reality remains for the party is what does this become? You have still, Joy, a number of folks in the House um, certainly in the Senate, some governors around the country in office right now who believe, A, Trump will not be the nominee of the party at the end of the day, B, we'll get past this. Even if Trump is the nominee, he will lose in November of next year. And then C, we can all go down the yellow brick, ro brick road together, and America will largely not remember just how badass we were. And the fact is, all three of those assumptions are wrong. Everything about it is wrong. And, and so, you know, the, the idea of democracy has become a foreign concept. It has become other to them as an, an immigrant or migrant coming into the country or a, a transgender child. It, it, that's how they're seeing the world right now. And, you know, those of us still inside the house <laughs> It's like, okay, I think I think we need to head for the front porch because it's getting <laughs> scary up in here. Um, yes, indeed. I, I want to read just really quickly. The New York Times highlighted some of them, but there, there, are, there are certain tenets of fascism that scholars uh, in this area understand. And I'll just read what the New York Times wrote about that. And they, they talked about a few of them. Uh, Peter Hayes, uh, according to historian Peter Hayes, fascism is generally understood as an authoritarian far-right system of government in which hyper-nationalism is a central component. It, is often, it often features a cult of personality check around a strongman leader check, the justification of violence or retribution against opponents, and the repeated denigration of the rule of law. Um, there is also kind of a normalization of violence against perceived elites, including the media. We've seen, Nicole, and I know you have you've tweeted about, I don't know what we call it now that it's a, ex former Twitter, about the, the, the way that the, the country has responded to violence overseas, um, including violence against journalists, and the kind of muted response, even within the press, um, to the record number of journalists who died, for instance, in Gaza. Um, and the kind of, do, do you perceive within even our profession and within the country that we're already kind of primed to accept a great deal of violence without outrage? Gee, I wonder if that had anything to do with your coverage of the 2020 riots when they were killing people. Absolutely. We have seen this normalization, right? Like when you, when you think about um, Trump's campaign the first time, where he was literally stoking violence um, at his rallies oh, and encouraging shit. violence and, and speaking about violence. I mean, you can never forget him saying he could shoot someone in Times Square and people would still vote for him. And so what happens is when you, you constantly have that rhetoric, then you do start to get a bit immune to it. And, and I think that's what we're seeing. We're seeing that across the board. And I also think it's really important to, to just take a second and note We've never had multiracial democracy in America, except for the last That's a, a bunch of commie, commie gobbledygook. 60 years. It has always been contested. So what we are seeing is a rise of this, this strongman leader who is not concerned about, you know, his, his people who are supporting him. They're not concerned with economic anxiety. It's demographic anxiety. Oh, yeah. And they are right. not um, embracing 
missing of democracy if democracy means a lot of people of color and other folks get to decide who leads our country. Well, because if you have the power, you've made clear that you would kill us all. So obviously people have a problem with that. And so this is the response. And yes, violence is a huge part of that. Violence has always been a part of American politics. We just have pretended that it hasn't been. Mm. And, and, you know, the reality is, you know, the one time we did try, what, 12 years of Reconstruction, which was, of course, violently overthrown, right, with, with, with exactly. uh, quickness um, and with ferocity. Right. You know, and, and Michael Steele, you know, I, I feel like Americans have a sense, you know, nothing bad can happen to us because we are the essential, special nation. But, but we are really not that much different than countries like, let's say, Argentina, which now has no, its no. own Trump. Trump is now praising this man who is threatening. He's saying he's going to do it, a complete abortion ban. He was elected in large part due to high inflation but there's his triple digit, ours is like 3%. Um, and he was mainly supported by young, angry men who who say, yeah, ban abortion. You know, there's a sort of an incel factor or whatever oh, it yeah. is. Oh, yes, the incels in Argentina, of course. It, the, the incels are at fault. Conditions aren't that different. Economic complaints, demographic complaints, complaints about immigration, on and on and on. I don't understand how people understand how that we can't be Argentina. Well, I think there there's a number of elements uh, that that are at play here, which is why uh, you know the the challenge is trying to talk about democracy in layman's terms. If you if you kind of mm -hmm. get where my drift is going, there just just kind of bring it bring it to a point where. It, it doesn't seem like it's a, a foreign concept to people uh, to talk about these things and these behaviors, especially the behaviors. So the idea of sort of throwing around fascism, right, in this environment in America, it's you know, it's almost sounds elitist. It almost sounds like mm -hmm. oh, they're using big words. Well, your mama never used big words when she was describing your bad behavior before she whipped your behind. And I think that's kind of the space we need to get back into is breaking down this conversation, which is why democracy conversations that Nicole and others are having on, on campuses like Howard and elsewhere become important because it's a way of sort of taking the mystery out of it and saying, no, these are the effects of this behavior. These are the consequences of this behavior. So you look at Argentina and go, well, that's over there. This is not America. No, it is. And let me show you how it is. Let me tell you how it is. We just had in, in the last 30 seconds a conversation about the struggle of African-Americans in a post, uh, you know, reconstruction period or during reconstruction and how much the country repulsed against that and, and deeply fought against it in many quarters. That's part of that narrative and that experience that we can relate forward yeah. to today. So you want to tell the voters how racist they are? That's a great idea. Hey, in what we're seeing and sort of breaking it down. But of course, we can't talk about such things because that's part of teaching black history and well. <laughs> that's critical race theory, Michael Steele, and that's illegal that's in like about 20 states. There I go again. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like exactly. Or Christopher Rufo theory, if you want to call it that, because that's what it really is. Uh, Nicole Hannah. So she looks like Krusty the Clown from The, Simpsons, uh, from the Simpsons. Kind of like if you took Krusty the Clown and Sideshow Bob and like morphed them together. Uh, Krusty the Kang, I guess we'll call her. Krusty the Kang from the 1619 Project. Okay, let me read some of these super chats. We're taking them through Streamlabs, link in the description. We're also taking them through Entropy, uh, link in the description. And we're also taking Rumble Rants on Rumble. Uh, also, you can download the uh, book from my homosexual leftist Democrat brother, 
called What a Bigot Would Say. It is a guide on how to be a virtuous leftist. You can uh, click the description on Rumble or YouTube, and you can download it. It's like the fifth link down. Now, we had we have a, um, a, a subscriber goal. So the book from my completely real leftist homosexual brother, that came about after a reviewer uh, uh, suggested it as an idea. And I said, okay, well, let's try to do like a subscriber goal. And then if we hit the goal, then the book will come out within two weeks. And we hit that goal. Okay. So then we decided to do another one, and uh, uh, this time it would be, uh, I would write the book, and then it was suggested by some in the audience that I write a book breaking down um, how the corporate media uses the exact same propaganda tactics as the Jehovah's Witnesses, and then also, you know, things about the current political environment, and also uh, ways to possibly talk to family members strategically if they've been brainwashed by the media, and things like that. So we're basically, the goal was set, it's basically like 100 subscribers. Um, okay, so earlier today, there was a uh, bathhouse explosion. So that's like on, on, so there's multiple places. There's Subscribestar, there's Rumble, and then there is the Soft Gentleman's Bathhouse on YouTube. Um, I believe the Soft Gentleman's Bathhouse on YouTube is the only option that allows people to gift memberships, right? Um, so when someone gifts a membership to the Soft Gentleman's Bathhouse, if it's a bunch of memberships, it's a bathhouse explosion. Well, today we had what will go down in history as the bathhouse explosion of 2023 uh where gun fox uh, uh uh gifted i believe 70 i believe the number is 70 memberships we, we we had there were so many new rabid homosexuals in the bathhouse that uh that that i you know encouraged everyone excuse me not i i don't know what i, I wasn't even here for this i this is i i'm only explaining this secondhand from the soft gentleman uh, this is as I understand it, so, but I wasn't there. But anyway, <clears throat> the soft gentleman warned all of the people in the bathhouse, make sure you, get, you take your PrEP medication and your MPOX medication because by the end of this, people's noses are going to be falling off. Like that German rabbit homosexual uh, who had monkeypox so bad that his nose fell off, okay? So anyway, this put us, now we are within uh, 24, okay? So we were like... Because this is the type of thing where the membership stuff it usually is like gradual um, on Subscribestar and Rumble, which is fine, which is how it goes. But from time to time, people through these explosions on the Soft Gentleman's channel can rapidly just get very close to the goal. It's how the initial goal was set. So we were going along, you know, making uh, good good progress. And then I think it was like the last day of the month uh a few people just decided to put us over the top and then we hit the goal so we went from being very far away from the new goal to being very close now we're 24 away now after uh, the 70. um so if you're interested in this book and and here's the thing people seem to like the soft gentleman's book and so cool this one, maybe it won't work. I don't know. I've never done this before. You know, kind of. I've never done this before. I have no idea. But if people like it, then maybe we'll try something else. But for the most part, we'll see what happens. But I have no idea. I've never written before again, kind of. And so we'll see. But it'll be 30 days from the, from the time we hit the goal. It'll be 30 days from that point. Then the book will be released. Same deal. PDF for free to the audience. And then I'll try, I'll try to uh, 
upload it to uh, Amazon. And so I do believe, though, uh, by I would think by December 10th, as far as the Soft Gentleman's book, making it to Amazon or Barnes & Noble, I believe that will be the full eight weeks because I was told it will take six to eight weeks. Um, so... I think that'll be eight weeks. Um, so if it's not if it's not on there by the tenth, then obviously there's probably some sort of maybe, maybe maybe someone read it and decided not to upload it. I don't know. We'll have to see. But there's still time. Hopefully it gets up there. By the way, if you see it on any platform, let me know. Uh, again, it's called "What a Bigot Would Say," written by the soft gentleman, uh, and it has a cover. You'll see the cover if it gets on there. It's just it's about what you would expect. Um, so anyway, we'll see. So again, thank you, Gunfox. Sincerely appreciate your generosity and support for the channel. And uh, if, like I said, if you're interested in uh, helping us achieve the goal, you can click the link to, to subscribe star, or you can click the red subscribe button on Rumble, or you can go to the Soft Gentleman's Bathhouse. He usually streams uh, mid-afternoon, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Um, and uh, that's the Soft Gentleman YouTube channel. Okay, here's a rumble rant from Salty Sloth. He says, uh, Happy Thanksgiving, HB, and thanks to Gunfox for the membership to the bathhouse. I've been practicing gargling, and I'm doing clenching exercises right now. Well, that, from what I understand, that'll probably come in very, very helpful uh, in the bathhouse, so that sounds fantastic. And again, thank you, Gunfox. Uh, Silky Johnson says, HB, with the explosion of bathhouse members, a new wing needs to be built. I say your brother Christian christens it with the John Idearola Semen Spa. And he con uh, contracts the feminist company that built that bridge because that didn't collapse. It was structurally sound. Yeah, we're going to need, yeah, the John Idearola wing. Uh, or I guess this is more of a spa. So, yeah, the John Idearola <laughs> Semen Spa, I think that would be fantastic. I forgot what the previous ones. There was the Pac-Man wing. I think there was an Obama wing. I thought there was some someone else. I forget. Um, Silky Johnson also says, Seriously, HB, we need to find an open spot to put up a bunch of signs saying it's family-friendly nudist event as to draw out the disgusting subhuman pedophiles, lure them into a building and gas it with diesel exhaust in Minecraft. That's the gentlemanly way. You know, there is a guy... Um, well, there's multiple people that do this, but this guy seems to be busting a pedophile like every day. I think Rob Primo is his name. I think he's in Canada. This guy, every day he's busting a new pedophile. That's fantastic. Because, you know, a lot of times the cops aren't doing anything. Not all cops. Some cops do arrest. Some cops do take it seriously. And credit to them. But other cops don't take it seriously. So you get these, like, vigilantes. Like, this is, like, righteous vigilante work. Where they're just, like, you know, setting up pedophiles and then just putting it on the Internet. And um, sometimes it leads to charges. Other times I don't think so. But at least it, it, it kind of, like exposes them it's at least something but uh, you know the weird thing like no matter how many times uh, and this is why i think jail has to be the solution because like, it was like remember uh, what was that show to catch a predator right that was like that was a well-known show it was on you know nbc or msnbc for years and no matter what and i think the guy who did the show would talk about this no matter how many episodes they did the pedophiles would still always come. Even sometimes that they knew it was probably going to be to catch a predator, and they still came anyway. Uh, 
that's that's like a sickness. That's why yeah, it's got to be gel, at least gel. Crazy. All right. A person calling themselves tree nigga says, and I quote, "Y'all whites be eating the turkey we's gave you in the winter, 1620." That time Squanto had reached Super Saiyan level 3 because he spent time in England and came back. Then he saw Vegeta cunt punt that trifling bitch Bulma for witchcraft while Krillin rolled dice. Oh, that's a hell of a thing right there. Well, that's a hell of a history. All right, thank you, uh, Tree Nigga. Appreciate that. Shosaginu says, Shout out to Gunfox for the bukkake of sub gifts to Soft Gentleman's Bathhouse. Absolutely. Sincerely appreciate the support, and also, obviously, everyone that has uh, uh, donated or has uh, subscribed, sincerely appreciate it. Uh, and, uh, yeah, if you download the book and, and you like it, thank you. Appreciate it. Um, let's see. Uh, show Sagino also says, HB, when Soft Gentleman finished his book, he had a few people offer to edit it. The Soft Gentleman book is on 11 by 14 paper. I tried to PDF to text, but the formatting tags are still embedded. If you can get it to 6 by 9 pages, I'll get you hard copies for Soft Gentleman to auto for fans. So, yeah, if there, if you know how to possibly, like, how to do that, I don't know if it's something I can do on my end, or there have been people, yes, uh, it was quite an atrocity um, at first release, and uh, thank you to the people who... Uh, cleaned it up and turned it into, you know, something halfway, at least halfway reasonable. Uh, that was not such a monstrosity. Um, and, uh, yeah, if anyone knows how to do that, so it would have to format it into six by nine uh, inch pa uh, pages, uh, then, yeah, I think that'll be fine. If people want to do that, I think that would be, uh, that would be completely fine. I just want it to end up in one, just give me one fucking... Um, store, just one, just for a week or two days. Just give it to me at Barnes and Noble for two days. That would be absolutely hilarious. Oh, uh, there we are on Pilled. All right, cool. Thank you, Pilled. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. Well, shout out. Oh, actually, yeah, they approved us for uh, live streaming. I appreciate that. Okay, let's see what's next here. Um, okay, here is um. Oh, actually, I forgot. I don't think there was anything in Entropy. Let me just refresh here and check real quick. Yeah, TYT is covering the Elon Musk story. Um, and uh, it's interesting. So this is, it seems like this is another one of the narratives that Anna Kasparian is supporting, even though she's supposed to be different, like she said on the Sitchin Adams show. Elon Musk is now suing the liberal media watchdog organization known as Media Matters for America. He is alleging fraud and he is alleging that the site manufactured evidence showing ads from major brands being placed next to pro-Nazi content on the site. Now, before we get into the details, I think it's important to note that one of the things that Elon Musk wanted to do as soon as he purchased Twitter was to truly make it a free speech absolutist place where anyone can pretty much say anything for the most part. I think there are some limits. Which is American, that's the First Amendment. It's, but I think most people noticed an increase in hateful. That's not a real thing, hateful words, that's bullshit. Tweets, hateful posts, if you will. Not, no, it, no, if you will, I will not. Fuck you. Um, Anti-Semitic posts That's also. That's not real. 
it's anti-semitism is a cudgel to try to control people and deflect criticism from zionists it's a total gay op total made-up term all of this gay op bullshit hate speech assault weapon anti-semitism racism it's all bullshit increased and he also got rid of a huge percentage of the staff working at the company which kind of did away with the content moderation that was taking place at the time and of course it's because of the fact that there were a lot of complaints coming from conservatives in regard to censorship on the platform okay so that's the context you need to know about as we move forward with the details now there was an ad that was posted on Twitter. It's important to keep in mind that this ad was created back in March prior to the current war that's happening in Gaza. But it was recently posted by a user and that's what kind of spurred the controversy. So here's the ad in question. I saw what you've been posting. Hitler was right. I didn't teach you that. You hide behind your screen, spewing all this hatred and ugliness. You got something you want to say? Get out of the truck and say it to their faces. (laughs) You should have been like that. That's not how the internet works. What the fuck is wrong with you? Hitler was right was posted over 70,000 times last year. Oh my god. I love I love there's nothing I love more than people that take the internet seriously. I it is the greatest. It is the I can't get enough of it. What a that's supposed to be a serious commercial. <laughs> Oh my god. No, I hadn't seen that ad until this uh, recent controversy erupted. How can you defend that ad? That's total cringe. I just want to quickly note, I think that was a powerful ad. I like that ad a lot. Oh my uh, god, are you kidding me? Received a response. So oh. I'm going to re- read the response from um, this person on X, uh, Breaking Bot uh, is the person who posted this. Okay. Jewish communities have been pushing the exact kind of dialectical hatred against whites that they claim to want people to stop using against them. I'm deeply disinterested in giving the tiniest crap now about Western Jewish populations coming to the disturbing realization that those hordes of minorities that support flooding their country don't exactly like them too much. You want truth said to your face, there it is. And in response to that, Elon Musk tweeted, you have said the actual truth. And then he followed it up with, the ADL Anti-Defamation League unjustly attacks the majority of the West despite the majority of the West supporting the Jewish people and Israel. This is because they cannot by their own tenants criticize the minority groups who are their primary threat. It, uh, it is not right and needs to stop. 
Where is the lie? So Jenk, I'm gonna go to you. What is your interpretation of Elon Musk's response to that, that tweet? So there's two different issues here, guys. The Elon Musk response and what Media Matters did. Let's start with Elon Musk's response. So I think it's deeply problematic. So that's again another made up commie term to try to censor people. This is because they cannot by their own tenets criticize the minority groups who are their primary threat. It's not just anti-Semitic, it's saying that minority groups are somehow hate Jews. Some of, again, some people inside minority groups, i.e. Muslims, Arabs, do hate Jews. That's a fact, some of them don't, but some of them do. And the ones that do are right now uh, out in the streets saying things like gas the Jews in Australia, that happens. Okay, that's what they're talking about, okay? That's what they're talking about. It's also a problem in that direction. And then what was the great truth that that guy said? The Jewish communities have been pushing the kind of hatred against whites? Yes, some Jews have done that. And he gave an example, the ADL, prime example. Okay, I guess there's two possibilities here. One is the guy saying, well, Jews mainly vote, Jewish Americans mainly vote for Democrats and Democrats have are in favor of more immigration and, and that's crossing the border and then now minority- It's not just being in favor of immigration. He's crossing the border in Israel and ha ha, that's a possible interpretation. Another possible interpretation is uh, unfortunately, the direction that he's an evil racist. Most extreme right wing has gone, <laughs> which is great replacement theory. And for a lot of those nut jobs, they think that- Do you think this is gonna work? Dude, dude, normies see what's going on in the country, okay? By the way, black people in Chicago are seeing it because this is what what is wild is that for some reason the Democrats decided we're going to put these fucking uh, illegals in the cities and we're gonna give them the resources that normally go to the black people that live in these cities. And then I guess were they surprised that the black people were like, hey, what the fuck, what are you doing? And so now I guess are the black people in Chicago, are they racist, are they uh, white supremacists? Are they, uh, are they uh, advocates of the great replacement theory? Oh my goodness, this is hilarious. The, the, the Jews are doing great replacement theory about and bringing in immigrants to replace whites. Why? I, I, look, I don't even want to parse the idiotic, moronic <laughs> conspiracy theories. Uh, it, Jewish people are generally speaking white. Why would they want to replace oh, themselves? Yes. But oh, yes. Oh, absolutely. Just like the Irish are in control of the media, Cenk. You make great arguments. Very honest. I, I loathe these conspiracy theories. Oh, yeah. So if, even if you took the more generous interpretation and you said, well, I don't give a fuck what interpretation you take. You're a ridiculous baboon. Well, I'm gonna blame all Jews because- uh, well, They didn't say they're blaming all Jews. Senate Jewish Americans vote for Democrats and they were, and then I'm gonna say that that leads to hatred against whites. Why, why are you bringing Jews into this? Why don't you just say Democratic voters then? There's like even in the best case- he's talking about groups like the ADL. This interpretation- it And I don't care what your interpretation is. No one cares what your interpretation is. People are noticing at a level that is unprecedented and unstoppable. Is not good. 
And certainly not anything that a reasonable person should say, Oh, that's the absolute truth, too. So it's got racism in it, it's got anti Semitism mm, in it. Oh, put all the labels on it. I love the labels. I think that Elon Musk is not is not well. And yes, he must be mentally ill because he notices and obvious observation. And I think that he's like a little child who's trying to get attention mm. and he does it in all these outrageous ways and it's not fun. Okay. Media matters is a different story. Mm -hmm. And I've got different nuanced thoughts on that. So after Elon Musk engaged in that exchange, if you will, a bunch of brands decided to totally organically on their own drop their advertising deals with the platform. So that alone led to showing that Jews have no power at all. A lot of backlash toward Elon Musk. But then Media Matters for America decided to put out a report in regard to the types of ads that apparently show up alongside various anti-Semitic posts. And so what Elon Musk is suing Media Matters for is he claims that they are manufacturing this evidence. So we'll get to his explanation on that in just a moment. Um, but it's also important to keep in mind that Elon Musk has been feuding with the anti, um, the ADL for months over its efforts to reduce uh, extremism on social media. That on top of those six words in his first tweet set the situation ablaze. And then on Thursday morning, Jonathan Greenblatt, who is the head of the Anti-Defamation League, said that Musk was acting dangerously. At a time when anti-Semitism is exploding in America and surging around the world, it is indisputably dangerous to use one's influence to validate and promote anti-Semitic theories. Gobbledygook. The White House also jumped in and condemned Elon Musk, you get the picture. <laughs> now let's get to Media Matters. So Media Matters publishes this report showing that X had been placing ads for brands like Apple, Bravo, IDM, Oracle, and Xfinity next to anti-Semitic and pro-Nazi content. And this comes as ex-CEO Linda Yacarino tried to bring advertisers back by claiming that the site was safer for business. No. I mean, a lot of these advertisers had originally decided we're not doing business with X anymore because they've done away with moderation and we don't want to risk having our content. Which is again, a total lie. And again, this whole idea of Advertisers don't want their ads on things that Democrats disagree with. Totally made up another tactic, another gay op to try to censor conservatives. Show up or ads show up alongside content that we don't want to be associated with. And so she was engaging in this effort to bring them back, okay? X has also been reinstating numerous far right extreme extremist accounts. And the advertisers don't like that either. And here's again, that's not true. What it is is groups like the ADL, they hold a gun to the company's head, and they say, "Your ad just appeared on a wrong think post on Twitter. You don't want your ads next to this bigoted post, do you, bigot? It'd be a real shame if you uh, if you kept advertising with Twitter. It'd be a real shame if something bad happened to your company." That's what they're doing. That's why these people need to be criminally prosecuted. They're like the mafia. This is like the mafia. Some of the images that were posted in the report by Media Matters. So in one of them, you see a meme that says oh, what people- a meme, oh, a 
bike a bike was was next to a meme oh think a spiritual awakening is like versus what it's actually like. And so the spiritual awakening that they're referring to includes Hitler, and we all know what that means. Oh. And then under that, you see the ad for Apple, okay? Now, after that report was published, multiple brands like Disney, Paramount, Warner Brothers, Discovery, Apple, and IBM decided to halt their advertising on X. Musk teased the litigation on Saturday. After this had happened, saying the split second court opens on Monday, X Corp will be filing a thermonuclear lawsuit against Media Matters and all those who colluded in this fraudulent attack on our company. And he did. The lawsuit was filed on Monday of this week. It accuses Media Matters of distorting how likely it is for these types of ads to appear next to extremist content. It also alleges that the group's testing methodology was not representative of how real users experience the site. The lawsuit simultaneously names Media Matters and Eric Hananoki. It's senior investigative reporter as defendants. It calls for a judicial order forcing Media Matters to remove its analysis from its website and accuses Media Matters of interfering with X's contracts with advertisers, of disrupting their economic relationships, and of unlawfully disparaging X. And we'll get to the response from Media Matters in a moment. But one of the things that Elon Musk is alleging and his defenders are alleging is that what Media Matters was doing in their methodology for their report. I don't know if this is true, this is what they're alleging. So obviously don't take this at face value. They say that, well, what Media Matters did is they started liking the anti-Semitic posts. And when you do that, the algorithm works in a way that keeps serving up more and more of that content to you on the platform. And then that's why the ads will end up showing up alongside that anti-Semitic and hateful content. That is what they're alleging. Okay, so first I've got bias on both sides as I'll explain here. And secondly, this takes a lot of twists and turns. So number one, I'm definitely against the lawsuit. Uh, why? I don't like these big bullies coming in and saying I've got a lot You've of money. You've already done it to us. Now it's your turn. Money, so I'm just going to drive you out of business. I don't have to. You win. you supported what they did to Alex Jones. You have no room to talk. I hope it happens to you, in an in in a worse way, in a way that's double what they did to Alex Jones. In the lawsuit, all I have to do is bankrupt you while you're fighting the lawsuit. I, I, I hate. They've been doing this kind of lawfare with Trump and Alex Jones and and plenty of other examples. That idea. Second of all, what happened, Mr. Free Speech? Uh, commies are not human beings, so they don't get free speech. That's easy, easy, easy way out. Okay, free speech. Or by the way, you know, and you might not like that. And again, I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just giving you my opinion. But I saw uh, Tim Pool the other day. Now he didn't say that. I'm not saying he said that. But he said something that I like because you know he's usually a fence rider, uh, not with everything, especially not with like the uh, grooming stuff. He's very anti that, and I like that. I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad he, he he's taking a strong stance with that. But he was covering the story with, um, oh yeah, these dumb whores getting kicked out, getting fired from their jobs. Apparently, I don't really care for the Scream franchise. But like it's like Scream 13 or I don't know whatever fucking number they're on, and they had this actress who was fired from the job because she made a pro-Palestinian post, and then there was another person, oh Susan Sarandon, who is quite, quite milfy, uh, 
Uh, I mean, maybe the pictures they're showing are older, but hmm. anyway, she made a pro-Palestinian comment, and then the the ad agency, or not the the um, talent agency she works for, or excuse me, that that not that she works for, she's a cl a client of, I guess. They got rid of her. Okay. And uh, more on that in a second, because it does actually have to do with Anna Kasparian, but uh, I'll, I'll mention that in a minute. Anyway, Tim made the point, if these people in the past have been pro-free speech, he'll defend their, 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 their free speech. But if they weren't pro-free speech, he's not going to defend them. I agree with that. Free speech for people who believe in it. Commies have made it very clear. They don't believe in the concept. They don't believe in the concept. So why should they get it? Why should they get it? Um, it, it, the idea that like you're gonna hate the country, you're gonna you're gonna hate us, you're gonna advocate us, like in Cheng's case and Anna's case, to be kicked out of hospitals and ICUs, our kids, our grandparents, if we're unvaccinated. The idea that now you're gonna ask me to defend you, you've got to be on drugs. You you're crazy. I'm not defending you at all. So I don't care about your quote unquote rights. You're a filthy commie. I don't give a fuck about anything uh, that happens to you. Now, I'm not saying everyone has to agree with me on that. I'm just saying that I'm not defending them. Now, no, look, if, if there's high roaders out there that want to defend them, no problem. I'm not going to I'm not going to say you're doing something wrong. It's your decision. That's your viewpoint. Uh, and, and that's no problem. But I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it at all. By the way, real quick, getting back to Anna Kasparian. The, the company, from what I understand, the talent agency that got rid of Susan Sarandon, I believe, at least according to Jimmy Dore's tweet, do you know who is a, a client of that talent agency? Anna Kasparian. Well, you know, to be consistent. You know, Anna Kasparian's very critical of Israel. So obviously, Anna Kasparian, if she really, you know, is an upstanding person, obviously, wouldn't you... Uh, uh, especially if you're going to talk all this shit about another person's free speech, wouldn't you leave the talent agency in support of Susan Sarandon's free speech? I don't know. We'll have to see. It's very interesting. You got free speech rights, they got free speech rights. Uh, no, you don't believe in our free speech rights, so uh, you have disqualified yourself from that, in my, in my opinion. I know I, my opinion doesn't have any legal standing, I understand that. I'm just saying this is how I view it. Now all of a sudden they say something you don't like and you're gonna to try to sue them out of existence. Correct. So apparently you don't really believe in free speech. I don't believe in free speech for commies. Free speech is for human beings. And so, and this, oh, you, you, you didn't announce this I don't like. Okay, well then speak out against it. You're well, no, it's complete fraud. It's complete fraud. This cannot possibly be legal. This is the type of thing where you're destroying someone's business over politics. That should not be legal. If it's legal, then either try to pass laws to make it illegal or just keep doing lawsuits to bleed these people dry. You know, however you have to do it, it's fine. This man in the world, you have a giant social media platform. You certainly can get your message out. Why do you need to sue them? That's a way because of Because they have to be destroyed. It is time to destroy your side again, humanely, legally, and politically. Trying to legally intimidate them and, it, and more than legally, financially intimidate yes, them. That's what you deserve. Okay, so where's the nuance? And, and I normally like what Media Matters does because all they do- Oh, that's fucking insane. Nine out of 10 times is just quote people. You quote them- That's a lie, that's a blatant lie. And then the right wing gets really mad. Oh, you Bullshit. quoted me for as being for the racist things that Bullshit. I said. Well, okay, but then maybe you shouldn't have said them, right? But in this case, what they're doing is, it appears, trying to find a way to connect 
the hateful stuff on X to the advertisers. Mm -hmm. They went through some effort to do that. Now you might think, well, good, that, that, that stuff does exist on there. And the person who has the least right to Again, complain is Elon. All of those things are 100% legally protected speech. On Musk, because he's like, oh, I'm doing free speech. I'm gonna bring all the Nazis back. Oh, ads are next to Nazis. No one could have seen that coming. No, we all saw it coming. Of course, I mean, in fact, there's almost no way so, to- So again, I don't accept the framing. I don't care if there's Nazis. I think the amount of actual Nazis is very small. Again, I don't care because this is yet another one of these designations, another one of these smears that commies use to try to censor people. So I reject it outright. That's why legality is the standard. All of those memes are completely protected and therefore they should have ads. Avoid it if you like those type of posts, right? At a minimum. Now, having said that, guys, both sides are now trying to drive all discussion uh, out. If you if you don't agree with a rich person, they're going to try to drive you out of business, okay? And they keep attacking advertisers. And what's happening is advertisers are not only backing away from things that are right wing, they're backing away equally yes. from things that are left wing. And now they don't like it because it's happening to them. And that's why I hope our side gets vicious and this becomes something that makes them regret what they did. That's what I hope. Yeah, they are backing away from non-racist or people fighting against racism just as much Good. as- Good, that's what you deserve. They're backing away from the racist. Because they're going, they're throwing their hands up and going, I, I can't tell. I don't want to get caught up in politics. I don't want a Mulvaney situation. That's the right wing doing their cancel culture, right? I don't want to get caught up with the left wing doing the cancel culture. Forget it. All news, all politics. So that's my bias. My bias is I like Media Matters for all the work that they've done in the past. But I, I think. So what he's really saying is that when he is happy to bully and crush us and destroy us, and kill us, because when you say you want us kicked out of hospitals and ICUs, you, that means you want us dead. That means you want us dead. That was that was you know because they're not gonna. You still it's still a little bit politically incorrect, and this will probably change. But it's still for them. They they usually are not gonna come out and say we want you dead in that way. So they 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 dance around it. But obviously, kicking. What would happen if you had a a six year old unvaccinated MAGA? A, a, a child. I mean, not that, 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 like, they view it as that. I don't view it as that. A six year old doesn't know anything about politics. But they view, if, like, the parents are Trump supporters, they view that kid as a MAGA kid. And they view that kid as a MAGA. So let's just say, but, but even, even regardless, even you can actually say, well, let's not even bring Trump supporters into this because they even supported it when they were kicking out families that were not Trump supporters in New York. Remember the Hispanic family that got kicked out of the restaurant? They supported that. So let's say, let's say that, let's take that kid. There was like, I don't know, seven, seven-year-old Hispanic kid in New York City kicked out of a restaurant with his family because they're unvaccinated. Let's say the scenario is the seven-year-old is in the ICU, okay? When you're in the ICU, you got some serious problems. What would happen if you got kicked out of the hospital? If that kid got kicked out of the hospital and put in the street, he'd probably die. It would be likely that he would die. That's what he advocated for. Anyone that went along with that narrative advocated for that. Now, everyone has a different threshold for like, what they view as crossing the line or too far, but that was my personal threshold. Uh, to me, that if you advocated for that, that's 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 it. That's it's very clear where you stand. Um, and so you know, I, I, other people might have. I mean, people had thresholds even before that, and that's fine. They can have 
whatever they want. But to me, that crossed the line. That's when it, when I was like, okay. So not only did they burn down uh, and support the burning down of a lot of uh, innocent people's businesses, not only did they pretend that people like David Dorn, when they were killed, that that was mostly peaceful, but now they're specifically advocating for those of us that chose not to take the vaccine to be killed. That's pretty much, I don't know what you do with that. How do you, how do you negotiate with that? Can you negotiate with that? I really, I would love to see a debate between a person. I'm not saying I would be part of the debate. I'm saying that if there's a person that could really articulate, I mean, I'm not opposed to it, but someone really good at debating, or actually it doesn't even have to be a debate, a discussion between a, a high roader, like a based high roader, and I think that exists, a high roader and then a person that takes the position I take. I'd like to see that. I, I hope that happens one day. Because this is the thing. I, I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying this is, this is my view. And, uh, you know, it's not good. This isn't good for society. This is a harsh situation that we're in. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. But I would love to see that. Because these aren't conversations that you usually see. And it doesn't even have to be about this. It could just be about, like, for example, the schools. I remember when uh, Dave Smith was on the Tim Pool show, he acknowledged, this was a couple years ago, acknowledged that the whole idea of, like, the more libertarian view, and I'm not one to blame libertarians for this, but it is more of a libertarian view, the idea that in the public schools that no one's ideology is supposed to take over, right? It's supposed to be a live and let live situation and, and no one's ideology, no one's religious ideology is supposed to take over. Okay, well, we've seen what that has led to. It's a total failure and the commies completely took over and did uh, uh, atrocious things. Okay, he acknowledged that. That wasn't his exact words, but he acknowledged that. Now, the next logical part of that discussion is, well, what do we do about it? So if you acknowledge that, Great. I think it's obvious. What do we do about that? And that's the part, and they, they, you know, after he said that, they kind of veered off into like another discussion, which is fine, you know, just because I view that as the logical follow doesn't mean that other people have to. But I, I am very interested to hear from people like that. What do you do about it? Because that's rarely talked about. Like, how do you resolve that problem? What's practical? There is what's practical and then there's what is like what's like what's the, what's theoretically like you know what would you like to see and then there is what can we do now practically i'd like to see that hopefully that happens one day i think that this is deeply counterproductive they have no idea how much they're hurting progressive shows as advertisers flee from all news no it's it's see, actually now they're against it cuz it's hurting them oh it's so funny really really important and by the way get rid of the ideological bent uh, of the content creators, right? Because this hurts all of them. Right, left, doesn't matter. If you are a- But when it was just hurting us, you were masturbating to it. You loved it. Now, suddenly, you're against it. Content creator who is responsible in what you are producing and putting out into the world, and that includes like- But you're not responsible, you're a liar. Moderate conservatives who are you know, putting out decent content, I might disagree with it, but they have the right to do that. They're also being harmed by this. Yeah. This reminds me of what happened in the lead up to the so-called adpocalypse on YouTube. But you supported all of that. You were part of the propaganda to support that. Right, because there were 
you know, unsavory to say the least content creators on the platform. And then a bunch of, you know, left-wing organizations made a big deal about that. Understandably so, right? That kind of content is jarring. And they specifically targeted the advertisers whose ads would show up on those videos because those videos were monetized. And then guess who got harmed? Every content creator on the platform. Every single one, including us. I remember going through and and the thing that was so frustrating about the outcome of that, the aftermath of that, was that everyone learned the wrong lessons, okay? The right wing was like, "Oh, this is all about left-wing censorship and cancel culture and they got super mad at the platform. They got mad at YouTube without fully understanding that no, the real issue here is that the advertisers are so terrified. They're the most terrified people in America, okay? Any controversy, they run for the hills. And so yeah, the second that anyone brings up any issue with a single content creator or a handful of content creators, they run for the hills and everyone else suffers the consequences of that. Yeah, and if so they, they don't like the results of their burning the house down. They're like, oh, the, the house is, man, this house, there's nothing left. These, what, it, the, how stupid are these fucking people? I think it's a good analogy. They've, they, they're arsonists, they burnt the house down and now they're like, oh, the house isn't here anymore. Oh, I guess maybe we shouldn't have done that. Maybe fire's a little more dangerous than I thought it was. Idiots. If you're, come on, the right wing does cancel culture ad nauseum. Kami should be canceled, absolutely. Anytime that any- uh You clearly convinced me. Now, I used to be anti-cancel. I used to be live and let live. But now that it seems to me that that's not the environment we're in, I don't want to be canceled. And if the only option is to cancel you in order to survive, well, that's what I'm going to have to do. So that's why commies have to be marginalized. That's it. Any sponsors involved with something that has a rainbow flag, something that they don't agree with for God for yep. God knows what reason, right? Correct. They're like, oh, shoot it. And, and we're just getting started. This is just the beginning. Burn it, oh, we hate it, cancel it, cancel it, murder it, kill it, destroy it, destroy the brand, right? And then what are, what are brands gonna do? They're like, oh, this is all supernova toxic. I don't want any piece of it, And right? by the way, now everything gets demonetized, right? Our coverage on the war in Gaza. Oh. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, boy, isn't that a shame? How about welcome to fucking YouTube? How about that? oftentimes gets demonetized. And the only reason why we do those stories knowing that they're gonna get demonetized is because number one, it's important content to provide for our audience. We're not gonna stop just because it's demonetized, but also because our members, we have that business model where our members help carry us through financially so we have the resources necessary to do the work we wanna do. Yeah, well look, I, since we're doing it, I'll do a plug for us here. Just support us at tyt.com slash join, because this is a massive issue for the entire industry. Yeah. You could do one-time donations, you could become a member, tyt.com slash join, join button below the video on YouTube. So now back to really important stuff. So. Number one, you've got this ideological problem that is hurting everyone. So the right wing, when you shoot up a Bud Light can, you think you're being cool, but you're actually hurting right wing shows. Left wingers, uh, when you went to- wait, wait, Hold on, how? How are they hurting right wing shows? They're already decimated when it comes to this shit. There's not much more you can do to the right wing on the mainstream platforms. The, the great thing is that they have many on the right wing uh, uh, have, built for themselves um, 
and a lot of this has to do is at least the, the the commentators that I have respect for in the independent media, they were able to, and some of this is because they kind of saw the warning signs, and some of this is because they have very loyal uh, viewers, and I'm one of those people. I'm smaller than a lot of other uh, these other people, but people, you know, anytime we have a thing, you know, if there's an issue, some sort of censorship, and I'm like, all right, we're on this platform, that platform, people go over. People go over, and that's why we're alive. If that didn't happen and people wouldn't leave YouTube, we'd be in serious trouble. You know, sometimes, I mean, look, I imagine, I see people, there's like, they have an account here, an account there, and I appreciate that. Because, you know, there's some audiences, I remember a long time ago, it was on Twitter, I forget who, um, I forget who the, it was a, it wasn't a political content creator, I think this was during the DLive days, when we were like mainly on DLive, and DLive at the time seemed halfway decent, like they seemed like they wouldn't censor. And there was a, a, a YouTuber that did, I don't know, if some sort of art or something. They were not political at all. And they, but they, were get, they had some sort of issue with YouTube. And so they tried to move over to DLive. But no one in the audience would go over. And the guy was like, no matter how much I try, they just don't go over. And uh, I was like, wow. I was like, I didn't even, I, I figured, you know, because I'm, I'm I, I only know the audience that I ever had. Right? Like, I didn't, and I'm like, damn. I'm like that's that's rough. That's like that's uh, and and there's other people that have that problem. So I feel very fortunate. Again, thank you for everyone and wherever you watch, I appreciate it because uh, that's how we'll survive this. But and then you get the people with larger platforms, the sticks, hex and hammers, the salty crackers, who are thriving on all tech. In in some instances, I mean, I, I from what I understand, I don't keep close track but a lot of this is based on the things that they say uh, um, uh, but sticks particularly I believe he is growing more on rumble than he is on YouTube and of course he's heavily throttled on YouTube we all are but like we're now at the point where if these platforms at least hold especially once kind of bit shoot gets in the game with live streaming we are now facing the light at the end of the tunnel like it's that part is a lot closer like we're, we're not how it was a couple years ago where like you know there was a period of time that if we would have got hit hard all of our shit was on youtube and we would have been in big trouble um and now with multiple platforms and core kind of like viewerships on the other platforms it's a different ball game now so there are some people that don't need youtube and the more that happens, uh, uh, the, the, the worse off. Because, like, what, has Chank done anything? I don't think Chank is on any other platform. Well, I guess Facebook. But, like, he hasn't, you know, if they come for him, he's fucked. He's going to, he has no presence on, on Rumble. I don't think he really uses any of the other platforms. At least he doesn't use any alt tech. Even fucking David Pakman is smart enough to set himself up on Rumble and these other platforms. But Chank is totally... I think Chank believes he's untouchable. And uh, he might be in for a, a big lesson because while he used to be a person that could get funding from people like Jeffrey Katzenberg, and while he used to be, and I think still to a degree, whitelisted on YouTube, that could change. That could change easily, especially with how hard they go, you know, against Israel. 
uh, they, you know, they, they might actually run into a problem. And wouldn't that be a hell of a thing? If all of us who have um, covered how much they lie throughout the years, that he shit on all of us. I'm talking about everybody that's covered TYT, not just me. Um, all, you know, how all the times that they, you know, they, they, they act like we, we built, like we are solely building our audience through covering the Young Turks. He kind of says it in like a derogatory way. Um, could you imagine if somehow those content creators would, would be in a more solid footing than, than he would be if somehow YouTube decided to cancel him? That would be a glorious ending to the story. If that's how, at least with TYT, if that's how that played out, that would be phenomenal. It's possible that could happen. To go cancel a right winger, you're actually also hurting left wing shows that are trying to fight against racism, sexism, etc., etc. That's not real. They're not fighting against any of that. They're making the problem worse because they're not actually fighting against racism or sexism. Again, I don't, I don't accept these concepts anymore. Um, but that doesn't mean you have to. You can. It's fine. Like I said, it's possible. I'm just, you know. I'm kind of wobbling on the tightrope. It's possible. Um, but but the leftist commentators that claim that they're doing that, they're not doing that. They're making the problem worse. They're focusing on ludicrous things. Okay, They're not actually focusing on women who have been actually sexually assaulted. Um, they, they, they cover these like ridiculous things where like, oh, the woman 40 years ago said that uh, someone grabbed her ass. What, what are you supposed to do with that? There's no evidence, there's no police report. It's, it's being done to take people down politically. That's not fighting against sexism, that's helping the Democrat Party gain power. Right, so uh, I don't know how this industry is gonna survive. All the advertisers are leaving. Oh, do you hear this? Uh, the, the answer and how you survive is through your organically grown audience, Chenk, that's how you survive. And you also survive by keeping overhead low. I mean, at least in my opinion, some people, if you make enough money to have overhead, hey, more power to you. I, I don't blame you. But uh, keep your overhead low, grind it out, and and yeah, your audience. Uh, isn't that a fascinating concept, Chank, that the people who watch are the ones, uh, instead of getting money from the Jeffrey Katzenbergs of the world? Isn't that fascinating? Could you imagine, like I said, it's the same thing I just said, but... A guy that had millions, we could possibly see a guy who had tens of millions, who blew through it and ultimately has his demise, while the people who were mocking them the whole time survive this, and and they don't. Man, would that be that would be incredible. So it's become supernova toxic because of all these bad faith actors. So that's now the last thing, part of it a is a bad faith actor. That's another tactic that they use. The guys who started this is not Media Matters. It was actually mainstream media that purposely targeted social media because it's their competitors. So it was CNN and Fox News started doing news stories about YouTube. YouTube is actually the least toxic of all of these platforms. But they targeted YouTube anyway, why? Because YouTube was their number one competitor. So they went and looked and they told their reporters, reporters, to go and find anything that's bad on YouTube, mm -hmm. anything. Because it's a giant platform with billions of videos. And as, long, as, as soon as you find something bad, we're gonna write a story about how that's all of YouTube. Right, but you went along with it because you thought you would be saved. You thought your ad revenue wouldn't be touched. And you were wrong.
And if you have an ad on YouTube, remember, you should move it to Fox News or CNN. Oops, I mean, I'm doing investigative journalism. So and you should take your ads out of there and put it on back on mainstream media. That's how all this stuff started. And if you're, especially if you're independent, Again, it doesn't matter what part of the political spectrum you're on. Do not aid and abet the establishment and the elites <laughs> in destroying this industry. But you did, you literally did that. That has actually liberated us to tell you things that are true. The alternative is to go back to the terrible old days where only the establishment is in charge and there's only an approved truth. And that in faith, and of course it has to be in favor of corporate rule and all of those things. No, this is a bad strategy and a bad direction to go. Both for Media Matters cherry picking here, in my honest opinion, and Elon Musk for suing them. Just fight back rhetorically, man. You don't no, have to try to no, drive them out. Media Matters has to be completely crushed. An example has to be made of them so people stop doing this. That's the whole point of this. A business. And you lose all sympathy that way. You seem like a, a bully who's trying to intimidate people with your money. Look, I, I mostly agree with you, but I also don't begrudge his fury because the advertisers did drop out. You get what I'm they, saying? They did, yeah. but at the same time, he's he has the least legs to stand on. No, I totally YouTube agree. I mean, doing away with the moderation and allowing for this content. By the way, if, if you want to allow that content on the platform, fine, okay. But you have to at least work on the algorithm to ensure that advertisers do not show up alongside that hateful content. No, that's not even, again, that, that framing has to be destroyed. It's not real. It's just a way for them to censor. It doesn't matter. The advertisers should worry about their ads being put in front of potential customers regardless of their political beliefs. Right, that way you can provide the protection that the advertisers are looking for. They're not really looking for protection. If you eliminate the ADL, Southern Poverty Law Center, Media Matters, all of those organizations, if you dismantle them, if you make it clear that we will legally fucking destroy you if you do this, then if they go away, Companies can do normal business like in pre-clown world where greed and profit were the number one things. And it's crazy that like, I've, I, I haven't said this for a while, but it's just wild that like greed is no longer the most powerful force in the universe. Um, because if greed, if, if the bottom line was, was the, the number one thing, you wouldn't have all these ridiculously horrible games and, and movies where they're like making these shit movies that they know are gonna fail. If they cared about profit, they would be like, fuck this, we're gonna make what people want. So if something can lead us back in that direction, I think that would be fine. I mean, I'm not necessarily for unbridled greed, but I'll take unbridled greed compared to AIDS commie leftist bullshit. Uh, while you know, staying true to your free speech absolutism, right? Yeah, I'm gonna say one last thing. To the advertisers of the world, grow up. Like, oh my God, there's bad things in the world. And one of our ads was seen next to a bad thing. So that means everybody hates us. No, it doesn't. There's a million ads all over the internet. You should have said this when they were going after the initial YouTube channels. Um, and, and it's funny. And Phil DeFranco was one of the people they went after. But he, he cucked, he became a Democrat cum slut immediately. That spooked him into compliance. That Washington, uh, no, no, what was that? Not Washington Post, Wall Street Journal. 
that Wall Street Journal article that had him, and I defended him because that was wrong for them to do that. But boy, did he become a cum slut for the Democrats. What a fucking bitch that guy is. Just total sellout. It shows up next to donkey sex. Who cares? Who cares? It's not the old days where they're like, oh, there are three stations on, and we are going to put our ad on and get 100% of the market. And we want vanilla programming, we want all programming to suck and be really boring. Just grow up. Who cares if your ad's next to something bad? Okay, everybody's gonna survive and nobody hates you for it. Nobody's gonna, and if people blame you for it, they're morons anyway. They were, yeah. Look at what Nike did. They went with Colin Kaepernick, they stood up against the bullies, and they gained $6 billion in market cap. Right. Okay, please learn business. Uh, Plasma Stream in Rumble says Anna Kasparian is Armenian uh, who were genocided by the group called the Young Turks. It's weird as fuck that she is on the show. Chunk Yogurt is also on record as saying he likes watching dog sex porn. Yeah, it, it, it's and then she would like act like the Armenians were being unreasonable for having a problem with her working there. And then she pretended it was just the Armenian men and that, that the issue was that they were misogynist. <laughs> It's crazy. Yeah, there was, so Cenk's advocacy for animal sex, I believe there's three specific instances where he's done this. Two were related to horses. I believe one was related to a story that had dog sex. And he made his same argument that if it shouldn't be illegal if the dog or animal is being pleased or something. Just total insanity, yeah. And uh, yeah, I think it, it was a story. There was like a couple fucking dogs or something. I I I, I believe I remember that. Um, okay, so now they are acting like it's a big deal that Mike Johnson has conservative beliefs about LGBT and abortion. I believe homosexuality was something that Johnson uh, talked about a lot over the years in what we reviewed. He called it inherently unnatural. He said it was a dangerous lifestyle. We found a clip where he supported a ban on gay adoptions where he said that homosexuality was a behavior. And because of that, it wasn't protected from anti-discrimination laws. We are so this is like common conservative beliefs and they act like it's the end of the world. You know, it's on one thing I can understand if it was like a Democrat because Democrats are supposed to be very pro homosexual, but they act like it's a scandal that a conservative, a Christian has some Christian beliefs. They act like it's the end of the world. We're learning a lot more about the largely unknown Republican House Speaker Mike Johnson, who appears to be a religious zealot to say the least. I mean, he thinks that gay people are dangerous how so i mean there's a lot of dangerous stuff happening in the country right now well just like any other group of people some people in the group are dangerous it's just weird that you pretend that that doesn't exist with certain groups gay people not part of it not as far as i can see well again some gay people are dangerous some gay people are not dangerous just like any other fucking group of people now, his views on gay marriage and the possibility of the Supreme Court overturning its ruling legalizing it makes it pretty clear that he is, in fact, a religious zealot. Here's more. The second biggest piece of news that day 
besides Roe was Clarence Thomas's concurring opinion, where he said we should revisit the rulings that struck down the same that allowed same sex marriage, that allowed contraceptions, that legalized gay sex. And this was an opinion that was so far out there that even the very conservative Supreme Court wasn't willing to go along with this. Thomas wrote that opinion alone. But Johnson actually very, very strongly endorses this opinion from Thomas. He defends it. Take a listen to him right here on that day. There's been some really bad law made. They've made a mess of our jurisprudence in this country for the last you know, several decades. And, and maybe some of that needs to be cleaned up. And what, what Justice Thomas is calling for is not radical. In fact, it's the opposite of that. Now, we should note his office told us that he views those cases at as settled law, but we did find another instance in our story in 2015 where he, it's during the presidential election and he actually says that the new president can support, appoint justices that might overturn same sex marriage. Yeah, anytime a far right politician tells you, don't worry, don't worry, these previous Supreme Court rulings are settled law. I would never try to overturn any of this. You should just Consider what happened with Roe v. Wade, okay? They, mm-hmm. They're usually lying about that. And John, I mean, look, I, I, I don't know about you, but I'm so fatigued from people like Mike Johnson and quite frankly, the media coverage of politicians like him. Mostly because in some cases, I think that there's hysteria. In other cases, I think the hysteria is totally legitimate and warranted. I think it is definitely the case when it comes to Mike Johnson and the statements that he's made both in the past and in the present. One thing I'll bring up though is when it came to the continuing resolution on funding the government, he was willing to work with Democrats in that the continuing resolution didn't cut funding to various programs that the House Freedom Caucus is so thirsty to cut funding for. So so what do you make of that? What do you make of that given his statements in the past and what he did with the government funding bill? Yeah, I think it's interesting that you bring up both of those things because it's the combination of those two things that make him much more of a traditional right wing whack job in American politics of the sort that we should be used to over the course of the last few decades. He's a person whose brain is fundamentally broken in a lot of different ways because of the dog. Your brain is broken if you're not pro rabid homosexuality. Dogma that he absorbed as he was growing up. He doesn't have the capacity or the willingness to question literally any of it. And hey, what do you know? It turns out that when you have a hyper focus on hierarchy in society and think that literally everything should be ranked, um, he's on top in his ranking in all these different classifications. What a weird coincidence. He would have been fine if it didn't work out that way. And he was a second class citizen in some of these. It just turned out that he gets to be on top and he gets to use the power of government to uh, enact revenge on all the people he hates and fears. It's weird that that works out that way. But as you point out, he also allowed the government to be funded. And so look, there are plenty of like new style whack jobs that hate members of the LGBT community just as much as him. But they also really don't care if literally anything functions. Whereas Mike Johnson wants a stable status quo that maintains low tax rates, business profits and continually running on taking rights away from the groups that they demonize. Like that's that's traditional. So what rights are they trying to take away? Republicanism. So I find him almost comforting in that regard and horrendous in all the other ones.
Yeah, you're so right. And I'm so happy you say it because sometimes I'm I'm worried that I'm so jaded and I'm so sick of the hysteria that I don't take things seriously enough. Um, you know, because there are so many fear mongery stories in the news about various political figures. But I think that your analysis is totally spot on. While his, you know, statements about various marginalized communities, um, including members of the LGBTQ community, like disgust me, there's no question. There is a certain part of him that is distinct from the Matt Gates's of the world. Like Matt Gates doesn't care about government agencies lacking the funding necessary to function if it means that he can engage in political theater that he thought would benefit him politically, but actually polling shows hurt him, certainly in the state of Florida where he might pursue a gubernatorial run. But I want to go to one other video because in this video, you're going to see Mike Johnson share what he believes the role of the government should be. And it's far more authoritarian for my taste. Let's watch. One of the primary purposes of the law and civil government is to restrain evil. We have to acknowledge collectively that man is inherently evil and needs to be restrained. (laughs) See, that's the problem with the radical left. They don't acknowledge a God. So we also found Johnson saying that he supported imprisoning abortion doctors, the elimination of hate crimes. He backed a Louisiana abortion ban that did not have exceptions for rape or incest. So when he's talking about restraining evil, this is the sort of thing that he means. We live in a country that that has a constitution calling for the separation of church and state. So whether or not any American believes in a God is entirely irrelevant. And it's especially irrelevant in the context of our government and policy decisions that are made by our elected lawmakers. With that said, that statement from Johnson really made me appreciate the foresight that our founding fathers had in crafting a system of government that has checks and balances. Because if Johnson were able to, I guess, accumulate as much power as he wanted for himself, then he could carry out the kind of policies that would literally imprison doctors that he doesn't like because they perform medical procedures he disagrees with. Luckily, there are checks in our system that prevent one person from doing anything like that. But does that give you any ease, John? Or are you concerned with the authoritarian role he sees? Yeah, I mean, I'm glad that there are in some cases still checks on some of this, and uh, you know, we go out of our way to acknowledge that we we try to be fair so often to people who do nothing to earn it, and there's no reward for doing it. Like we've pointed out, you know, the, the instances in which the Supreme Court has not done the crazy thing over the past couple of years. There's been a few cases like that. We always point that out, and so that's great, you know. And sometimes Biden does the right thing, and sometimes the Democrats stand up in the Senate or something. Um, so that's good. When, when those checks and balances are there, that's good. But it's also horrible that still in 2023, our government is infested at so many levels and seemingly increasingly so with people who believe such utterly insane things as him. A guy who would, you know, like arrogantly state that he has a perfect map to what evil is in the modern era. And you talk to like a reasonable person who is not, you know, like drinking the Kool-Aid of his particular, I would say, inherently flawed interpretation of right-wing Christianity. 
and there's it it's nonsensical the things that he would point out to be evils it's literally just people living their life doing consensual <laughs> sex acts that have nothing to do with him i mean he might be really interested in them clearly he's been talking about them in podcasts for literally years um but they don't hurt him Right. So I don't know what evil is supposed to be. Meanwhile, there are people dying in the streets. They're on on TDR this morning. JR and I were talking about his his quotes about the American Holocaust of abortion or whatever. He doesn't give a damn about the maternal mortality rate going up over the past few years or the the massive gaps between. So because that happens, that means it's okay to kill babies. Maternal mortality in different racial groups. So there's so much actual, I think, objective evil going on where people are actually being harmed and the government could protect them, but his perfect guide to morality has seemingly done nothing to clue him into that. Yeah, I think you make a really great point. And just to bolster what you just said, I want to remind the audience of a comment that Johnson had made in the past. This is graphic two. Johnson advocated for the criminalization of gay sex. Like, how do you enforce that? You're a creep. Like, well, I mean, so here's the thing. I would like to hear from the, the policymakers that believe sodomy should be illegal. What's the thinking behind it? Is it like, so you can crack down hard on people who do it publicly? Which I'm not opposed to that, because doing that shit publicly, get the fuck out of here. You got, you got to go down. Or do they actually want to police people's private homes? Obviously, that would be ridiculous. I don't think that's practical, though. So what exactly is it for, like, the sake of order? What's the argument? That's really, uh, I would rather you just um, focus on, like, the important shit, like keeping this ideology out of schools and away from children. Um, You know, I think depending on how you do it, Especially if under the definition of sodomy, that includes heterosexual blowjobs. That's an argument that I think that could help leftists, you know, optically. So I don't really, you know, we'll see. It's not, um, you know, but I've said this before. As long as you're not coming into my house, I don't really, you know, what would that, you know, there's like weeds illegal. You know, what is that really, you know, whatever. I don't know. It's, it's interesting. How do you enforce that? <laughs> you know, like look through their windows and be like, hey, hey, is there sodomy happening in there? Like, mm-hmm. mind your own business. But let me continue with the rest of it. So the criminalization of gay sex and went so far as to partially blame it for the fall of the Roman Empire. If the argument's like, well, this is how you like you ban pride parades, then it's like, all right, I could see that. Yes, that's Only that's partially just partially right. And yeah, then no. if you're like, well, you know, pride parades, people should be able to have a parade. There's just been way too many children included in them. I just I, I, I don't I mean, is there any indication that the people running these pride parades are ever going to stop including children in them? Is there any indication that they're going to stop that? I don't think there is. So then they have to be stopped. And if this is how you stop it, well, so be it. Because they're going to have to stop fucking with the kids. They're going to have to stop grooming the kids. So, you know, it, it is what it is. They shouldn't have fucked with the kids. I'm sure that had something <laughs> That's to do fair. with it. I mean, come on. Anyway. So apparently some men really do think about the Roman Empire on a regular basis. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, for Johnson, it's thinking about gay sex and how that's somehow miraculously associated with the, the fall of the Roman Empire. Obviously, that's nonsense. But look, you're right. I guess we should be somewhat relieved that he is representative of the more traditional lunacy in the Republican Party. And at least he got the government funded. Well, I mean, it's his opinion. I'm not aware of any sort of like platform from Republicans to ban sodomy. Temporarily, of course, uh, it was a continuing resolution. It's not a more permanent uh, government funding bill, but he had to craft something that Democrats would vote for, and he did that. So that shows a good faith effort to reach across the aisle and do what needs to be done to get his, you know, mission accomplished, his job accomplished. He just look if you have these personal beliefs, that's fine. But as as a representative of the United States of America, do what's best to represent your constituents and the people in this country. Your little personal quips with other people's identities and lifestyles really shouldn't play a role in that. All right, now we got a Trump supporter. Obama started the racism. Loading, here we go. And he started all this trouble. What trouble? That's racism, racism and all that. The division of the United States has all come from Obama. What, what? Because he's black and he tore it one way and tore it one way. And I mean, they, they expect you to believe what they say and not let the American people think for themselves. Is there anything that President Biden has done that you... One thing right. He did not do one thing right. He's done everything to hurt this country. And, uh, you know, shutting the oil off on day one, opening up the borders... You know, if they can open up borders and get away with that, they can get away with anything. And they're proving that they are getting away with anything. Corruption all over the place. And so, it's like I was talking to my friend. The people will have to come back, come back and get Trump back in there to straighten this mess out. But there's been a lot of damage done already. Is there anything that he's done as president that has been of value? Nope run our gas prices up and wants to get rid of our social security and that? No. Let's talk about President Biden a little bit. Is there anything he's done that you can point to as being good for America? I mean, I hate to say it, don't judge me for this, but I like kind of I kind of like the whole student loan thing, but again, you know, everybody's going to pay for everybody's student loans. So, honestly, no, I can't think of anything that he's done for me, honestly. What about the infrastructure bill uh, that put a lot of people to work? Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, it is what it is. Is there anything that President Biden did that you like? Um, no, I can't. I can't think of nothing. You know, he, he got us in the wars and all that stuff. No. So he didn't start the wars, but you still blame him for that? Yes, I do. I blame him for that. You know, you know, Trump, you know, the, he never had no war. He brought our troops home. I can't believe what Biden did to the uh, Afghanistan. He pulled those troops out and, you know, didn't even have time to, you know, thank. You know, he's watching his watch and all that good stuff. Do you think Joe Biden's a Christian? I'm not sure what he is. But in terms of you, no, you I went... I don't think he's a Christian. I don't think he loves America. I don't think he's got in charge of his faculties. What does America First mean to you? Jobs here, more money in our pocket, better taxes all across the board. Are 
the jobs numbers are pretty good in this country right oh, now. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Fantastic, what, especially when people have to have three jobs at once. Is it, do you, I, I know you credit President Trump with good jobs numbers. Do you give the same credit to President Biden for that? Absolutely not. COVID, COVID, COVID had a lot to do with that's with the true. Job. They count the jobs returning because they locked down and because of COVID, and they act like Joe Biden. Look what I've done! Look what I've done! Jobs leaving, but he, his numbers showing that he he created X amount of jobs. Well, most of them jobs are part time jobs. They're not full time jobs. I work three jobs plus own my own business, and I still struggle to support my family. So. And what and about the infrastructure all... bill that put a lot of people to yeah, work? Yeah, guys, 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 forget the fact that you have to work three jobs. What about the infrastructure bill? Yeah, I mean, it's... I, I, I don't think that the infrastructure needs to be where it is right now. Electric cars, we, we don't need them. It, it's already proven that they're, they're harmful, more harmful to the environment than a gasoline-powered car. It's been proven that. Well, there's been tests. There's been tests that have already been run on, run on that. You know, it seems like burning fossil fuels. We've decided. Uh, Asshole. We're, we're, how do you think they get the fucking batteries? And science has decided is is the worst for the how, environment. How do you think the electric chargers run? No. Yeah, but you got battery. You got battery operated cars, and once they're done, they go into a landfill, and they don't. They don't buy. They don't disintegrate they just stay there so that's harm that's more harm harmful for the ground than 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 destroying a crush in a car and recycling it so they can't recycle the electric cars when they're no nope. you go look at china they've got them they've got them piled up on top of each other over and do the uh the the solar panels in china when when they're done they they burn up how dare you not go along with our plan bigot batteries are five thousand dollars a piece person like me can't afford a electric car five thousand dollars for a battery if they go out it's just not it's just not feasibly possible yeah but the infrastructure bill bigot tucker carlson is not well liked by his friends first of all they're not his friends and who fucking cares who tucker likes who has principles who the fuck cares what ben shapiro thinks about tucker carlson i know tucker carlson doesn't give a fuck about that obviously he speaks about them regularly this would have been a great opportunity for him to ask the former president and leading Republican candidate about some of those principles. He didn't do any of it. Instead, he sort of, I mean, how soft were the softballs that Tucker was throwing to Donald Trump? He asked Donald Trump to rip on Mike Pence by suggesting that Donald Trump had always been very nice to Mike Pence. This question is so bizarre. I, like, I don't even know what to say about this. The worst thing about Tucker, I, I, like I say, I have no beef to get anybody. The worst thing about- Since when is Jerry uh, Tucker's friend? Out. What he did was the uh, the the ruthless pragmatis pragmaticism that he displayed. Uh, I'm going to do this because that's what the audience wants. In other words, it wasn't the malevolent media leading the audience. It was the audience leading the malevolent media. I don't know if it was voluntary or was it uh, was somebody fired. But I think Tucker's been uh, terrific. He's been, especially over the last year or so, he's been terrific to me. There's a lot of turmoil over there, Fox. I mean, 787 they just paid. Why would they get rid of a guy who's performing? Why would somebody do that to their business? Because they're, they're losing money right now. Their stock has gone down. Well, I was surprised that they made a settlement on that case. I thought that was a case that uh, should easily be won. 
and they made a settlement. Look, you'll have to ask them. I'm not, I'm not representing them at all by any by any means. But the Tucker uh, situation again, you don't know if it's a firing. Maybe he left because he wasn't being given his free reign. He wants free reign, maybe. But uh, I was surprised by it. Trump's kind of like a mob boss, and so oh, he thinks, okay, you speak bad against me, I'm gonna come and kill, you know, destroy you, right? But the minute you turn around and you publicly avow your allegiance to the boss, he's done with it, okay? And so Tucker said all those terrible things behind his back, by the way, half of which he probably didn't mind. A demonic force and a destroyer, he destroys everything in his path and he could easily destroy us. I bet Trump loved that part, hmm. right? And then, but when Tucker said, I, I hate him passionately, he didn't like that part, but when Tucker then comes and bows in front of him, remember Tucker just did the interview with him and bowed and said he's such a moderate, reasonable, sensible guy and that he loves him, Trump thinks, good, you kiss the ring, okay? Once you kiss the ring, this all this- This is a recycled video, it's uploaded a day ago. This is like when Tucker got fired, all right, whatever. Um, this is- Every not, sane person without what they call Trump derangement syndrome, you know what that is? It's a great honor, I had a disease named after me. Trump derangement syndrome wants to get back to how great we had it under the Trump administration. Recently, Donald Trump was at a rally giving a speech as you see in that video. This was in Fort Dodge, Iowa. And this is part of his MAGA campaign tour and he said some interesting things during this rally speech, okay? His main strategy for this rally was to encourage his supporters to basically not move past their grievances in regard to Joe Biden and the Democrats. And during this speech, he covered issues like energy, foreign policy, criminal justice, and also got super personal with the audience. Let's watch. I told a story last week or two weeks ago for the first time when we, we love you. thank you. Thank you. Doesn't sound like my kind of a lover, but that's okay. <laughs> Thank you. That wasn't the only instance where he talked about sex either. Let's watch the next video. A persecution of a political candidate. They see it as a continuation of the greatest witch hunt of all time. That's what it is. This is the greatest witch hunt that started with Russia, Russia, Russia. Remember that? He was with four hookers. You think that was good that night to go up and tell my wife, it's not true, darling, I love you very much. It's not true. Actually, that one she didn't believe because she said he's a germaphobe. He's not into that, you know? He's not into golden showers, as they say they call them. He's not. I don't like that idea. No, I didn't. I thought that would be a big problem. I was going to have a rough night, but. That one she was very good on, she said, no, that you're okay on that one. So of course he's making reference to the Steele dossier, which involved sex workers and urine. Do you wanna recount what yeah. that allegation was, yeah. Jake? So uh, this is why I never believed the Steele dossier. This is why we never covered it in the first place. I read it and it says that he was with a bunch of hookers in Russia and that they have them on tape and that uh, that they were, urinating on one another, right? He was watching them urinate on each other. And I was like, no, that ain't Trump. Because I knew having read a lot about Donald Trump that he is a germaphobe. That would be the last thing that he would do. 
So that's among the many reasons why that document was never credible. And so, and I'm surprised to find out that I actually have something with in common with Melania because that was the one thing where we both didn't believe it. But my favorite part of that clip was when Donald Trump said over and over again, that one she didn't believe. <laughs> because he believed all the other ones, okay? And he can't help himself. That's part of what's so funny about Donald Trump. He just accidentally admits things all the time. Oh, I thought I was gonna be in trouble, but that one she actually didn't believe. <laughs> he, of course he believes the other ones, because the other ones are definitely true. So he went rushing up there, honey, I found one that wasn't true. Good for you, Donnie, good for you. But the other hookers, and the, sorry, sex workers, <laughs> and the other porn stars, they were all true, wasn't it, Donnie? What stands out to me about this, other than the fact that he's giving this speech at a high school, um, <laughs> is, man, he holds on to grudges. And look, to be, to Forever, be honest- Forever, yes. No, 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 look, if a lie about me was all over the place like that, I would probably hold on to that grudge too. So I want to be fair and kind of put myself in his shoes. However, it is scary to think about how much he's looking forward to going after his political enemies should he get elected for another term. And he, he brags about it, I mean, he says it openly, he says it publicly. But I want to split those two things into two different buckets, Anna. Yeah. Because holding grudges, God bless, I have a list, okay? So, and, and, but there's a difference between having a list and then getting them in a way that is illegal and undemocratic. No, you get somebody you know, in business and in following the normal rules, etc. in politics and media, that's totally fine. But hey, I can't wait to become president and arrest them for no reason. No, no, that's not gonna be for no reason. That's not how you get people. That's because that's not about Donald Trump. That's about the rest of us. What kind of country do we live in? No, you don't get to be a dictator. Look, as Anna said a hundred times, if he was just an insult comic, I would go buy tickets to him. In a lot of ways, he's hilarious. Yeah. And but the problem is, he's not an insult comic. He's running for president, and he just doesn't believe in any of our laws. Doesn't care. Doesn't care about any. Uh, conventional wisdom, and tons of conventional wisdom is wrong. So let me give him a little bit more credit, and then we'll. Uh, so when he says like they uh, invented a disease and called it after me, Trump derangement syndrome. Rest of media, calm down. He's not being literal. Okay, he's just playing around. No big deal. Okay. So number two, this is just amusing. Guy goes, oh, "I love you, man." Right? Yeah. Okay. And he's like. Not the kind of love I want. <laughs> come on, come, come on, on, come on. I mean, when you're basically calling your own supporters gay. <laughs> Dude, I, okay, hold on, hold on though, hold on. But guys, this is why, don't comment on this, Cenk, just stay out of this. All right. When I was covering the Biden camp and how they're panicking about how to message in regard to his age and how to convince American voters, don't be worried, we know he's 81, but it's okay, he's not too old. Like. Half the camp wants him to focus on Donald Trump's age. Donald Trump is 77 years old. But guys, you watch the videos, compare Donald Trump and his energy to Joe Biden and his lack of energy. Joe Biden's squinting into the camera, he's fumbling. So half the time he doesn't even make any sense. You get what I'm saying? That's where I'm coming from when I say that that tactic that half the Biden camp is thinking about leaning into is gonna be a failed tactic, it's not gonna work. Anyway. Okay. Here's what I have to say about that. 
Okay, now last things it back to Trump. Um, here's another thing Democrats get wrong. He goes, they call them golden showers. <laughs> okay, no politician is supposed to say that. I mean, who, <laughs> you're a former president of the United States, you're talking about golden showers in public? That's crazy, right? But the Democrats are wrong. So what? He said it. What happened? Did he lose all support? No, no one cares. Mm -hmm. You know what? In fact, it helps him because he makes him look like a human being and relatable. He talks like a human instead of the robots, right? All the other politicians in the Uniparty come out and they're like, we are going to give you a political speech from a teleprompter and we are going to tell you to use fancy words and we do not do things that are unbecoming. Well, you're. You're all so fake, man. We can't stand how fake you are. So Trump has the air of authenticity because of those crazy things he says. He's not actually saying the truth, he's not telling the truth, but he says it in such a crazy way that it makes you think he's telling the truth. And but the Democrats are never going to learn from that. They're just still going to be stiffs with ties and teleprompters, and that's why they're right now getting their asses handed to him by him. Oh, I'm sure you'll save the day. Um, David Pakman is claiming that Trump had a devastating day in court. The Trump Organization New York City fraud trial does continue. It's not over, even though we're now getting very close to the start of Donald Trump's criminal trials. And one could make the case that yesterday was the worst day yet, a yeah, devastating worst day yet. It really is going to matter day for Trump at this trial. Let me tell you what happened and what's so interesting about this business insider reports. Donald Trump has worst day yet in mm. New York civil fraud trial as underlings scribbled note ties him to conspiracy. It's really important to remember what this is all about. And this civil fraud trial is about the defrauding of a number of different entities by virtue of misstating the value of properties that Donald Trump and his organization own and manage. And one of the primary questions at play in this trial is to what degree were these lies being told about the value of Trump's properties? at Donald Trump's direction specifically. A note has now been presented during the trial where it says Donald J. Trump to get final review, suggesting certainly that ultimately the buck did stop with Donald Trump when it came to the stated valuations of these properties. Let's look at the uh, uh, highlights from Business Insider. The Trump civil fraud trial is now in its eighth week. The defense called Donald Trump's former spreadsheet czar Jeffrey McConney to testify. McConney said he wrote Donald J. Trump to get final review on a document the state alleges is fraud filled. This is People's Exhibit 3054. And um, it is a draft of Trump's net worth statement. It contains, it is sort of a primary source of many of these obviously false financial claims about Donald Trump's properties. And it says Donald J. Trump to get final review. Now, you could make the case just because someone wrote on that piece of paper, Donald Trump is going to get a final review doesn't mean that he did get a final review or that it was ultimately he who decided what values are on this piece of paper. 
But one of the things that Trump's defense lawyers have tried to do during this trial is to distance Trump from even the process, just saying, listen, people did this. We put a disclaimer on there. These properties are way uh, worth way more than what anybody else is telling you. Partially, that's based on confusing and conflating market value with assessed value. That's a story for another day. But once again, when everybody who testifies says, no, Trump was involved, Trump did opine, Trump admits he would give his opinion. It is building up a picture in which we all realize that Trump is very much involved here and is to some degree responsible for the numbers that are stated out there. So this case is getting a little bit less attention lately as Donald Trump's testimony is now over. And again, remember, this is a bench trial in which the judge has already decided that they did the fraud. Now we are talking about what should the consequences be? Another interesting note about these documents is that these incriminating, you know, hand scrawled notes were not turned over by the Trump organization. And that, again, in a bench trial, when we talk about complying with discovery, complying with the spirit of discovery, complying with the letter of discovery, once again, relevant documents not turned over. And as I've discussed with you before, these things can have different impacts in a bench trial where it is a judge that is making decisions rather than a jury. So a devastating day, a devastating day in civil court for Trump. My feeling is within a few months, I will regularly be saying on the show a devastating day in criminal court for Donald Trump. Obviously, the consequences in criminal court for Trump can be effectively life in prison. Well, hopefully uh, we can say the same thing about you someday. That would be fantastic. Um, so now, David, again, pretending that the economy is great and that we should be thankful to. We Joe know Biden. that when we look at economic metrics, we know things are pretty good. Yeah, we know. Stop. We know that's not a tactic. Stock market's doing pretty well. Oh, yeah. Unemployment is low. Everything's great. Inflation's down. Mm. GDP is fine. Wages are growing, etc. So now it's and time so for you bigots to be thankful about Joe Biden. Republicans are scrambling to come up with new things to attack Joe Biden. It is Thanksgiving this week in the United States. Uh, Turkey is traditional on Thanksgiving. And Jason Chaffetz, a Republican, went on Fox News and he is blaming Joe Biden for what he says are $90 turkeys. Take a listen to this. We went to go buy a turkey today. It was $90 for a turkey. Uh, the price of stamps is up 32% in the last four years. But it's all a choice by Joe Biden. That is what Bidenomics is. Joe Biden has chosen to make turkeys $90. Now, the unfortunate reality for Jason Chaffetz is that turkey prices are actually down. They're back yeah, down to 2021 guys, number. $90 turkey, no problem. And we're going to get to that in a moment. Uh, See, Jim, I have a chart here. Okay, so that means that uh, somehow it's not actually happening. Jordan also putting out on X, he posted an excretion on X where he said, why is Thanksgiving so expensive this year? And he put a picture of Joe Biden up there. Now, first and foremost, Joe Biden doesn't control turkey prices. He just he just doesn't control them. He doesn't control them. But turkey prices, first and foremost, are averaging 98 cents per pound. This means that an 18 to 25 pound turkey would cost somewhere between 18 and 25 dollars. Yeah. Okay, here's the math. Yeah. Are you, has anyone seen without the deal? You know, because like if you go to Giant, I, I, I don't know if Giant's regional, um, 
But if you shop there a lot, eventually you get enough points and you get like a free turkey. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just straight up prices. Is there anyone that has seen a turkey for $18? I have not seen a turkey for $18, not even close. 98 cents a pound is very similar to a dollar a pound. I know that a lot of people apparently aren't able to do this math. Jason Chaffetz maybe is one of them. If turkey is about a dollar a pound, a 10 pound turkey is roughly $10. Is that number right? Yeah. A 20 pound turkey, 20 times one, one times zero. A 20 pound turkey. Where, where are these $20 turkeys? Is roughly $20 at a dollar per pound. Now, can you find some kind of hipster turkey at no, three? I'm not talking about a hipster turkey. Where are the $10 turkeys? I have not seen a $10 turkey. Fifty. If I saw a $10 turkey, I would, because look, I try to be fair. I talked about how for, for some reason, at this one store, the prices of chicken thighs have been dirt cheap this whole time. Now, they've gone away. Uh, they haven't had them in a couple weeks. Um, but I, I said, so if I saw a $10 turkey, I'd be like, yeah, I can't believe turkeys are $10. Per pound, and maybe you get yourself a 30-pound turkey. I, I guess you could probably find that if you're Jason Chaffetz. I was recently at the Whole Foods, and uh, it wasn't anywhere near that expensive. So. We have a report. We have. So let me get this straight. Whole Foods turkeys are cheap. Actually have information on this stuff. Morningstar reporting average Thanksgiving dinner drops to sixty one dollars thanks to cheaper turkeys and cheaper cranberries. The cost of hosting Thanksgiving is down four point five percent from a year ago. So they are desperate. This is a sign of desperation here in order to try to make it seem as though everything is bad and everything that's bad is Joe Biden's fault. Now, I do want to say one thing about Turkey. I am increasingly of the mindset that we are far better off rather than getting the entire turkey and it takes hours to cook and people are messing with brines and all these different things. What I think is actually far more practical is to get yourself turkey breast. The turkey Fuck breast that. will cook. Fuck that sh noise. Are you kidding me? Much faster. It's not the same thing. Motherfucker. Look, this is the thing about turkey. Now, look, if, if you're like, I don't really like turkey, I get that. Because I think I prefer chicken over turkey, ham over turkey, steak over turkey. But this is the thing with turkey. You just have to baste the fucking shit out of it. If you baste the shit out of it, then it's going to be moist. And then that's pretty good. OK, but yeah, fuck this turkey breast breast bullshit. You don't have to worry about the difference in cooking time between the dark meat and the white meat and figure out, do I use tented foil? Do I foil make a foil tent or all these different things? You can get the skin beautifully crispy. And let me be perfectly honest. If you ask 10 people, nine tell you I'm not interested in a turkey leg, sir. Just give me the breast. So my recommendation on this is skip the entire turkey anyway. Go with turkey breasts. You slice them up beautifully. You don't have to start brining days in advance. Just a per I'm not even American, okay? So you could say, I, Dave. I know you're not American. But you have no right to even comment on this. Argentina doesn't have turkey. Uh, we actually have turkey, but Argentina doesn't have Thanksgiving, and you would be right. It's just a humble opinion from a humble podcaster. Take it for what you paid for it, which is zero. Well, I'm going to the grocery store tomorrow. I'll tell you if I find $10 turkeys. Um, 
he's claiming that Donald Trump had his eyes swollen shut during I'm this going to play for you speech. now. 40 seconds of Trump delivering disgusting fascistic language during his vlog recording session yesterday. Now, we already looked earlier. First of all, Trump's right eye is almost completely swollen shut in these videos. We don't know why. We just don't know why we never get an answer. But his health is perfect. His cognitive health, health, his physical health. It's all perfect. But his eye is almost completely. I mean, you pretend Biden's health is perfect. Swollen shut. We don't know why. We played a clip earlier in the show of Trump saying if this election, Trump versus Biden 2024, if this election is about who supports democracy, who defends democracy, I welcome that. That's what Trump said. And it's laughable. But you don't need to go back to January 6th. You don't need to go back to the aftermath of the 2020 election to find evidence of Trump not supporting democracy. Here is Trump delivering yesterday within minutes of saying I'm the democracy guy. A completely unhinged fascistic screed. Listen to this. 2024 is our final battle. How is his eye swollen shut? Are you seeing an eye swollen shut? Just made up bullshit. With you at my side, we will demolish the deep state. We will expel the warmongers from our government. We will drive out the globalists. We will cast out the communists, Marxists, fascists. We will throw off the sick political class that hates our country. We will rout the fake news media. We will evict Joe Biden, crooked as you can be. Joe Biden, the worst president in the history of our country. We will evict him from the White House and we will finish the job once and for all. We will make America great again. The guy who says I'm for democracy, I'm the candidate for democracy. I mean, again, where are the eyes swollen shut? Just made up is citing conspiracy theories, it's not conspiracy theories at all that don't exist. That's a lie about the deep state actually controlling total lie elections and this and that and the other thing. He is saying he is going to cast out those with political views that are not in line with what Trump just wants. like Joe Biden did. And you supported when he did it. And listen, I'm not a socialist. I'm not a Marxist. I'm not yes, a communist. Yes, you are. You're getting. But there would be the nothing even remotely American or constitutional or legal for saying if you believe in socializing the means of production. We, we're going to kick you out. Mm. No, I just don't agree with doing that. Too bad, motherfucker. I'm not a socialist, but Trump is talking about something far more nefarious. He is talking once again about going after the media outlets. This hopefully you are included is extraordinarily dangerous. And my real worry, you know, I could list 10 or 12 different things that are concerning about this fascistic rhetoric. But my major concern is that we it's happened to all of us over the last eight years since Donald Trump started his 2016 presidential campaign in 2015. Right. It's been eight years. It's incredible. Over these last eight years, we have become really desensitized to a lot of this insanity. Well, part of that is because this is what you've been saying the whole time. And so people, they know you're full of shit and it's not working. It is not normal. It is not normal. And one of the biggest challenges is that we continue to communicate to people who might say, ah, yeah, you know, Trump with his rhetoric again. I don't know. I don't love Biden. I might stay home. We all have been desensitized to some degree. We need to proactively work to resensitize ourselves because this stuff is not normal. 
This stuff is dangerous. And he's telling us what he plans to do for the love of everything holy. Let's not assume he won't try to do this stuff because it would be crazy to do it. He will be completely unrestrained if indeed he is able to get four more years in the Oval Office. He's telling us what he's going to do this time. He's going to make America great again. Last time he almost did it. He just didn't get enough time. No, it is going to be a fascistic nightmare. And we all need to ensure that it doesn't happen. Hopefully it happens. Um, judge finds that the, that Trump engaged in insurrection. A judge has found that failed former President Donald Trump, ten time bathhouse bukkake queen David Pakman, engaged in insurrection. However, the judge is not removing Donald Trump. And however, it has no bearing on anything. It's just her opinion from the ballot in Colorado. This is extraordinarily consequential and important to understand. So here's what happened. You may be aware that there are a number of different cases that have been brought saying Trump should be disqualified from the 2024 ballot because he engaged in insurrection and that violates the 14th Amendment to the Constitution. One such lawsuit was in Colorado. We have a decision where Colorado District Judge Sarah Wallace determined, yes, Donald Trump did engage in insurrection as it relates to the January 6 Trump riots at the Washington, D.C. Capitol. However, she is not agreeing to ban Trump from the ballot in 2024 on the basis that it is not clear to her that the 14th Amendment restrictions on insurrectionists apply to the presidency specifically. Now, there is one interpretation that this is bad as far as a decision. It's a, it's a negative decision. There's another interpretation that this is a very good thing, because now that she has determined and set the precedent that Trump did engage in the insurrection on appeal, that no longer has to be proven. All we need to do now is determine that it does apply to the office of the presidency. That's not how any of this works. So remember, we've talked about the the 14th Amendment. Um, The 14th Amendment says that if you engaged in insurrection or supported, abetted, uh, uh, incited those who did, you are barred from holding office. And the question that was primarily at issue He looks like he's wearing like a dainty bathhouse bathrobe, which makes sense because he's at the bathhouse a lot for the judge was, does that apply specifically to the office of the presidency? The 14th Amendment doesn't say that it does. It also doesn't say that it does not. Judge Wallace's reasoning was that under normal circumstances, you engage in insurrection you're disqualified from holding office under Section three of the 14th Amendment. But she was reluctant to say it's not obvious to me. She said it's not obvious to me. It's not clear to me. It's not unmistakably the case that Section three of the 14th Amendment applies to the president. And thus and thus, she said Trump did engage in insurrection, but I'm not disqualifying him. We now have a situation where this is going to be appealed. On the Trump side, the Trump side is saying the judge is wrong that Trump even engaged in an insurrection. The plaintiffs are saying the judge is wrong that it doesn't apply to the president or that it's not obvious. It doesn't say 
president is exempt. Therefore, we should assume that this does apply to the office of the presidency. So this is now going to be appealed. Legal ex experts are weighing in. Experts. We are going to see this rise through the ranks and potentially ultimately get to the Supreme Court. Now, I have to also present you with another empirical reality. This is all just about whether Trump will be on the ballot in Colorado. Trump's not going to win Colorado either way. Trump's path to 270 electoral votes and thus another term in the Oval Office is not going to go through Colorado. The Democratic candidate, be it Joe Biden or whoever else you might believe it's going to be, is going to win the state of Colorado, a historically blue state when it comes to voting for the president. So all of this, if it does go to the Supreme Court, whatever happens, it will relate to a state that Trump is destined to lose. So is this all a waste of time? Not really, because if indeed we were to get a finding in Colorado that Trump engaged in insurrection, which we already have, the judge already said that, and that the th a section three of the 14th Amendment applies to the president, that could then be used to expedite removals of Trump from the ballot in states that are in play. If we were to get Trump off of the ballot in Michigan and Wisconsin and Pennsylvania, that becomes materially significant, particularly not only because those were critical states for Joe Biden winning in 2020, but because there is some polling, which I'm skeptical of, but there is some polling that says Trump is currently winning all of those states. One final note on this, and I want to be really clear. I don't want anyone removed from uh, the ballot. Lie, total lie. Simply because I don't like them. Bullshit. That's you will own this and whatever the fuck happens. Not a good reason to remove them. If indeed they did something worthy of removal from the ballot, and in this case it has been determined that Trump did, then it is only right to remove them. This is not lock them up without due process. Oh, of this course not. This is okay. So they did the insurrection thing. When you, if you ever get what you deserve, I'm not going to be like, oh, this is, I mean, to gaslight, I'll be like, oh, this isn't that. But no, I will say, yeah, you deserve to be in prison. I, I, you deserve fucking prison, David. You're not exempt as a, someone running for president. Therefore, you should be removed per the law, all within the law. This is what's exactly. That's what I'm calling for. Full political marginalization of AIDS commies legally humanely and politically called law and order, not what they talk about on the right. Yeah, you buried under a jail would be absolute law and order. All right, let's go to some breaking news here. Is this the, oh, here it is. It's actually this one. Let's have a look here. I think this is some, uh, <clears throat> some shitty news here. Let's see here. New York Post. Oh, this is a hell of a story here. Florida man arrested for pooping on a dead possum during rush hour traffic. That's a hell of a story. A Florida man was arrested after allegedly defecating on a dead possum in the middle of rush hour traffic, according to police. Rudy Wilcox, 45, was picked up by Clearwater Police on Wednesday around 5.30 p.m. after he was seen dropping trowel in the middle of Belcher Road and Willow Tree Trail intersection and laying a log on the doubly unfortunate possum in full view of the motoring public. 
the uh, a county affidavit says the defendant was observed defecating on a deceased possum with his pants lowered and his anal region exposed. In addition to pooping on the possum within the sight of motorists, he was allegedly witnessed in action by a police officer with the Clearwater Police Department. Mm. Uh, when questioned, Wilcox denied the accusations and said that the officer who witnessed him didn't see straight, according to the affidavit, but police weren't having it. Physical evidence was viewed at the scene, uh, which corroborates the allegations alleged. A log of shit. That's what that's referring to. Wilcox, who was homeless, was not under the influence of any intoxicants at the time of the alleged incident, according to the report. He was charged with exposure of sexual organs and booked in the county jail. Now, that's a hell of a thing right there. Shitting on a dead possum. Why would you do that? Well, it's a crazy motherfucker. All right. Very good. That's breaking news from the internet, from Dewey C. Thank you, sir. Sincerely appreciate the support. Uh, regurgitating rhinoceros says, Happy Thanksgiving, HB. The astronomical turkey prices are true. Had a 22-pound non-GMO turkey. Cost $107. Prices weren't great last year either. Also, Fudge Packies is a white supremacist against turkeys. Yeah, it's just this uh, gaslighting narrative that they're pretending that, uh, oh, there's totally, there's just n nothing wrong with the economy. Everything's great. Uh, more breaking news here. the short video can you do a game stream i know you smoke weed do you take gummies i'm not anti-gummy i generally uh do not uh use edibles um i'm not anti-edible i don't generally partake though in the edibles um i'm not opposed to a game stream i just don't know if like you know i just don't think i could do one for very long is the issue uh, what is this? Oh, this is the Alex Jones trailer. Oh, yeah. This First came Pac-Man, Donkey Kong, and Super Mario Brothers. And now, the ultimate retro nostalgia throwback game. I present to the world, Alex Jones' New World Order Wars. They're turning the friggin' frogs game. I'll eat your ass, you Nazi scum. Let's free the Patriots and defeat the globalist tech team. We are going to defeat the globalists very bigly. This game is mostly peaceful. Woo! Ah! Ooh, I'm going to lower the world's population. <laughs> oh, big deal. I'm taking you down, rapist. I did not have sexual relations with that saxophone. <laughs> Download it now at alexjonesgame.com because as we all know, anything badass gets censored. I, uh, I hope it becomes popular. There was a, uh, a, a hit piece. I mean, there's been hit pieces on it. I don't know if my message... There's been hit pieces on it and then the soft gentleman covered a video or on the damage report. Uh, John Adiarola was femininely sighing about the game and he, he was genuinely upset about it and said that it incited violence. So that's pretty funny. So hopefully it becomes more popular and more um, demonized. All right, that was uh, breaking news from the internet from Horrible Gamer. Appreciate the support. If you have an article 
that you want read on stream, 10 and up, details in the description. And uh, yeah, I'll look into, uh, I'll, I'll get the game, I'll look into seeing if, uh, maybe at like the end of a new stream for a little bit or something like that. Um, but that game does look uh, uh, pretty funny. Okay, so let's see, one second. Here they are um, ripping Tim Pool. It is so fascinating to watch. Because Tim he doesn't like Disney putting homosexual and pedophile propaganda in the kids' shows. Cool. Try and make his, like, sort of culture war argument uh, based upon the box office of movies at this point. Like, yeah. How many times does this premise have to be disproved that yeah, there... Guys, none of this is happening. Whatever you're seeing, it's just not happening at all. Is some cultural shift happening by virtue of movie to movie that you perceive... like? They think all movies are all woke. It's all a ref They haven't said that. It's not all movies. Referendum. And, like, I don't understand how they can say, and he's about to, you know, rip into the Marvels for not doing well at the box office. The Marvel sucks because, uh, first of all, they put politics into it. Um, they deliberately have ugly... Uh, in fact, what's amazing, this was pretty funny... On Twitter, um, there's I, I forget there. You know the show. There's like nine girls on it at once, and um, I don't remember the name of it, but it's popular. Like um, there's like nine girls at once that talk, and the faggot girls on it, the one that eats butter. Anyway, I don't really watch this stuff, but uh, I follow a couple of them on Twitter, and apparently, the one girl that did the uh, Vampirella cosplay which was solid um if you can pull off vampirella hey that's you know that's uh that's a hell of a thing anyway so she commented on one of the actresses from the marvels and pointed out that actually they made her ugly in the movie and they had she had a comparison picture of the girl in like real life and then people got angry with her for pointing this out and then they claimed that there was a, that's a child. You're talking about a child. The, the, the girl's 21 years old. What do you mean that's a child? She's 21 years old. Anyway, so my point is this. My point is this. The movies suck. The writing sucks. They either put in characters, female actresses, that are not attractive enough for the role, usually. Um, and then on top of that, the CGI sucks. There's nothing good about the movie. Okay, it's one thing if you want to have a couple, you know, uh, um, I mean, again, for like the real life smash scale, they're all smashes in the real life. But but not these aren't the type of women that usually it's the same thing with like the, the pageants. Okay. Oh, that was another thing. Did you see? This was interesting. You had this Miss Universe pageant. And um, now the trannies being in the pageants are ridiculous because biological men should be nowhere near fucking beauty pageants. That's ridiculous. But they had this real thick girl. And what's interesting is people were like, you know, should she be in it? Should she not be in it? And also, was she smash or pass? I have clear smash. Clear smash, okay? Now, on the other hand, though, I can accept the argument that that body type shouldn't necessarily be in a Miss Universe pageant. Although, I'm not necessarily opposed to it, because this is the thing. She wasn't like a fat pig, okay? And they weren't, they didn't accentuate any negatives. She actually, I, I thought she was a, a complete smash. Now, is she, is she gonna win it? I don't think so. I don't think she should win it. 
But if you're asking me, w would I smash? 100%. Um, but, you know, it's Miss Universe. I understand. But I have less of an issue with the thick girl uh, than um, the trannies. The trannies got to go. If you want to put thick girls in there, that's fine. But some people might be opposed. I don't care. She was attractive. I had no problem with the thick girl. Um, but anyway... Um, but the point is, they deliberately make these products shitty. And people complain about it. And then they, com they complain that the people, the paying customers that are complaining about it, are racists and terrorists. And how dare they? Um, but yeah, it sucks. This movie is going to be a bomb. Uh, and, uh, and now it's because, oh, everyone's racist and misogynist. And it's Tim Pool's fault. And yet they were bitching all summer about Barbie, which made a billion plus dollars and talks about the patriarchy. That's like the central premise. To be fair, yeah, we did do about a half a dozen uh, videos and stories based upon why uh, Barbie's success was indicative of a fundamental realignment uh, in uh, culture. Things in, are changing. Oh, actually, yeah. <laughs> no, we didn't. But I give you Tim Pool. Whoopsie. The Marvel's movie meltdown. Ladies and gentlemen, the MCU is dying. It may be dead. Man, oh, a lot so. of people have told me that they so stopped 30, watching after Avengers Endgame in 2019. But let me tell you this. Get woke. Pause it for one second. On Listen, if you are in a position where a lot of people are telling you what they're doing with the MCU, uh, then I suggest that maybe um, you should be spending your time. And Again, other retard. Look at the box office numbers. It's a failure. The movie's a failure. Circle. All right. Yeah. Well, I, I, I don't watch a lot of Marvel. I don't love Marvel. But I even I understand that Avengers Endgame was like a multi-year culmination and crossover event. And it was what, like the third film of all of those Avengers movies? Fourth, whatever. But it was the finale and like Tony Stark dies in that movie. Sorry, spoiler. Like It was it was right. It Whoa. was. Um, I watch it. I, I watch it because I have a ten-year-old uh, son. Yes, yes. And I will tell you, horrible. Yeah, I, I, I like the standalone ones, like the some of the Captain Americas. You know, There's some one of the or two Iron of the Man. Captain Americas. Yeah, and, Black Panther's uh, Black great. Black Panther is good. Yeah. But I will say, like that uh, that Avengers thing was, it was literally one scene redone over and over again. Yeah. And it was just uh, garbage. And then but, they throw a joke in. But like I, I, the the. The reason that it's not comparable to the pinnacle of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is basically because Marvel's been argument. on the... You're, again, you're changing the argument. This, by any metric, is a box office failure. Very steady. He's deep. not arguing that it has to be up there with Avengers Endgame. He's pointing out that the numbers at the box office are terrible. Since that period, because they've they made a bet Disney that they'd put out a superhero movie every three or four months and it would make a ton of money for them, yeah. and it's so saturated and no one gives a crap anymore because the major story has concluded. It's almost like you can saturate the market with an already infantilized genre of uh, film. But anyway, the Marvels movie meltdown, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, so the MCU is dying. It may Sunday, be dead. Sunday, Sunday. Man, a lot of people have told me that they stopped watching after Avengers Endgame in 2019. But let me tell you this. Get woke, <laughs> go broke on a massive scale. And uh, for those that don't care all that much about Marvel, bear with me. The segment is not so I can break down the finer workings of a superhero movie. It's to talk about how they are destroying American culture, <laughs> why they're doing it, and what is actually happening.
It's quite simple, my friends. When you try to shift the culture instantly, it doesn't work. And that's what we're seeing. Activists and cultural Marxist revolutionaries in these industries, and there's two big factors here, because I don't want to bury the lead. One, oh my God. I posit driven oh my God. cultural Marxists cultural over at Marxist Disney. Cultural Marxist revolutionaries yeah. over, yes, at uh, Disney. Boy, we are. So they know what they're doing. They know they're doing this, but of course they pretend that it's not happening. This is the way that we're going to do it. Listen, we can do good and do well by doing good. Mm -hmm. And that's how we uh, put out these blockbuster movies. Yeah, Bob Iger is uh, greenlighting the Communist Manifesto as a film uh, coming up next year, 2025. Uh, he's got this or weird like, affectation these yeah. days. Yeah. I, I would tell the if the cultural Marxists that are inside these operations are listening, I would just say, can you do something about how you are working with the Pentagon mm -hmm. uh, to the tune of billions of dollars in military equipment for uh, filming these things? Oh, you don't understand the long game. Go yeah. ahead. <laughs> Activists and cultural Marxist revolutionaries in these industries, and there's two big factors here, because I don't want to bury the lead. No, no. Oh, One, ideologically driven people who are like, I'm tired of white men. And two, people who are like, there's a bottom line advantage if we can market to more people, but it does not work. Here are the results. What? MCU posts lowest box uh, box office opening ever at 47. Oh, a good thing. It's, that's, that's what they were going for. They wanted it to be the lowest one ever. $7 million what went wrong. Now, you may be saying, but Tim, $47 million is a whole lot of money. No. Yo. Just a one note on Tim. When he's like being really sort of expressive Bombastic. and dramatic like yeah. this, it means he's talking completely out of his ass and he's just selling the... It, so it's a good thing then? This movie is a success? Tone of his voice. Yeah, yeah, I feel like he's he's studied certain like cable news monologues or something Limbaugh. like that. Yeah, maybe it's Limbaugh. Um, but like I'm trying to look up. You know, Black Panther also made 1.3 billion dollars. One of the most successful. Okay, it's and uh, is anyone disputing that with Black Panther? Right now, it's sixth in terms of. Uh, in terms of Marvel box offices and behind, like the other Avengers games, which are those crossover ones, are ahead of it. Yeah. Um, Black Panther is—is is that a part of the woke agenda, or was that just a good wokeness? R.M. Brown, uh, who's been on this program before, uh, co covered this uh, very well early in the week and pointed out that, and I don't know anything about these movies. I, you know, I'm 34 years old. I don't watch them, but uh, and I don't have kids. Um, but uh, he pointed out that this movie is like a culmination. I think maybe this is what you were saying earlier, but like you have to have seen a whole bunch of these to have, be able to follow along with no, this no, film. No, no, no. This Marvel's one is you have to see, have seen the freaking TV show exactly. on like Disney+. Plus. I would say maybe that yeah. is a yes. better reason but, for but, but, <laughs> yes. going Let's say... <laughs> Like even get, getting to that level, yeah. even getting to that depth of analysis, his entire premise is just absurd. Yeah, guys, there's nothing going on. Wilkie's isn't even a thing. They're not putting political bullshit in the in the movies. That the the reason why Disney puts out these things is to have a cultural revolution is absurd. <laughs> yeah, these movies are the antithesis. Yeah. Of anything of like left wing culture yeah, guys, or yeah. there's nothing left wing about this. It's actually conservative and right wing. But including not, Black Panther. Including like of this any is culture, just a massive, yeah. massive money grab. Yep. And the idea that this is if there was such a thing of cultural Marxism, the idea hey, that guys, cultural Marxism doesn't even exist. 
that this would be it is just absurd. It fails. This is just like, like, and then like that fundamental premise is just absolute bunk. And then even if I was to accept his fundamental premise, which is that like, the reason why Hollywood makes movies is to change culture overnight. You could just look at other movies that sometimes they do good, sometimes do bad. It doesn't have anything to do with what the content is yeah. in terms of like these things. It's just absurd. This guy's running such a scam. It's unbelievable. I mean, Scorsese had the critique of Marvel movies and said that they were more like theme rides than they were actual films. And then Scorsese tries to come out with a, fi- a movie, right? Like that, you know, cha- challenges uh, Killers of the Flower Moon came out. It didn't do as well as anticipated. But part of that was... Oh, yeah, be- that wasn't uh, anti-white propaganda at all. Because like these kinds of movies have had a total chokehold on the movie industry for so long um, that only someone like Scorsese can get an actually woke movie made. Alan Moore, uh, creator of The Watchmen, also says the movies are infantile. Um, so I just wanted to skip ahead to, for Tim to discuss what superhero movies he actually enjoys and what characters Fair he enough. emulates. It's, yes, we should know that. Oh, he emulates them. <laughs> Covering the news, pushing back. He's right there along with us. Gen Z. Gen Z is pretty based, by the way, and it really is. I'm, I'm not. I'm not kidding. Sorry, uh, uh, I am sorry. I know we want to get going, but that's why he talks about this. Is because uh, he is chasing an audience of children, uh, and oh, they, now he's chasing children. Is he? Oh, isn't that fascinating? It, these search terms are really valuable for attracting an audience. Yeah, he's that's, referring to this someone. Is the only reason he's referring mm-hmm. to like a Gen Z person he had on the show who was like crit- critical, like similarly critical of like the woke Marvel movie. I should yeah. have talked about Marvel when I went on there. Gen Z. Gen Z is pretty based, by the way. And it really is. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not kidding. Like and subscribe. Uh, they're, they're pushing back against woke culture, and I think the Marvels is a good reason why. No, no, no. I know. I know. People are like, oh, Brie Larson obsessed. Now hear me out. Captain America. A story of a young man, scrawny, weak, with all sorts of health ailments. But he so desperately believes in what his country stands for. He wants to, to, to be someone, something bigger than himself. He wants to be part of something bigger than himself. He so desperately wants to serve his country that he tries lying to get in the military. I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm like, when, when conservatives complain about woke movies like this, I, and I'm like, I agree. Y'all need to do the inverse too and cheer and celebrate for Captain America. Dude, I'm, I'm, I'm pointing the finger at all the people who are like, superhero movies are dumb, Tim. No way. I want you right now, I want you to get your kids to watch Captain America. And I'll break it down and tell you why. Steve Rogers in this movie, scrawny, weak, believe this gets beat up in a fight, but refuses weak. to back down. Yo, That's that scene where he's in the alley and the dude punches him in the face and he's like, I can do this all day. Scrawny, weak guy, but strong willed. Even <sighs> though he wasn't the toughest, even though he, he had he had health ailments, even though he didn't he was, take his beanie off. Yeah. <laughs> That's the message you want kids to have. And he wants to join the military. Not that I think the military is doing all that well today. Look at my gun and sword was, behind me. He was I could do he it too. In his country, he believed in family and community, and even though he wasn't the. <laughs> wow. Wow, he like. Oh, what a weirdo! I can't believe he uh, likes a superhero movie. I. And he I, has a sword. What a great argument. Wish he just had like you know. It might be a little bit 
feel less like punching down if he had 5% more self-awareness, like of why he's so emotionally attached to the scrawny, weak Captain America. Right. He leaves out the part that like 30 minutes in, he becomes super buff. Um, yeah. most, some people like Jack Eye in the entire, he's a super soldier. He's yeah. A, and that, it, that, he's like, that could happen to me too. Some some also, like, I should also say is uh, very similar to the story of uh, the Bourne identity as well. Uh, yeah. I should also yeah. say. No. And, and just about every other, you know, movie of, of, of that out. Mm-hmm. Some people lie to uh, get into the military because they want to help uh, be the best, and some people lie to get attention on uh, YouTube. Yep. There you go. Does anyone have any patience for one more segment, or should we? I don't up? think so, but I just do. I do like the idea. He just goes of, on to say that all the, all of them are white, and all of a sudden people are making Hispanic superheroes and yeah, superheroes. Gotcha, gotcha. But um, I do like the idea of like you have to cheer Captain America. You know, there are people in the streets right now protesting the genocide in Gaza. But yeah, uh, guys, you, there's a genocide happening, so you're not allowed to talk about anything else. What no. the right should be organizing, even though you're making a video about this, sound is how awesome the Captain America uh, Captain are. America based in the Mediterranean making sure no other countries <laughs> intervene as uh, Israel shells Gaza yeah I can get on board uh, okay let's see Trump will invoke a 1700s law to deport immigrants oh you mean are you guys are you gonna lie a homosexual prostitute from Miami Vice they're talking about illegals are uh, gonna get a kick out of this so Stephen Miller is a Trump, a former top Trump advisor, and his wheelhouse was immigration. In fact, I think he's the guy who crafted the family separation policy. It was either that one or a different, like, very hardline Trump policy. And um, he's a terrifying dude, because he seems to be a true Kool-Aid drinking ideologue, and his big thing is like, fuck the immigrants. So here uh, we have a recording of him, and it's him discussing what Trump is going to do in a second term. And there's already been, I mean, we covered some of his immigration plans and a lot of it um, is not constitutional and goes way too far. I know he wants to do like ideological screening of immigrants, which is like, that's not a thing. You can't just uh, like- Yes it is. I believe there's already a law in the books about it. Litmus test their politics and then decide I'm gonna kick out you guys. You, I'm gonna- now Communists, specifically uh, communists. Now in any Marxists, no Marxists allowed. Of course, war with Mexico was a big thing that was being floated, how they want to, you know, uh, basically start doing airstrikes on the cartels. And this would be without the agreement of AMLO and the, Me the Mexican government, which, again, is wildly illegal. But here's another thing that he just floated. And this one really got my attention because I hadn't heard this one yet. And um, this would be a disaster. Listen. The only other detail I'll add to this, and I could obviously talk about it for, you know, an hour, but is that President Trump has also said that he would invoke a statute that's been on the books since the John Adams administration, uh, which allows you to deport any alien aged 14 or older without due process if there's a declared state of incursion, a predatory incursion or invasion from that country. So this is an extremely powerful tool that waives due process and so that would be an additional authority that you'd be able to use to expedite these removals. So in other words, they want to define what's happening with immigrants as an incursion or well, an that's obvious that that is the case. Invasion. And then scrap due process and deport everybody over the age of 14. That. Uh, that's illegal. That's an illegal. Is wild. 
So they did something. If you think, well, nah, they can't actually. They wouldn't go that far. They actually did something similar to that, and Biden even kept it in place for a while. During the pandemic, they decided we're going to uh, basically declare an emergency and have no due process and deport people right away. Say, hey, we got a pandemic going on in here. You can't come in here and just, just skip the whole process, kick them right out. And that was in place for a while. That's a little bit of a different situation because it turns out they're actually, you know, the pandemic actually was an emergency. So I think legally speaking, they were on more sound ground. But for this one, I, it, I mean, what you're talking about here is mass deportation of millions and millions of people. Millions of people. And? It's almost like, look, we're recycling again everything that happened in 2016, right? The, the, the anti-immigrant rhetoric. And now we're back in that position, except it's on steroids and human growth hormone. Right. He's gone way over the top with it and getting super extreme. I mean, again, I keep bringing this fact up and I think more people should. Trump's officials are discussing invoking the Insurrection Act on day one as president just because they don't want to see any protests against him. Remember, back in uh, 2017, they had the Women's March. That was when Trump was in office. The Women's March was the, you know, the backlash. And Trump hated the uh, optic. No, the backlash was the Antifa rioting on Inauguration Day, liar. So people protesting him so early in his administration. And, you know, they let it go. But this time they're saying if there's going to be mass mobilization and protests, let's just invoke the Insurrection Act and deploy the U U.S. military on the streets to, quote unquote, keep order. <clears throat> really, it's unconstitutionally taking away people's First Amendment rights. But they would define you it. You do not have a First Amendment right to riot. It's just keeping order. And there's another thing. I look, I don't, I, I don't agree with the people on the Democratic side who are what I would call institution humpers. The idea that like our institutions are so pure and so good and so just in every way. And that's why you need to follow the rules and all that stuff. And because I think in many ways, a lot of our institutions are broken. But when it comes to, to Trump and his people, they literally any institutions at all are like they just get in his way. The rules, due process, you know, it's, they just have a, a seething hatred for rule of law. And this would be flouting rule of law and invoking this extreme statute. It's not a rule of law at all. It's not flouting the rule of law at all. It is a law on the books that they can use. That's... That's crazy. That Now, if they want to go back to the 1800s and, and try to prosecute Trump on a law, that's totally fine. But no one's allowed to do anything else, though, if they're their political opponents. I'm sure this would be tried in court, but who knows how our right-wing courts would rule. They might rule that it's okay. But just like that, due process, out the window, and you have mass deportation. So, this is, they're just getting warmed up, man. They're just getting warmed up. If, if you're unaware of just how extreme a second term would be, go look up Project 2025. You have hundreds of right-wing think tanks who have incredibly detailed plans as to what they're going to do the second Trump gets back in office. And the bottom line is, it is completely and utterly obliterating the administrative state. That Every single awesome. agency you could think of. Who that, wants the administrative state? That's amazing. That does uh, regulation. Just gone. Done. You know, uh, they, they want to gut the EPA a thousand ways to Sunday. That is probably one of the top things on their list. Any sort of career bureaucrats who do uh, important work, 
they want to gut him and they want to replace him with conservative ideologues. And that would be an utter disaster. So, I mean, they're warning us how extreme it would be. And unfortunately, the Democrats aren't taking it anywhere near seriously enough. And uh, Biden's floundering in the polls massively. And it's just dangerous because these are your opponents. And your opponents are not messing around. And they're ready to start doing some very, very extreme things. Hey, y'all. You might be in trouble. Uh, let's see. Major advertisers boycott Twitter. Oh, God, this guy. This guy is brutal. Elon Musk is not a very happy person right now, and that's because he is hemorrhaging money as we speak with major companies like IBM, Lionsgate, Apple, Disney, Warner Brothers Discovery, Paramount Global, NBC Universal, Comcast, Sony, and Ubisoft all announcing that they are pulling ads from Twitter. Now, this advertiser boycott comes in response to Elon Musk endorsing a viciously anti-Semitic and xenophobic conspiracy theory from this person who wrote, Jewish communities have been pushing the exact kind of dialectical hatred against whites that they claim to want people to stop using against them. I'm deeply disinterested in giving the tiniest shit now about Western Jewish populations coming to the disturbing realizations that those hordes of minorities that support flooding their country don't exactly like them too much. You want the truth said to your face? There it is. Now, Elon Musk replied saying, you have said the actual truth. Now, I'm sure that most of you are already familiar with this deeply anti-Semitic conspiracy theory. But deeply anti-Semitic. If you're not, let me tell you who else promoted this. Hitler. Quote, the Hebrew Immigrant Aid Society likes to bring invaders in that kill our people. Screw your optics, I'm going in. Mm. Those were the last words. So that means that it's not happening. Someone did a bad thing, and that means it's no longer happening. Words posted online by Robert Bowers before he massacred worshipers at Pittsburgh's Tree of Life Synagogue in 2018. It was the single deadliest anti-Semitic attack in American history. In previous postings, Bowers explained the grievances that led him to commit mass murder. He shared meme after meme asserting that Jews were conspiring to flood the country with brown people in order to oppose and displace the white race. Quote, open your eyes, declared one. Quote, it's the filthy evil Jews bringing the filthy evil Muslims into the the country and as it turns out the world's richest man basically believes this so now he endorses the synagogue shooting oh this is not a smear at all too now what an honest homosexual uh, to suggest that this was elon musk's mask off moment would be wrong because it's not the first time that he's endorsed conspiratorial white mm. supremacist rhetoric yes conspiratorial white supremacist rhetoric for example in response to How someone many buzzwords can you fit in a sentence whining about the burning of robert e lee's confederate monument writing literally my ancestor we carry the lee names as a first middle in my family while i didn't need a direct insulting gesture to tell me that my kind is hated and many seek our extinction the implicit cues were strong enough i appreciate this image making it absolutely clear musk responded to that saying they absolutely want your extinction now how dare you acknowledge what commies are doing so today after commenting that media matters is pure evil i'll tell you why he thinks this in a moment matt bender points out that he's now possibly dabbling in pizzagate conspiracy theories as well but to be clear the straw that broke the camel's back for advert there was nothing untrue in that tweet it said that uh, james aliphantus was the homosexual lover of david brock james aliphantus literal pedophile uh, uh, involved in Pizzagate, and uh, none of that was false.
advertisers was the anti-Semitic tweet that he responded to, endorsing that vicious conspiracy theory. Vicious. Now, he responded to accusations that he's anti-Semitic by saying, this past week, there were hundreds of bogus media stories claiming that I am anti-Semitic. Nothing could be further from the truth. I wish only the best for humanity and a prosperous and exciting future for all. Wow, that's very convincing. I guess he's just going to deny that he endorsed an anti-Semitic conspiracy theory? Yes, because uh, it's made up propaganda. Now, he's going a little bit... You just used to smear people, that's all. ...further, to be fair, in order to prove that he's committed to combating anti-Semitism on the platform, he is cracking down on Palestinian political speech, not anti-Semitism. He writes, As I said earlier this week, decolonization from the river to the sea and similar euphemisms necessarily imply genocide. Clear calls for extreme violence are against our terms of service and will result in suspension. Now, after he made this announcement, From the River to the Sea started trending almost immediately, much like Cis did after he called that a slur and subsequently tried to ban that word too. Now, I've talked about this before, but From the River to the Sea isn't inherently anti-Semitic. When Palestinians use it, however, they're effectively calling for freedom from oppression and See, this is why this is all bullshit, because you just don't want your people censored, but you're happy that other people are censored. So you'll lie and say whatever you need to in order to get conservative censored. You'll smear them as anti-Semites. You'll say they agree with the synagogue shooting. Uh, uh, and, and it's just for political power. And that's why uh, I call bullshit. And if uh, he was censored, I'd laugh my ass off. Peaceful coexistence between Arabs and Israelis. So the context does matter, even if this is a little bit more complicated. But let's just be really charitable to Elon Musk for a moment, even though we don't have to be. And let's assume that he just wants to be overly sensitive to any phrases that can be perceived as anti Semitic after his little oopsie. Fine. Wouldn't you take it a step further and ban all of the Nazis and white supremacists on your platform? Isn't that the most. Again, not a real thing effective way to eliminate anti-semitism from twitter again it's not a real thing so you want to uh, eliminate imaginary people well maybe but these are the same people who also pay him eight dollars a month to get an algorithmic so apparently everyone that is signed up for twitter's uh, uh, monthly program is a nazi boost which is why we're all seeing more nazism and white you're not seeing nazism you're just making up a smear to try to censor your political opponents supremacy and transphobia so and transphobia is not a real thing if he were to ban these folks who are paying them money he's taking money out of his own pocket but because he won't take action against actual anti-semitism and because it doesn't exist it's a smear in order to try to gain power over people and in order to try to censor them. Because he engages in anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. No, he doesn't. How can you engage in something that doesn't exist? That would be like saying Elon Musk is engaging in snuffleupagusism. Well, that's not real. Snuffleupagus isn't real. Okay? You can't engage in snuffleupagusism. It's not a real thing. None of this shit is real. Himself. That's why advertisers are pulling out because he's very well, clear. Advertisers are pulling out because they're being blackmailed by organizations like the ADL. Clearly not committed to combating anti-Semitism. But how can you be committed to combating something that doesn't exist? Story somehow gets even stupider because Jonathan Greenblatt, the CEO of the Anti-Defamation League, actually applauded Elon Musk for this move, saying this is an important and welcome move by Elon Musk. I appreciate his leadership in fighting hate. 
Now, I just want to pause for a moment and appreciate the absurdity of this situation. The head of the ADL is praising Elon Musk, of all people, for his leadership in... Pretty funny. He gave Greenblatt a little bit of a handy uh, when it came to the censoring of the AIDS commie leftists for the uh, Palestinian shit. And I said before, I don't, I don't think... I think if you look at the Brandenburg test from the river to the sea, obviously is protected speech. So on the one hand, it's censorship. I don't agree with it. On the other hand, it is enjoyable to watch leftists take it in the ass one time when it comes to censorship. It's pretty funny. Fighting hate on Twitter of all places in 2023, in November of 2023. It feels like we're living in the upside down. Like nothing is real because it's too stupid to be believable. Or you're being thrown now, off a building. It's not like Jonathan Greenblatt is unaware of Elon Musk's previous endorsement of a vicious anti-Semitic conspiracy theory because Again, a day early- keep saying that, but it doesn't make it true. Calling something vicious, a vi vicious anti-Semitic conspiracy theory. Meaningless, meaningless terms. Earlier, he literally condemned it, writing on Twitter, at a time when anti-Semitism is exploding in America and surging around the world, it is indisputably dangerous to use one's influence to validate and promote anti-Semitic theories. So, according to the ADL, you can validate an anti-Semitic conspiracy theory one day, but the very next day, literally, you can be hailed for your leadership in fighting hate. Make it make sense. It's impossible. Now, this isn't necessarily too surprising considering the ADL's sudden desire to, I guess, destroy their credibility or what's left of it, all in an effort to protect Israel no matter what. So the organization has been focused on defaming student supporters of Palestinian human rights and painting them as terrorist sympathizers while urging colleges to investigate them. But meanwhile, they're giving actual stochastic terrorists like Chaya Raichik a- That's not a real thing. You just make up bullshit terms to try to censor people like Chaya Raichik as stochastic terrorism, not a real thing. Pass by temporarily removing her from their glossary of extremism and hate after she threatened to sue them. Now, at the time that I record this video, they still haven't reinstated her. And this is also bizarre to me because it seems as if the ADL is currently spending more time going after student protesters than actual Nazis and actual- Again, there are no actual Nazis. Hate mongers. They're like, in, they're dead. I mean, they're dead. Maybe there's a couple left. And they're even willing to give Elon Musk a pass after he literally, just last week, spread a vicious anti-Semitic conspiracy. You keep saying it, that's not going to make it true. The theory that was used by the shooter that murdered yeah. people. Just, you, you can say it more faggily, with more force, in your decrepit little AIDS-riddled body, but it's not going to make it magically true. At the Tree of Life Synagogue. But so long as Elon Musk is signaling support for Israel by censoring pro-Palestinian speech, I guess that he's acceptable by the standards of the ADL now. Just such a deeply unserious organization, which is sad because they do do some good work. <laughs> but I mean, this recent turn is just embarrassing because if you are applauding Elon Musk of all people after he said that, then you have no credibility because that is dangerous. Who cares? Who you view as credible? You're a lolcow. As they recognized. Now, in addition to double, like the jalapeno on a stick, he has like the same proportions of the jalapeno on a stick. You know what I'm talking about? You know what? You know what I'm talking about? I'll I'll play the video and then uh, you 
playing down on censorship on Twitter. Elon Musk is trying to silence media matters too by threatening them with a thermonuclear lawsuit because he believes they're threatening free speech on Twitter by manipulating advertisers into fleeing by documenting the rise of hate speech on the platform. Now, he ironically ends this long post by saying, stand with X to protect free speech, which is so fucking funny. Now, it's true that Media Matters does frequently write about the proliferation of hate speech on Twitter, but let's not forget that this latest round of advertiser boycotts is specifically because of Elon Musk's own words, not the hate that he's allowing on the platform. And furthermore, he's trying to silence Media Matters with legal intimidation. He is the one threatening free speech, not Media Matters. Uh, bullshit. They're just saying what's happening. No, they're not. Now, he said he was going to file a lawsuit on Monday. It's now Monday, and at the time that I record this video, still no lawsuit. But we'll okay, you're a retard. He filed the lawsuit wait and see however some of his uh, right-wing buddies are trying to come to the rescue and bail him out amid this latest round of advertiser boycotts for example the babylon b ceo seth dillon pledged two hundred fifty thousand dollars in advertising on twitter and tim pool pledged another two hundred fifty thousand dollars after seth dillon so I, I i like this rallying it was like tim pool seth dillon the quartering um i i think look it, if you can somehow figure this out, I think that would be great. So, hey, you know, it's uh, more power to you. They said that Apple was spending $100 million. I don't... Have you ever seen an Apple? I mean, maybe maybe I've missed it. I just... Uh, I would think if they spent $100 million, you would see it everywhere. I mean, when, when PragerU did a huge ad buy for their video, I saw it everywhere. But uh, I don't know did but that's not all because matt bender of mashable reports soon more right-wing media figures and companies followed with Good. pledges of their own albeit much less than the amounts that dylan and Pohl were promising political commentator benny johnson for example pledged fifty thousand dollars in ad spending other right-wing creators like the quartering donut operator gavin mcginnis and elijah schaefer pledged smaller amounts ranging from two thousand five hundred to forty thousand the controversial andrew tate a manosphere influencer who has previously been charged with rape and human and trafficking pledged the largest amount saying he'd give musk one million per month without even running ads for his own endeavors as of publishing a total of eight right-wing media figures and groups have pledged one million six hundred twenty seven thousand five hundred dollars in ad buys on x that includes tate's possibly unserious offer in addition the majority of those pledges are over the course of multiple months so that amount is not per month but get this to compare to the amount x has lost from fleeing advertisers apple alone reportedly spends more than 100 million per year on x ads where are their ads looking at it more broadly advertising made up 90 percent of the 5.1 billion that then twitter made in the year before musk took over now the reason why bender thinks that andrew tate's pledge is unserious is because romanian authorities said that he only had about 10 million dollars in assets and i say only but that's still a lot meaning that if he actually held true to this he would give away the entirety of his wealth within a year so obviously i don't think that he's really committing to this he's just virtue signaling for clout but just stop for a moment and think about how pathetic these right-wing bootlickers are they are all willing to donate money to a platform owned by the richest man on the planet all in the name of supporting free speech after he's demonstrated they don't want to be censored and fuck who cares what the commies fuck dude what kind of a sick fucking bitch would expect us to defend you after calling for our either deaths censoring us 
No one gives a fuck if a commie can say cis or from the river to the sea. Suck my fucking dick time and again that he's not actually committed to free speech i mean it'd be humorous if it wasn't so fucking pathetic but listen if you actually do care about free speech and you should there are much better places you obviously don't care about free speech places that you can put your money into free speech to elon musk literally just means free speech for white supremacists transphobes and nazis he isn't actually committed to protecting free speech i think time and again he has proven that his actions indicate that that is the extent of his commitment to free speech, letting Nazis say what they want on the platform and get boosted well, again, by. Well, again, faggot. That's part of free speech. The algorithm, but for and that's if I accept your faggot framing, which I don't, because these people are not Nazis. Only for these dumbass grifters, that really is the only free speech that I think they care about. So I guess it works for them. Either way. I hope that the advertisers continue to flee, but understand that well, this I hope is. You get deported to Afghanistan. Not the first time that advertisers have fled Twitter in mass, and I'm assuming that they will quietly resume advertising in a month or so once this all blows over until Elon Musk has another oopsie and they all collectively announce another pause from advertising. Listen, the true victory will be these advertisers leaving Twitter permanently, and I think that a sustained level of public shaming is necessary in order to make that a reality. But until then, we can at least enjoy the schadenfreude of the world's richest man losing more money because of his own hate and stupidity. What a sick bitch. Um, Farron reveals... Uh, so apparently, the, he's taking viewer questions here. Well, folks, it is Thanksgiving Day, and... Well, folks, it is Thanksgiving Day, and I am currently on vacation with my family, uh, and it's, I'm assuming it's wonderful. Uh, you know, it's filmed in advance, so I can't tell you for sure. Hopefully it's going wonderful, but I, I, I posted on our YouTube community page about a week or so ago asking for questions so I could do some Q&As for the time that I'm out. And I've addressed a lot of those. I've got more coming in the coming days, along with some other news, but a lot of people always to my surprise, want to know personal things about me. And I didn't want to devote, you know, eight different segments to just fun personal questions. So I decided to take as many of the personal questions as I possibly could Why and fit them in right here, right now for you. So this, ladies and gentlemen, is everything you never wanted to know about me, but you're going to learn it anyway. <laughs> Let's start with a question uh, from Jared Stallings, 465. He says, what year did you start doing videos on here and Ring of Fire? Uh, fair and balanced. Uh, we started that, I think, the day of the 2020 presidential election. Maybe it was the day after. But yeah, so basically since November of 2020, it is now November 2023. We've got over 400,000 subscribers and we've done that without any promotions. Most of this was all just kind of organic growth on YouTube, which has been phenomenal. Um, you know, I have not promoted it over at Ring of Fire, even though that channel has over 900,000 subscribers now. I've mentioned it in interviews that I've done and I've been introduced as, you know, Fair and Cousins from Fair and Balanced. But aside from that, you know, we haven't really pushed this in the ways that we could Part of it was because we really wanted to see, like, can we build another, just like we did with Ring of Fire, from the ground up? And we did a dang good job of that. And, and that's not even mostly me, by the way. That is uh, my, my YouTube manager and editor, Gary Bentley. If it weren't for him, this probably wouldn't exist at all. Like, he is the brains behind all of this. He understands algorithms. 
and, and, and just how to make things work. And he's a brilliant video editor. So full credit to him for all of the success here. So is he, he's the guy that's not editing out the farts uh, in the videos. Oh, okay. That's good to know. And over at ring of fire. Cause he does that too. So, uh, the videos over at ring of fire, ring of fire began in May of 2004. It was a one hour weekly radio show hosted by Mike Papantonio and Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Before he went kind of off the deep end. <laughs> um, I started at ring of fire. They started in May of 20 of 2004. I started in August of 2004. Uh, I, I'm still there, obviously, uh, do that every single day without fail. And I started doing videos for them. I originally just started as a researcher, then a producer, but I started doing videos in 2007, the summer of 2007, technically June of 2007, when we started a little project called Go Left TV. Now at the time, Sounds YouTube gay. was effectively in its infancy. You couldn't post videos longer than 10 minutes. You couldn't have ads on videos. They didn't even have that yet. Uh, so we started this thing called Go Left TV. We hosted our own videos. We owned the servers. They were actually um, our tech guy. They were in his house. Uh, but the server space, you know, just having the data and all that, it was costing us thousands of dollars a month. So we kind of shut all that down in 2010. It just became too expensive with no revenue input. Uh, that same year, Air America, where Ring of Fire aired, shut down. Mm. So That's we just syndicated the show ourselves. In 2013, we started the show on Free Speech TV. And it was at that point that I got back into doing videos again. And then towards the end, when we were winding down Free Speech TV, because again, that was like very expensive for us to be on it. Uh, Gary was like, just go do some videos. And we started like maybe just a couple days a week, like to come up and I'd write the whole thing out and put it on the teleprompter and read it very awkwardly. And then I got to the point, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go in there. I got my story. I read through it like eight times. I'm just going to, I'm just going to talk. I'm not going to script it. I'm just going to be what I am. A angry testicle. And the rest is history. Yes. Yeah. It's history. Testicle. Next history. question from Jesse F two one one nine. Hi Farron. Been following you for years and love the show on the subject of travel. If you could live anywhere, where would you choose? Stay safe out there. If I could live anywhere and I'm going to keep it to the, you know, United States. You know, um, I have not actually traveled internationally and that is something I desperately want to do, but have never financially been in the position to be able to do it. Uh, hopefully that changes in the near future. We, we would love to. So if I'm picking anywhere in the United States to live, if money were not a, not an issue, New York city, hundred percent. Oh my love God. It. My Can favorite you, place. What kind of a lunatic, what kind of a lunatic would deliberately want to live in a fucking shithole? Not New York State, not upstate New York. The shithole that is New York City. He would want to move. That's incredible. He'd want to move there. These people are mentally ill. It's the world. If money were an issue, I would pick Page, Arizona. We took a week-long vacation there this summer. I, one of the greatest places in the United States I've ever seen. Just gorgeous landscapes. The weather was wonderful, even though it was 115 degrees. Trust me, it still wasn't as bad as like down here in a hundred degree with a hundred percent humidity, Florida. I love Page, Arizona. We, we drove through a couple of places in Utah, Hurricane Utah. Gorgeous. I'd live there. So New York, if money's not an option or an issue, if it is, I'm heading to North Arizona or Southern Utah. My wife would pick Denver, Colorado. Not that you asked. I just felt like throwing that out there. 
<laughs> Next question is from uh, uh, Bonnie Agliata, 4780. Uh, was there an aha moment for Mrs. Cousins when she realized you weren't nuts and Florida had a problem? Oh, um, she still thinks I'm nuts. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I, I, I'm totally not a normal guy. Uh, but no, seriously, she understands full well being a part of the education system here in Florida, how screwed up it is and how bad it's continuing to get. Like <clears throat> we, we've obviously had some issues. Hopefully you have more issues this school year. Uh, per personally, you know, and, and those are, those have been resolved. Thank God. But yeah, I mean, it, it's much worse than I think people realize down here and I don't want to get too much into it with her. I don't want to, you know. That's, that's her private life. And I don't want to, you know, talk too much about it, but it's not pleasant. And, and she fully understands that mm. <clears throat> I'm not always pleasant. And she definitely understands that Richard Nickerson asks, what's your favorite salad dressing? I'm a Caesar salad guy. Now I Richard Nickerson asked you what your favorite salad dressing is. That seems like a troll. I, I love is that is like a troll that you're a homosexual and you toss salads maybe i don't know maybe i'm reading too much richard nickerson spicy ranch but not for a salad like as a dipping sauce a is spicy this guy is this i don't know but that seems like a troll he doesn't realize it ranch is great but if i'm eating a salad it's a caesar <clears throat> uh i'm not gonna read this username there is profanity in it but they ask farron's top five films please Number one is now and forever shall be Mallrats. Yay. Love it. It was my favorite movie growing up. Still is today. Uh, other movies. Don't say anything. I got to throw it. in Ghostbusters. Good. Don't I love anything it. I like. That's fine. I don't uh, like Avengers Endgame. Good. I'm a big Marvel guy. <laughs> Great. Just don't name any of the movies I like. A huge Marvel guy. Endgame was the perfect movie. The culmination Two. of all of this Two 10 left. years. Avengers Endgame. Two left. Absolutely glorious. Gremlins. I know see, Gremlins is not in my top 20, so fine. Seems weird, but I love it. And since we're now officially into the Christmas season, number five, I'm going to have to say is Scrooge. Good. None of the movies on my list. Very good. Thank God. My favorite Christmas movie. I thought movie he was going to say Die Hard. Of all time. But if we're not counting Christmas Die movies, in my top 20. definitely in my top five would also be Shawshank Redemption. Okay, good. I don't give a fuck about that movie. Shawshank Redemption uh, comes on TV all the time. I could care less. And if I'm ever scrolling through channels and Shawshank Redemption is on, I'm watching it every time. It doesn't matter if I just finished watching it. If, it, if they're showing it again, I'm going to watch. I don't like if I'm, I don't flip through channels. Like it's just not, I live during a time when you're flipping through the channels. And I remember like, I didn't like, like if I want to watch a movie, I want to watch the whole movie. I don't want to come in 30 minutes into it. I'm like a stickler like that. If 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 it's 30 minutes in, I'm just going to not watch it, and I'd rather just wait for a time when I can watch the whole thing. But yeah, that was during the days of cable where you had to like wait for the fucking movie you wanted to watch to come on. Can you imagine? This is this is why I just don't have fond memories of like I mean, there are I'm not saying it all sucked, but like life was not the best. And there's other reasons too. The cult stuff was obviously no good. But like, if you wanted to watch a movie, you'd be you you'd look at the TV guide and you'd be like, uh, "Oh, the movie comes on at eight thirty. So if it's six o'clock, you would wait for the movie to come on to watch it. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. But that's what you had to do. You had to like you had to look at the TV guide and figure out 
you know, your schedule and be like, oh, I want to make sure I watch this movie. Now, then you, you did have eventually VCRs that you could program to to record things at a certain time. So I was a little better. But still, my God in heaven, that sucked. That fucking sucked. Watch it again. I, I cannot get sick of Shawshank Redemption. It is such a good film. I, I love it so much. And that's probably the only, like, good, good movie. I know the rest of them are kind of, you know, goofy, silly things. But Shawshank Redemption, the first time I saw it, which was, God, only like 10 years ago, I was I like, holy crap. That's amazing. Yeah, I don't give a shit. Thank you for the question. Here's a question from Sora Roxas Zeon 13, uh, who says, if I can't pronounce the username, just call me zero. I think I did a decent job. Says, I would like to know if you and your family have sat down and played any video games by yourselves or as a family. And if so, what platform and kind of games do you play? Um, I've got a PS5 that when I first got it, I, I downloaded uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2, throwback to the original PlayStation days. I played that for like a year solid uh, and love it, but I kind of fell out of that. Mostly we play the Nintendo Switch. Uh, we do the Mario games. My kids love doing the Mario Party, which I'm not a fan of that one. Uh, Super Smash Brothers, like you're not going to beat me on that. Mario Kart, things like that, you know, easy, family-friendly type things. But yes, we, we do. We do that actually on a regular basis. First of all, so first we're, of all, first of all, you said on the internet that you're not going to beat me. I guarantee you there are thousands of people that would obliterate. You know how crazy good people are at video games? There's no, get out of here with this talking shit about video games. On the internet? What are you kidding? There's people, that's all they do is play video games. They'll fucking obliterate you. We're, we're a Nintendo family around here. Uh, Andrew Wallman 304 asks, what's your favorite bad movie? A movie so stupid that you can't help but laugh along. Um, Troll 2. And I know it's yeah, become another a one of these movies that it's like, I guess I can't talk because I like trash. I like 70s trash. It's not good, but just like, you know, the room. I mean, I get I get like some of the scenes are kind of like funny, but people like go see that in the theater on purpose. Like not it's not playing everywhere, but I've, I'm aware that like there will be a theater somewhere and then like fans of that movie will go watch it again and i'm like that's a hell of a thing i guess everyone has a threshold for bad movies and and like and i guess some people would view 70s grindhouse as bad so like to each his own but like neil breen and the room and like plan nine from outer space or whatever the fuck that's called those movies are so bad I find them irritating. I'm not, by the way, I'm not trying to be, I, I understand the meme. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but like, oh, let me give you an example. Like Neil Breen, when I have, uh, cause I, I've, I've seen some of this shit and I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm a little confused, not confused when I watch it. I just kind of, the whole time I'm like, does this motherfucker, like, this is so bad. It's like, you know what it is? It's like watching a mentally ill person not realize that, like, what they're doing is, like, a manifestation of their mental illness. And it's kind of like, an, it's a, it, I get into a weird observatory mode where I'm just kind of, like, watching a train wreck. I guess that's the point. I guess that's the point. But for some reason, I just, it, it doesn't, tra I don't know. I just, uh, 
But like I said, I mean, to each his own. People can find whatever the fuck they want funny. So look, there's going to be some people that would find Ilsa, She-Wolf of the SS, very bad and offensive and not a good movie. I mean, it isn't a good movie. I, I'm, I'm certainly not going to argue that it's a good movie. Or like, um, what's that one where they're cutting people's heads off? The hell was that movie? Oh, I Drink Your Blood? Or, or um, it's called I Drink Your Blood and I Eat Your Flesh, but the, the, the I Eat Your Flesh thing is a second movie that's not really... You know, it's, like, ridiculous. And, like, the heads are obviously fake. and So I guess to each his own. But, yeah, like, um, I don't know. Some of these movies are so bad, I'm just like, I, I don't... Uh, it's, like, a little irritating. I don't know why I get irritated. It's like, I'm not irritated with, like... I'm not, not in a bad way. I'm just like, are these motherfuckers... Like, wouldn't a person be like, you know what, this sucks. I think... I'm, you know what it would be like? This is what it's like. If I had a drawing stream... You know how, like, these guys, they can really fucking draw? You know, you got, like, the Ethan Van Skyvers. These people, they draw, they've, like, they've drawn for, like, comic books. Like, they've drawn, like, Green Lantern and shit. Like, that's high-level shit, right? It's if I, because I have zero artistic ability for drawing. It's, it's, it's if I had a real stream. If I said, guys, tomorrow I'm going to do a drawing stream. And then I sat there for eight hours and drew you know and i took it serious it would be like the fuck is this guy doing but i guess the mental illness aspect because you'd have to be i'd have to be mentally ill to do that to not understand doing that would be a waste of everyone's time i guess that's really the entertainment look at this mentally ill person with no self-awareness so i guess i get it i just it's a, i don't know it's a hell of a thing it's a weird cult thing but before that i actually saw that movie um when i was a little kid scared the crap out of me back then. But then I saw it a couple more times and I started to realize like, this is, this, this is really bad. This is so bad. It's funny. And then, you know, years later it did develop into this cult following thing. And I was like, wow, that's, that's kind of weird, but that is, it's a great bad movie. Also, I used to really love before it became its own genre, the really bad, like sci-fi giant, uh, you know, animals that are big and attacking people that shouldn't be big and attacking people. Me and my roommates used to sit around our college days and watch those all day long. While you fucked um, each other in the ass. That's <laughs> so that, that is pretty good. Uh, Sue Becca asks, Farron, you and I are close in age. What do you miss about the 80s, 90s, and 2000s? The music. I still listen to it all the time. But let's face it. Especially, you know, being a... I was born in 83, so I was coming of age in the 90s. Man, that was like the best time ever to come of age with music in the nineties and the grunge era freaking loved it. And then the early two thousands music, that's when I was in my college days, you know, so you throw back a couple beers. We had some good party music. So the music is a hundred percent. What I miss the most about those times, Steve Duntman, four zero four, four asked the question. Everybody wants to know, tell about your pets or is it just Aspen? No, it is not just Aspen. It is. Ugh. The dog, dog side over here. Pepper, he is the oldest. He is some kind of lab mix rescue dog. Uh, smartest dog you'll ever meet oh, sure. uh, to his yeah, own detriment sometimes. Stage. But Pepper is the oldest, followed yeah. by Hannah, who is an English cream golden retriever. And then Aspen, the youngest, who is also an English cream golden retriever. On the cat side. Oh, my God. Oh, boy. Let me start with the me? oldest. We have Duchess. 
Uh, she's pushing about 10 now. We have Trina, who is about a year and a half younger than Duchess. All rescues, by the way. Uh, we have Amber, yeah. who is... Your wife's doing this to you, I bet you. By the way, I'm somewhat guilty uh, in the past. I, I ended up with cats I didn't want. They're all gone now. Everything's fine. But, uh, you know, I didn't want the cats. And I didn't understand anything about women. So I just went along with it. And then, of course, one cat became a second cat. It was ridiculous. But whatever. You live and learn. It's a formerly feral cat that loves my daughter. So that is her cat. Um, Amber had two sisters that we also had. Star and Hattie. They both passed away. Hattie this summer, Star passed away several years ago. So right, unfortunately, we do not forward. have them anymore. Don't care. Then, of course, the two newest ones we have Loki. Oh and my Thor. God, you're still Wait, going on. This is on? the last one from uh, John P. Faf seven five three two. I got to say, fair and a lot of other commentators here are giving you some softball questions. A lot of people have been saying it. Big strong men with tears in their eyes. So here's a question: I dare you to ignore like the fake news media. If you had an all-expenses-paid trip for an event of your choosing, like the Super Bowl, Warp Tour, Disney World, but you have to take three Republicans and spend the whole time with them at the event, who would it be? All right, so I get to go to the event of my dreams, but I have to take three Republicans with me. Chris Christie. Oh, Chris God. Christie's coming with me. Could you imagine wanting to actually bring Chris Christie? What kind of a lunatic? You're a sick fucker. <laughs> I'm, I'm a big guy. When I travel, like my number one thing is like, oh, I'm going to find some food. And I'm not talking about, oh, let's go out to nice, fancy. Exp I want garbage food, right? Look, I want like football. Good. I want you to eat garbage. I'm glad you're eating garbage. Food. So if I'm going to the Super Bowl, I want somebody who's going to be able to sit get, next get, to me. Get your goddamn booster shot and eat some slop. Me and keep pace as we're just eating wings nonstop all day. Ugh. And I think Chris Christie could do it. Now, if I'm talking about like, hey, we're doing a weekend in Vegas. Uh, you know, I want people who are going to be able to party with me and keep up with me. Uh, I want to say Matt Gates, but I'm not into a lot of the stuff he has been accused of. So definitely not going to take Matt Gates. Josh Hawley. Let's have Josh Hawley go with me. Why would Josh Hawley? He's not a partier. Why would you take Josh Hawley with you? For a that doesn't make weekend sense. In Obviously Trump Jr. You know, you think he's on coke. Obviously, you would want to take a coke person. And let's see if that man who wrote a book about being a manly man, let's see if you can go beer to beer with but me. But I don't think he even fucking does that. Why would he even do that? Las Vegas. All right. Like, I don't associate with testicles. I'm not going to do that. Even so make the sense. third one, any event, I got to take another Republican with me. I already got Chris Christie and Josh Hawley. By the way, he's chosen all men so far. God, who would the third Republican be? This this is a tough one. Sausage fest. I I I'm I'm kind of leaning. Almost want to say Marjorie Taylor Greene just so I can ask her like, what the hell is wrong with you? But I don't want to do that. Uh, don't want to do Lauren Boebert because you know I, I I don't want to get involved in any of that nonsense. Boebert's obvious. So who would be a Republican that would be palatable but also also maybe fun. You know what? I got it. My pillow CEO, Mike Lindell. Come hang out, Mike Lindell. Let's talk about things. Maybe I can talk some sense into you. You know, we'll have some fun. Super Bowl, Vegas, whatever. He snuffs you out with a fucking pillow, homo. All right. The MAGA movement is helping destroy the Republican Party. That would be great. I hope that happens. 
It's no secret that the entire MAGA movement has of course been pretty terrible for the Republican party. And in the last about year and a half, it has uh, hurt them dramatically. It hurt them in last year's midterms. It hurt them in this year's off year elections. It's hurt them in special elections. It's killing them in fundraising right now. So the question is, can the Republican party survive the influence of the MAGA movement? In fact, that's a question one of our viewers asked. Here's the question from uh, user Jen for kindness. Jen for kindness asks, I really don't see the Republican party surviving the MAGA movement or cult. I am a Democrat. However, I fear what would happen if the Republicans lose enough power so that they're no longer a major, a major party. I feel like it could be years before one or hopefully more strong political parties emerge. Yes, the Democrats would get a lot done, but without any real opposition, I fear what would happen. What do you think? It's a great question. And yeah, I agree with you. You know, the, the MAGA movement is of course, ripping the Republican party apart and not in a good way, right? We kind of needed the Republican no, party to I, just, we, we need to replace rhinos with normal candidates that will do things fizzle out on its own, not effectively split into two factions where you have the, the moderate mediocre Republicans versus the extreme authoritarian fringe, which is the MAGA movement. So what would likely happen in that scenario is not that the party would just disappear forever, but would likely split in two. And that may be the best thing because then you would have your traditional Republicans who are just horrible on policy versus your extreme fringe. That's horrible on policy and horrible with everything. So that party probably wouldn't last too long because you're not going to find widespread support for that, especially if there is a moderate Republican alternative. But I used to also fall into this trap that we need the, the opposition party to the Democrats. No, we don't. No. I mean, a couple years ago, I was saying the same thing too. Like we, we, we need, you know, both. We don't though. We really genuinely don't. Because if the Democrats end up getting a little too big for their britches, then, and I apologize for that old slang. Wow. I shouldn't, I, I that's just embarrassing just for me. Shut the fuck up. Um, <laughs> the same thing would happen to them. You would see that party fracture. So then, then maybe you have something better. You have four parties, one of which the extreme right-wing fringe pff, goes away. Do you have a moderate Republican party? a corporate Democrat party and a progressive liberal party. Maybe from there we see more once the splits start happening, if they happen, and that's a big if, but once the splits start happening, it could almost trigger this train uh, chain reaction to where we do have more viable parties in this country. You know, right now, if you really want your vote to make a difference, you have to shoehorn yourself into either being a Democrat or a Republican. That's it. Well, most of us, even myself, and I'm a registered Democrat have been since I was 18 years old, but there's lots of things with the democratic party. I don't like, but still with all of the available options, I identify most with them. That's who I vote for. That's who I'm registered with. Uh, if I had money, that's who I'd give money to maybe, but that's what it is. Now, if there were a different party, then maybe 
not only had more of my core beliefs, but also had a shot in hell of winning, I'd go over there. Listen, I don't dislike a lot of what the green... Uh, you would do what you were told. That's what you would do. Um, so they're doing this thing with Mike Lindell where they're like, look what he brought upon himself for supporting Donald Trump. They destroyed this guy's finances and business because of his politics. They did this to him. He didn't do it to himself. It's a total gaslight. You know, one of the biggest unsolved mysteries in American politics today doesn't have anything to do with, you know, conspiracy theories. It's not a mystery of, at all. Democrat uh, operatives destroyed Mike Lindell's business. About That's Kennedy it. or, you know, is the government covering up UFOs somewhere? No, no, no. By the way, if there's anyone with a fucking lawsuit, if, if somehow Elon Musk sets a precedent uh, suing media matters, uh, I would think Mike Lindell would be at least one of the next people in line that should have a case. But, you know, it's difficult because you got to get reasonable judges. The biggest unsolved mystery to me is why the hell did my pillow CEO, Mike Lindell, go down this path to begin with, right? I mean, as it stands right now, Mike Lindell is probably going to lose everything that he's worked for in his life because he decided to go down the election fraud path with Don again, he's allowed to have an opinion about the election. Democrat operatives destroyed this guy because he said things that were completely protected speech that you assholes didn't like. Donald Trump. It makes no sense. Why? Like, what did he have to gain from it? And I'm bringing this up because I recently got a question from a viewer, uh, viewer, uh, uh, Vic Campbell, eight, one, three, one, who asked, why do you think Mike Lindell went all in for Trump and the big lie? Did Lindell expect something from Trump in return? And I wanted to talk about this question because I actually don't have an answer for it, but it's such a good question because it's something that as many times as I've talked about Mike Lindell, I never thought about that. I never looked at the why of it. And I think that is something that we do need to discuss. Why? did Mike Lindell do this? Now we know when Donald Trump was in the white house in his, you know, first couple years, he, he did a little thing in the Rose garden where he was talking about businesses in the United States and business owners and blah, 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 blah. One of the people he brought in was my pillow CEO, Mike Lindell. You know, everybody had seen Mike Lindell from those, my pillow commercials and oh, it's factory made right here in Minnesota. Um, and it was like, oh, okay, that, that guy from the commercials is at the White House. That's interesting, right? We didn't expect that. Mike Lindell speaks. He was very nervous, you know, <laughs> definitely not his forte, but he gave his little speech and, and moved along, right? And then he started to go more all in for Trump. And it's like, okay, we get it. Trump brought you to the White House. You're free to have your political opinions. Cool, I get it, whatever. I don't agree with you, but you can have it. It's fine. And then after the 2020 election, Mike Lindell became one of the biggest voices talking about the election being stolen, even though it wasn't Lie, and the rest is history, right? But the question is, why did Lindell go all in on that? He didn't have to, his guy didn't win in 2020. Mike Lindell could have been like, Oh man, sucks. That's so bad for you. Oh, well, I'm going to go back to my pillow factory and just keep making the a, pillows. Oh, here impression. we go. Um, and he could have just moved on with his life. 
and he wouldn't have been kicked out of all of the big box stores and he still would have but a again that's because of democrat operatives profitable company instead of one that is hemorrhaging money left and right to the point where he actually had to auction off pieces of his own factory um life would have been fine but he didn't want to go that route he wanted to stay hitched to donald trump and so he launches his frank speech his frank tv lindell t i don't know what it's all called it's all stupid but so he does these things puts millions of dollars into it as he himself says, he's spent tens of millions of dollars trying to overturn the election results. He's being sued by Dominion Voting Systems, by Smartmatic. Both of those lawsuits together total over $2 billion, which Mike Lindell does not have $2 billion sitting in the bank. And if he loses those, he could lose the company itself. All of it gone. Everything that this man built after he turned his life around, gone. And there seems to be no explanation as to why he decided to do it, especially considering the fact that he didn't have to do it. W was he hoping that if he overturned the election and Trump went back to the White House that he'd get a cabinet position? I don't know. He doesn't seem like the kind of guy that would be interested in that. I mean, so, so what is it? Again, that was the question asked. Why did he do it? And I don't have an answer. I wish I did. I would love to know because I don't buy Lindell's excuse that, well, I'm trying to protect the country. No, no, you got to have a bigger motive than that. And that's something that I'm going to keep an eye on because I want an answer to that. And I want to be able to provide you with an answer for that. And it may take a bit, but eventually we're going to figure it. Total gaslight. Um, he's claiming Trump pulled one over on Jack Smith. Special Prosecutor Jack Smith is still trying to get the judge, Judge Tanya Chutkin, to not allow cameras in the courtroom for Donald Trump's trial for his attempts to overturn the results of the 2020 election. And Smith has been very clear about his reasoning for not wanting the cameras in there. He has basically said, listen, cameras in there, Donald Trump is going to turn this into a circus, right? It's going to be exactly what Trump wants it to be, which would be the Trump show. And it puts a giant target on every single witness that comes into this courtroom. And with the witnesses knowing that information, it could make them less, li less likely to testify. So he's worried that cameras in the courtroom are going to result in a, uh, you know, witness intimidation type thing. But that brings me to a question from one of our viewers. Uh, Viewer nothing better to do 70 asked, I would like for you to speak about Trump's DC trial being televised or not being televised. Trump is going to try to play it every different way. Now here's the thing about Jack Smith's request. And this, you know, goes to that question. If Smith is successful and prevents the trial from being televised, you have just handed Donald Trump the best ammunition that that man has ever had in his life because he will go out there every single day claiming that the trial is rigged, knowing that we're not in there to see it, you know, so he'll make up these fantasies about what's happening in court, claim that he is the victim, all this persecution. I mean, they're doing it in New York right now. That's how we know it's what he'll do. And his base will believe it. And he'll say, I wanted the whole thing to be out in the open. I told the judge to put it on TV, but Jack Smith wanted it hidden because he's up to no good. Trump will say that. 
And unfortunately, millions of people in this country will believe it. Yep. That is assuming, of course, that Smith is successful in not getting the trial televised. I personally happen to think that this trial should, in fact, be televised 100%. Like, without a doubt, without hesitation, this thing should be televised. And I understand the risks that come along with that for the potential witnesses. But televised or not, those witnesses are going to be just as attacked by Trump's followers, you know, no matter what. Put them on TV, they'll be attacked. Don't put them on TV and reporters will report on what they said that day in that evening's news and they'll still be attacked. Like there's literally no way to stop that. It doesn't matter TV or not. So I, I, I'm sorry in this particular instance, I don't follow Jack Smith's line of reasoning. Okay. <laughs> Trump's going to attack these people. Maybe not with the gag order, but his followers will, his allies will. So again, you may as well put the whole thing on TV so that there is the transparency. And it's pretty easy to allow this to not become the Donald Trump show. Right. Just don't let him talk and make a defense. What we have in this trial, the evidence that we already know exists, which is just, you know, the tip of the iceberg on what is actually going to be presented is vital to the American public. Like we deserve to know these things. The man basically, according to the charges committed fraud against the government, the government's funded with our tax dollars. Yeah. We're all affected by this. Let us see what's happening. And I think that's what should happen. I do not think there are great risks to the witnesses being on TV or being not on TV. The risks I think are going to remain the same uh, either way. So at least give us the transparency. Don't allow Donald Trump to capture the narrative and spin it every evening on truth social. That's not going to help anybody. If we can see what's happening, we can see through his BS and everybody benefits from that. Yeah. Just don't let him talk. Um, he's pretending that the media is deliberately lying about the polling. The presidential polling right now is all over the place and it has been since 2024. No, it's not all over the place. It's pretty much in one direction. Presidential polling began about a year ago because the media refuses to stop putting out these presidential polls, even when we're a year or more out from a presidential election. And I understand that right now we're finally under a year, but let's be real. We still got 11 and a half months until the presidential race or until the presidential election. So yeah, maybe the media needs to cool their jets with all these polls. And that brings me to another viewer question here. This is from YouTube user, uh, William Steffens, who asks, with how inaccurate polls have been for even current elections, such as with the Democrats beating Republicans in red states where they shouldn't have, why is there such a push to put out presidential polling so early when all I, I hear is that they are worthless of actual predictions of whom will win? Love your thoughts on how to stop such worthless polls or what, if anything, can be done to now make them accurate. We have to stop the polling. Accurate or useful in any way possible. It's only accurate if it says what we want it to say. There's really no way to make polling more accurate today. Um, you know, they're still using the archaic methods of mostly 
doing landlines, uh, online polls are highly, highly ineffective. Uh, most of them allow people to simply refresh the page and vote again. You know, Twitter polls, obviously not scientific. It's going to go out to a predominantly left or a predominantly right audience, depending on who retweets it. Um, and you know, most people in the younger generation, if they get a call, they don't recognize on their cell phone, you know, from a pollster, they're not going to answer that. So you end up oversampling certain portions of the population who typically have a certain political bent. And that is why the polls they're have been racist. so inaccurate in recent years. Racist. Now, having said that, why does the media do this? Why are they still putting out these polls nonstop? Why have they been doing it for over a year? Because it's good for ratings. It's great for ratings for the media. And that's why the media is usually the ones putting out these polls. You know, the New York Times poll, the Washington Post poll, a CNN poll, uh, a Yahoo News poll, a Politico poll, a poll for the Hill and Morning Consult. It's media outlets that are pushing these polls because they know they can stick it in a headline and say, oh my God, Trump's beaten Biden in five or six swing states. Click, 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 click. Everybody's going to want to look at that. The media needs a horse race. The media needs the tension because, and I've explained this over at Fair and Balanced as well. If, if it's just a runaway election and we already know who's going to win, people aren't going to care. They're not going to turn on the news and see what's happening in the latest polling and be like, whatever. CNN's not going to get their eyeballs. Fox and MSNBC don't get their eyeballs. New York Times and The Hill and Washington Post, they don't get their clicks. So they have to put out these polls, even though they are wildly inaccurate because it draws in eyeballs and eyeballs, therefore draw in the advertisers. Oh, yeah. Ring of fire has fresh contents. Okay. This is uh, Trump campaign viciously attacks Fannie Willis. Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis has finally decided upon a trial date for Donald Trump in the RICO case he is facing in Georgia. And according to a motion she filed late last week, she wants to start it on August 5th of 2024. August 5th. And she says, of course, like, listen, this isn't going to be, you know, a week long thing. This is going to go through the 2024 presidential election. Not political at all. So she wants to start in early August and basically go at least probably much longer than three months trying Donald Trump and whatever co-defendants are still left that haven't taken plea deals. Needless to say, Donald Trump didn't like this at all. So he had his spokesperson this time. Donald Trump didn't want to go out there and do the dirty work. So he had a spokesperson, Stephen Chung, who posted this or released this in a statement. Radical Democrat Fonnie Willis has given, uh, has again proven that her case is purely political, designed to interfere with President Trump's re-election by demanding a trial date in the most vital time in President Trump's winning campaign. Crooked Joe Biden knows he can't beat President Trump and this corrupt step by Fonnie Willis is just further proof of that. Um, Vicious. You see, Steve, can I call you Steve? I'm gonna call you Steve. He Here's the problem. Here's why Fonnie Willis had to kind of make this decision. Because there's a judge in Florida. You've probably heard of her, Judge Eileen Cannon, right? She's, she's presiding over Donald Trump's documents trial. And rather than give us a firm date on when she's like, this is the drop dead date that we're going to start my trial that also could go for a month or two. Um, she essentially tried to take up the entire calendar starting in March. Mm. 
She's like, in March, I'm going to let you know some other deadlines. We may start in May, but probably not. Maybe it's going to be four months delayed, maybe six months, maybe before the election, maybe after the election. Hey, I don't know. I'm a piece of crap. Uh, she's a piece because of crap Because of that, Fonnie Willis knows, okay, well, I guess I can't do March. That's obviously when Judge Chutkin's doing it. Cannon's got some big stuff coming down. I can't set it for May because if I set it for May and then Cannon does not delay, then I'm kind of screwed because she did kind of reserve the date first. So I'm putting it far enough out to where if Cannon does what Cannon is supposed to do, we would then have time to do it. So you can piss and moan all you want about Fonnie Willis and accuse President Biden of trying to take down his political opponent, which he's, by the way, already done before. So I don't think this is really what you think it is. Trump does not have a strong chance of winning nationally. Um, I don't care what the polls say. The election results speak for themselves. But this is all happening because your guy's judge, Judge Cannon, appointed by Donald Trump, is trying to game the system so that he yeah. benefits. Uh-huh. So if you want to be mad at somebody, you go down to South Florida and you talk to Judge Cannon yourself because she is the one who put chaos into the timeline and all Fonnie Willis can do is try to work around the anarchy. Bullshit. Okay. Um... Argentina elects right-wing supervillain. Oh, no, this is... Uh, I'm sorry, this was from the other day. My apologies. Former prosecutor... The first election, Hold which on. did not uh, provide a winner, was about a month ago. Hold yeah. on. Okay, here we go. This is... Uh, Former federal okay. prosecutor Andrew Weissman absolutely laid into Judge Eileen oh, Cannon Totally nonpartisan, incredible. Andrew Weissman. Last week, when she decided that she wasn't even going to pretend to play by the rules in the upcoming Trump trial for stealing classified documents. She's done nothing illegal, nothing wrong. Here's what happened Jack Smith, the you know special prosecutor, the DOJ essentially, filed a motion with the court saying that using, you know, CIPA section five, we need a deadline for Trump to tell us what classified documents he's going to be bringing to the trial. There is a full federal legal, well-established procedure for any defendant that wants to bring classified documents as evidence in a trial. And they said, we got to have that deadline soon so that we know we can prepare and we can of course get the correct security clearances. And Judge Cannon said, no, no, I'm just not going to do it. Bullshit. Uh, it's going to be like March. March will be the deadline. And the trial may start in May. So good luck with that. Bullshit. Like completely, what, this, no joke. This is the worst ruling. And it shows that she does not know what she's doing. Like, I don't know if this is just 100% because of her bias or if she just is dumb as a box of hammers. I think it's actually both, to be honest yeah. with you, because she doesn't know what the hell she's doing. And this is absolutely, by the way, the kind of thing that the DOJ could use as the final nail in the coffin to file a successful yes. motion for kind of arrest her. recusal, because this almost violates the law, basically. Uh -huh. But here is what former federal prosecutor Andrew Weissman said. Breaking, Judge Cannon's bias is showing over and over again. Smith has to be weighing whether, when, and how to seek her reversal by the Court of Appeals and her removal. 
not scheduling a SIPA section five hearing, which is routine is a clear sign. She is just as much in the bag for Trump as when she issued her horrendous pretrial rulings, both reversed and scathing language by the conservative 11th circus. What a piece of work is she? The 11th circus. And I agree a hundred percent. Of course you do. Because this kind of like Andrew Weissman is pointing out, like Mm. she she's, she's almost violating the law. Like we can't say she's definitely (laughs) violating the law, but she is right on the edge oh uh, of God. doing something. That's ridiculous. She, it is up to her when these hearings are. She can schedule them whenever the fuck she wants to. That is illegal. It's not illegal you at all. You're insane. Have to schedule that hearing. She is going to schedule it, and you're going to figure it out in March, as she said. You have to allow for the discovery of information, and right now she is literally blocking the discovery no, she's process. Not. That's a total lie. Yes. Total lie. Now that would be illegal. She's not doing that. So it is beyond past time for Jack Smith to submit that motion to the 11th circuit. And as Weissman pointed out, the 11th circuit court of appeals, which oversees Cannon, it's a conservative court. And they've already smacked her down every time that one of her rulings or motions has been brought to them. Even they know that she's full of it. Even they know that she's biased and even they know that she is just painfully stupid and bad at this. (laughs) But they're going to be calling for her execution soon. But Smith's going to lose his case if he doesn't get it away from Judge Cannon. Even though the evidence is crystal clear against Donald Trump, Smith will lose if Cannon is the judge presiding over it. What a bunch of clowns. All right, let's see. What do we have here? I think we had, uh, there was uh, one second, 123. Not 123, it's 1123. All right. I thought there was, uh, excuse me. Let me go up here one second. There it is. All right. This is uh, breaking news from show Suginu. Says this is, uh, okay. This sing except substitute a Ferrata. I don't know what that is. Let's have a look here. All right. Let's see. Oh, the Adams family. Something about the Adams family. Oh, okay, hold on. Where are you going? There's trouble. Hey, not to worry. Plan B. But that hideous little girl. I'm in charge. Ten minutes. Mamushka, 
this detestable festers the echt fester atoms. So hey, 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 let's dance the dance of brotherly love. Mamusha! All right, let's see here. Silky Johnson says, um, HB, do you think Reverend Shitstein will bless us with a sermon on the call-in show? I think it's I think it's possible. Things are crazy. I need some spiritual energy. The words from the unwiped asshole nigga, again quoting, <clears throat> restow my faith in humanity. Going to the grocery store is enough at times. Yes, it's uh, it's very it's a very powerful spiritual movement, the UAN religion. So we will we will have to see. Um, let's see here. Cooper Sees the Truth says, This case shows how duplicitous commies like Bagel's Fagman are. He's saying, This judge ruled Trump participated in insurrection, but the 14th Amendment does not apply to presidents, so we just need to disregard the half of the ruling that we don't like. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They'll do anything. They will do anything. Silky Johnson says, actually, HB, your rapidly homosexual brother should dedicate the new wing of the bathhouse to Mikey Michael. He's such a disgusting faggot, he oozes an aura of bathhouse sodomy and semen. He gives John a run for biggest homo, though he's not as hysterical. Oh, was it the John Adiarola wing? Was that the one that, that was being worked on? They obviously have all been completed. Uh, so they're working on new ones, obviously. Yeah, he's uh, jalapeno on a stick is really just, uh, ooh. Uh, ugh. Silky Johnson says, uh, shout out to Gun Fox for his generosity. Absolutely. As a special thank you, we, and by that I mean our homosexual brothers and sisters and tr slash trannies, should have a special game of pin the penis on the anus and make him the game leader. Got to get lots of lube and blindfolds. Yeah, there's the... The amount of activity at that bathhouse now, it's crowded. It is crowded. Hopefully everyone has uh, taken all their AIDS medications because uh, got to watch out. That is going to be a hell of a thing. All right. Let's see here. Um, one moment. Let me refresh. Let's see. One moment. Okay. Let me just go through, make sure we're cleared out here. Okay, very good there. Okay, loading. I think we have... Um... All right. I think this is an outro. Another breaking news from Sho Suginu. Let me load this up on the uh, Rumble page. One second. Yeah, all right. Okay, one second. Here we go. Loading. All right. God damn it. Okay. Here we go. See if this comes through. There it is. Okay. Okay. He, uh, this was submitted earlier as a breaking news. Let's have a look here. Again, breaking news from the internet from Sho Suginu.
Well, I know I miss more than hit with a face that was launched to sink, and I seldom feel the bright relief. It's been the worst day since yesterday. There's one thing I have said is that the dreams I once had now lay in bed as the four winds blow my wits through the door. It's been the worst day since yesterday. That's the uh, end of the stream. Next stream is Saturday, 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, thank you for all the people that sent Streamlabs Super Chats and Breaking News. And thank you again, GunFox, for the bathhouse explosion at the Soft Gentleman's Bathhouse. Uh, you can get an archive on Rumble, rumble.com slash user slash hardnewsnetwork or podbean, hardnewsnetwork.podbean.com or on uh, Twitter, which is at LiveHNN. Wherever you're watching on the stream or on the archive, I appreciate it, and I'll see you guys uh, on Saturday. I am the Hard Bastard. Thank you for watching.